Hey guys, welcome back to the Anime Collector and welcome back to the OCA Podcast. That's the Open Chest Anime Podcast with your host, the Anime Collector, and my co-host, Anjobo Agi. Greetings, greetings and hello in seasons galore, as well as a Canadian of FDMM to be explored. All right. <laughs> hello, fellow Tabernacles. <laughs> <laughs> Otaku, so did you hear that? <laughs> I can vaguely say that because I have uh, French in me. <laughs> Is that some sort of Klingon? <laughs> no, it's a, it's like a a curse it's like word. An, it's like an French. N word that only Canadians can use, right? <laughs> French, French Canadians. Oh, oh a tabernacle right. was. I don't know if it goes to church. But, Let's no, move on. That's a to tabernacle. The, the topics. <laughs> Okay. Um, so we we have a hell of a lot to get through in this podcast. A um, lot of news this week. So we're going to start with uh, some opening discussion things just so I can get some stuff out of the way now. So the latter half of the podcast doesn't feel bottom heavy. So Tumblr bans all porn. <clears throat> I have to say, whoever writes for Sankaku Complex, I, I love, <laughs> I love how they phrase this. Tumblr is set to become an even safer space with all porn being banned from the 17th of December onwards. That's next week. So, blogging platform Tumblr is set to ban all pornographic images from the 17th of December as a result of Yahoo slash Verizon's desire to make a more welcoming environment for the site's community. Yeah, so what I've been hearing real quick is that this was Verizon's doing, not uh, Tumblr uh, specifically. Um, I, but I guess I Verizon probably owns else. them. So, say what? I heard something else. I heard the reason for these bans, or at least what I got from the news, was Trump signed some sort of law to, or something, maybe not a law. <laughs> but the initial point of this is to try to stop sex trafficking in this open platform that you can easily trace the person if they get caught or if people normally that would like to tattle on that sort of back thing. page that wasn't tumblr that was for back page and okay. uh but i i do i am tickled at the thought that even this is being spun as a blame trump incident because well, of course it is no i'm not saying you are but i'm saying that the news you heard that somebody decided to spin it that way and it got to your ears. Anyway. Then again, then again, technically, if you want to look at it, if it passes, that means both parties agreed on it. So you can't really muck sling a color at this point, but continuing. Well, I, I think the back page thing was an executive order. It was part of Trump's executive order to crack down on uh, sex trafficking because there is, there is like a, like it gets no news coverage, but there's an, there's been an enormous, amount of uh, arrests uh, since Trump took office regarding uh, pedophiles and uh, sex trafficking and like rings busted up where they're getting like thousands of people at a time. Um, so there's been a pretty significant push on, on his part to, uh, to like stamp out this in America. But uh, with some exceptions, all images depict depicting sexual activity and nudity will be banned from the site. Although erotic literature <laughs> Will still be allowed. Okay, so uh, that's nothing new. Uh, <laughs> Even today, you can write almost anything and get away with it. But if you 
reenact it, shame on you. Which I have no well, idea. Well, this is this is another thing that there, there's just so much to unpack here. First of all, we're going to discuss something else at the end of the articles uh, that is specifically about the literature aspect regarding China. Um, but uh, the thing about this is that this is like um, uh, when we discussed the the lollycon uh, is a thought crime idea is that. A, as long as it's literature, right? As long as you're not, as long as it's not depicting a child, it's like, it's a drawing, you know? It's like, it's just text on a page. It's like the book Lolita is okay, but it, maybe we should get rid of that movie that was made. You know what I mean? It's that kind of thing. Yeah. So uh, the site will, however, allow nude artwork, including classical statues, as long as no sexual activity is shown. Feminists approved forms of nudity, such oh, as wow. photographs to breastfeeding, <laughs> Women who have just given birth and nudity uh, during political protests will also escape the ban. So uh, oh. basically what's going on here is that they're giving themselves an open. Uh, uh, this is the exact same thing that happened with steam. They're giving themselves a blanket ability to just ban whatever they want. Uh, if it's sexual in nature um, and uh, like it, it's, all this stuff is loose enough that they can argue their way one way or the other on what they want to allow and what they don't want to allow. Chief Executive Officer Jeff D'Onofrio has defended his decision to remove the last valid, <laughs> the last valid reason to use the notoriously cancerous site, making the following comments: FDDM, did you write this article? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, we've realized that in order to continue to fulfill our promise in place and place in culture, especially as it evolves, we must change. If users still want to see pornograph pornographic Porn content fat. hosted on Tumblr, there are no sh shortage of sites on the internet that feature adult content. We will leave it to them and focus our efforts on creating the most welcoming environment possible for the community or for our community. D'Onofrio has decided not to ban or delete blogs that currently host pornography, but instead encourage them to post more appropriate content by restricting their visibility even further to the point that nobody will ever find it. So that's that's like videos in YouTube that get put in limited state mode, where as to quote to quote whoever I think it was. It wasn't Susan Wojcicki. It was a guy. I forget who, what his title was, but he's like, oh, we're not calling for censorship. We're just saying, take it off the page. <laughs> no links to it. If you can't find it, it's still there. But, <laughs> you know, so that's basically what's going on right yeah. now. Um, kind of like some uh, kind of like some older backlog. Uh, all right. What do you call it? Like if you're looking on Amazon for some for a particular item and it's been far so long since it either sold or is now technically part of a backlog for some reason they get rid of it for an easier search but it's still there kind of like how the noir set that i have okay so what basically what you're trying to say is that uh certain things get archived to a degree where they aren't prioritized in search but they technically yes. still exist. Like if you know how to find them. Um, so yeah, but regarding the overall, what this means for us in the anime community stuff, first of all, I don't use Tumblr. My wife uses it all day long. Um, <laughs> but uh, um, like in, uh, in the past, I, I was literally just watching the third uh, episode of the podcast uh, earlier today. 
And uh, she had like shared a, um, if you guys remember back then, she had shared a, a picture she found. Actually, I know, I think this particular picture was sent to her, but this kind of thing happens all the time where she sends me something. Uh, it was a, pic a picture of um, Brienne of Tarth and that other guy, uh, the red haired guy from Game of Thrones, uh, on a, like basically as the cover of a romance novel, except that Brienne of Tarth was the guy and, uh, <laughs> and the other guy, uh, Tormund, I think his name is, was the. She's on it all day. I don't think it's going to affect her too much um, because, you know, the adult aspect of, of Tumblr isn't something that she's on. But uh, I do think that this is going to, like, destroy the... Uh, Tumblr as a the, whole. As a whole, yeah. No, I mean, and, and the, here's the thing. This is the thing that, that really sucks about this. And, and <laughs> Tumblr as a community... Now I'm not, if you use Tumblr, I'm not suggesting you're part of this community, but I'm saying that you're like the microscopic spec that isn't part of this community. You know, you're the minority, you're the exception, not the rule kind of thing. Uh, Tumblr's community is absolute cancer, right? And that cancer is about to get kicked out of their home and find a new place to live. So get ready, the rest of the internet, they're coming. Anyway, so... As far as this goes with anime content, as they're saying, uh, it seems like as long as it's not explicit hentai, there's it's not going to affect the anime community too horribly. But uh, again, this isn't something that I'm personally affected by. Um, I, I don't really use Tumblr, but we'll just have to see how this unfolds. And we'll talk about some other stuff as we continue that'll... Uh, kind of continue this trend of, of what's going on here. So we got a couple more things to discuss. First of all, just so you guys know, number six is going out of print. I got an email today from Spentai. Which was already yeah. established if you read the doc, um, yeah. the Aniplex doc, but hey. Just, well, just it was reminding also established you, back in the summer. I'm just reminding you that, that oh, yeah. it's going out of print and you don't have a lot of time yeah. left if you wanted to get it. It is a Yaoi, correct? So Technically, I, I think it's so focused on the actual story that like, even non-Yaoi fans can still enjoy it for what it is. Isn't yeah, it so supposed I, to be like some sort of espionage story? Okay, so all yes. I'm saying uh, is that it's it's more. I think my wife has seen it. Um, it's more of a uh, dystopic uh, society and people trying to like overthrow in a revolution or something like that. But um, instead of it being a straight romance, it's a yaoi one. Yeah. So, and anyway, um, just to clarify, if you have, if you were planning on trying to get everything, or you just this particular title was something you've been holding off on getting, but you wanted it, it's probably a good time to get it. I think it's only nine ninety nine on Sentai right now. Um, yeah, anyway. Sentai sales like never ending for the month right. of December. Otter Media lays off ten percent of staff in restructuring. AT and T's digital media company Otter Media. The holding company that operates Crunchyroll and Verve's parent company, Elation, laid off about 10% of its staff as part of a company reorganization on Wednesday. Otter Media employs about 1,400 people, so the layoffs will affect about 140 full-time employees and contractors. Variety reported that the layoffs spanned most of Otter Media's divisions, but Elation was not affected. As a part of the restructuring, Rooster Teeth is now a part of Elation, and Machinima will be folded into Otter Media beginning on J January 1st. AT&T announced in August that it had acquired the entirety of Otter Media from its previous co-owner, the Chernin Group. 
AT&T announced at the time that it planned to fold the company into Warner Media, the new content company created after AT&T's acquisition of Time Warner in June. Since the acquisition, Warner Media closed the Drama Fever streaming service on on October 16th, resulting in layoffs right. for 20% of the company's 110 employees. Warner Media also closed the Filmstruck streaming service on November 29th. So the reason that I'm bothering to read through all this is streaming services. This is so bizarre because I, over the past couple days, uh, I have rewatched the first three podcasts. And I noticed that uh, we had discussed way, way back then the AT&T buying out um, ownership of Otter Media and all that stuff, right? And we were we were speculating on where this was going. And, and we, at that moment, and going up to this moment even, had been talking about the fact that this is obviously a sort of a gold rush or a, a streaming war is happening. Like, we've been talking all this time. Disney is setting up their own streaming service. That's why Daredevil and all those things were pulled off Netflix. Like, they're, they're canceled and they're not doing... Uh, they're not continuing it, you know, is because Disney needs to compete. Sony bought Funimation. All these things are happening, and it's very obvious that the industry is seeing um, streaming as a gold mine that they need to be a part of. Because if you don't, if you let some other brand get established, like Netflix, then uh, you get left in the dust. It's incredibly hard to compete once the momentum and the brand recognition and all that stuff is already up. So in this podcast, we are going to look at a hell of a lot of streaming news. All right. So do you guys have anything well, you want to say specifically on this? Well, there is good news. Not particularly. Machinima might finally be gone. Why is that good? Because <laughs> everyone hates Machinima. it now. No, I yeah, can't I shadow up for one. myself. I don't really care for the site. Or the views expressed you on this podcast by by Augie do not reflect <laughs> the, oh, yeah, uh, the corporation. <laughs> you mentioned something else, and I disagree. No, no, I can't say that. I didn't say you couldn't oh. disagree. I'm just saying that I I'm not going to call for the uh, for the destruction of of a company that a lot of people work for just because I don't like their content. Oh, I don't care oh, if world wrestling talent, exists. I, it's not nothing. something I watch. If talent's there, they'll mitigate them somewhere else so they can keep a paycheck. Why waste why waste good workers and rehire someone else? Yeah, obviously, but I'm just saying like, you know, it's a it's a brand that has existed for a long time. Um they they have put out their share of good stuff, they've put out their share of crap. All right? It's not stuff that I particularly watch, but I'm not uh, I'm not saying that it needs to be destroyed, you know. And and who knows if if whatever comes next is any better, right? But anyway, moving on. Are you guys okay with moving on? Move on. Right, I'll get, I'll get I will read this if you want me to, but I, I thought maybe you might want to just discuss. This is the mm, Annie Biz. Let's just discuss this. I've read this. I was kind of hoping while reading this that I would hear more like how they would negotiate titles, what would be considered a hotter trend or not. Well, let me let but me give a premise then. Before, so that people actually know what we're talking about. So real quick, uh, can, you uh, there's... can you pause for a sec? Uh, one of us, I muted mine, but one of us is also watching the podcast and it's echoing back on their microphone. I'm not hearing that. In the microphone? Yeah. My headphone. 
It, it could be you. I'm not hearing <laughs> you. No, no, no problem. Okay, I'm not it hearing you. Okay. Okay. So, uh, what this is is there's there's sort of like I, I don't want to call it a convention. Um, there's a gathering, right? Just because convention gives off the wrong impression, it sounds much bigger than it actually is. Yeah. Come to think of it, I should have put this in convention news, <laughs> just so that it would have filled up something in that category. But anyway, basically, there's a gathering that occurs called um, the Annie Biz Anime Business Conference that is where industry people um, from Crunchyroll and all these other um, places like that get together and discuss this market and, and how to um, like networking and all that stuff, which again, when we get into the streaming news, you're going to see a lot of stuff about Funimation and their relationship with Hulu and their relationship with Crunchyroll. These people all know each other, right? So this is sort of the conference where, where the meet and greet sort of happens and strategies are formed uh, and all that kind of stuff. Hey, cutie, honey, 30. But it, yeah, but says the, you know the anime Illuminati. I was gonna call it the uh, the anime builder Bilderberg, but yeah. <laughs> the well, Illuminati. I might as well say Bilderberg. But AC, do you know what they mainly cover in this article? Uh, yeah, I read the article. Promotion and the, the promotion and statistics of shirts. No, that is not what they talk about. That, uh, there is that's, one line. That's what I where, read. There's one line where, where what's his name, Ken Gao, Kun Gao, the the founder of Crunchyroll, says that he 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 began his his talk with an anecdotal story dubbed the T-shirt test 2.0, where he described being stopped at an airport in security, and uh, the person who was like checking him saw the Crunchyroll logo on his shirt, said Crunchyroll, I love anime, go on through, right? So yeah, he was but talking check about check out the size of that paragraph. It's like most of the article at that point. No, that's Which literally is... like these sentences right here. And then he, then Gao demonstrated the power and significance of fandom and went on to discuss the changes. This is not specifically about that thing. It's literally like these two or three sentences. This paragraph is about what Gao talked about. That's just the thing he started talking with. So it goes on to talk okay. about conventions and the way that, uh, the way that the approach that should be taken to conventions. And I think it's gotta be this girl. They don't, they don't picture her elsewhere, but they talk uh, about this girl, I guess, gave a talk and she mentioned how um, conventions especially need to be um, like they, they, they go on to talk about how anime fans are brutally honest. Right. And that um, conventions need to be, a celebration of the fans and a way to get feedback from fans rather than a money grab. Uh, and they just like, I guess the, I think it was the last paragraph. They talk about how uh, work to build, build longevity with fans over time, rather than seeking the quick buck from them. Fans are smart. They'll know the difference to which I say, absolutely. They will. Absolutely. They will. This is, this is the entire reason why we shat on uh Boogie Woogie Box and Legend of the Galactic Heroes from the moment they came out because they obviously felt like a cash grab. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But I'm glad I'm half and half on this article. I'm glad that they noticed the consumer and this is more like a positive towards the consumer reading. But at the same time, it doesn't really talk about other strategies then again that might just be just information 
that's not supposed to release to the public. Which that's what threw me off. I thought I was going to talk more about that considering the it's a pretty article. Well, I'll say this. It's a pretty substantial article for Anime News Network com compared to the stuff we usually cover. Um, and it feels like they don't say a whole lot, <laughs> you know, yeah. in, the, in the entire thing, right? Um, they do talk about, at one point, because as I said, they talk about conventions and whatnot and, and building things for the purpose of connecting with fans. So they talk about the, uh, at Anime Expo, and I assume other conventions, but I particularly saw it at Anime Expo, they, uh, Funimation around their booth had a Oron uh, high school host club and they actually had people cosplayed as the as the characters and uh and so the people fans of the show could have them host on them or whatever whatever the verb is for that activity right um and then they also talk about the banana pit which i guess they i guess uh every once in a while it's a convention they create a pit like a like a ball pit but instead of balls, they literally just have plush banana dolls in it. So you can just yeah. have the joy of waiting in line to to dive into a pit that a bunch of sweaty otaku have been in before you. Oh, yeah. but, uh, that one's was... from uh, Crunchyroll. Right. So, uh, yeah, because they, they talk specifically about Crunchyroll Expo. A lot of this, a lot of this article kind of felt like um, veiled promotion of... Uh, different conventions because Annie biz um, conference took place, I think the same weekend or whatever as uh, anime New York city right here. Right. So a lot of right. people that would have benefited from being there couldn't be there because they were at the convention um, anyway. But if you guys want to read this uh, yourself and get, get um, a little bit more in depth understanding of, of sort of what we're talking about um, the articles in the, uh, in the podcast doc. All right. So I got some quick news here for Kickstarter. Uh, crowdfunding news, by the way, before we end, actually, you know, uh, we're going to do pickups, so let me hold off on this, but before we end opening discussions, um, I just want to mention that, uh, YouTube is doing a sub purge, um, today. And, uh, I think going through the end of next week, I think it's the 13th or the 18th or something like that. So basically, um, there are services that exist where people can buy inorganic subs, right? Um, basically bots that sub to their account. And those subs will also sub to other accounts in an attempt to appear more like a real channel, like a, a real user rather than a, uh, a bot. You know what I mean? So, um, so when YouTube does when the purge, they, they get rid purging, of all those. Well, when, well, they, they get rid of the ones that they're, proprietary algorithm has determined were spam or whatever or bots or whatever so right but either you cut out what's going on way people are going to lose a I didn't hear that but I, I'm going to gather you said either Please way people God, are I, cut out. I cut yeah. out so so basically um, what I'm getting at here is that uh, the bigger the channel, the more subs it's probably going to lose, which, um, you know, that is what it is. And, and personally, I actually, a part of me really um, welcomes this because I would like to see an accurate number ref reflecting my subscribers rather than the number we have. The, the working understanding I have, which I'm going to have to tweak um, after this goes through. And by the way, the reason I'm bringing this up at all is because we might lose monetization for this. We might get kicked out of the partner program if we dip, if we lose 
200 uh, subscribers through this um, and dip underneath uh, 1,000. But um, which totally blindsides me because I've been spending all this time trying to make sure we don't lose that partnership for the for the watch time. But um, but the thing is that um, uh, I've been operating well, under the well, assumption well, that I have ten we'll percent of the total number. What's up? We'll just have to see what happens at yeah. this point. Like, just we can't do much about it. So while you're here, let, let me yeah. wrap all this up by saying while you're here, go ahead and hit the notification bell. You know, uh, and uh, and sort of oh, just true. make sure that you get you get notified uh, of everything that we're doing, because otherwise, and if you um, really appreciate what Brad does and what we do on the podcast, go to the Patreon. <laughs> I'm not going to stop you, <laughs> but, um, uh, but yeah, so I just want to like, bring that up. subscribe and share to your friends. Show your preacher. He'll get angry. I'm not trying to promote right here. I'm just saying that if, if, uh, you should be wary that it's, it's possible you might get unsubscribed from other channels, not just ours in the next coming days. So be vigilant about your favorite creators and make sure that, um, that you don't get disconnected from them. All right. Now you guys want to do some pickups? Yes. Um, yeah, sure. Please make them oh, small F and quick. Because we have F so much to do. You go first. Okay. Am I locked on? It's locked on you. Okay, Ready so... So I already had the complete series of this. Oh, God. Uh, here. I've already had this series before, the complete collection, but I want the art box. The full-sized art box. Oh, oh that's nice. the nude lolly fairy uh, side. Uh, so the art box for the third girl with it's the blue eye, it looks 144p right now. So it doesn't really matter. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so I like having a nice thick spine and in the 144p, am I cut out? No, I'm not. I'm still alive. Uh, <laughs> the thin pack complete collection is staggered <laughs> in here. I cut out again to fill up the space and the third volume that comes with the box is just <laughs> in there. But yeah, that, so that's, that is number one. Frankenstein complete. Yeah. <laughs> yep. But that's how I Ooh. roll. So that's how you then, roll. Uh, for, Mon for Mongo, I still have connection. At least yeah. it's all the same series in a box. Yes. <laughs> So for manga pickups, I got To Love Rue Darkness Volume 7. That was pretty quick. I thought the last one only came out like last month. Then I just got this one right today. Uh, Samurai Warriors, the only Blu-ray version available. Is that Sengoku so Basara? I'm still much like Sengoku Basara. This is actually a game, and my brother bought it before this anime came out. So I didn't realize that till way later. But yeah, it's for basically that, a Sengoku Pass or a clone. Uh, for that one, that one. was also a Funimation release that was lingered for like eight months before they finally released it. Maybe eight, maybe two years. I'm not sure. I just remember really? seeing it on pre-order and it lingered for release. Yeah. Well, um, this is... Uh, they released this on DVD a while ago. And finally, we got a Blu-ray version, which is unfortunately Essentials. However, the spine is at least, like, fine, which is what you're going to see 90% of the time, anyway. Except for the double Blu-ray band. Sure, but, I mean, what are you going to do about it? Like, it, it's Not much fine. better than the save. 
You hear me, Funimation? Not buy it. <laughs> That's what I'm going to do about it. <laughs> or you can buy the DVD version. And we got, I think this one comes first, Crest of the Stars and Banner of the Stars. Thank you, Funimation, for putting the stickers of the digital copy right on board. Uh, not cardboard, the slip case. And, uh, yeah, so now gouge prices for that. Uh, uh, this one I got in good time because the I got the rest of the Love Live, the season one of season three, which makes no sense. <laughs> Let's hope that ever gets here. <laughs> yeah. Hold on, which one? And it's season three of Love Live, but it's part one, but it's called season one. Of Love Live, Love Live Sunshine. Okay. Okay. So series two, season one. Oh, so Reese says those stickers come off easy. So no. I'm gonna hopefully track down all the stickers of the digital copies and peel them off before they. Don't use use Goo Gun because uh, some of them come off real easily and other ones will tear. So use put a little Goo Gun on like a cotton ball. And just yeah, but then I'll speed into the slipcase if I put too much. It, it won't. It'll be okay. If you do it through a cotton ball, just steep it on there and let it sit for like 10 minutes before you start peeling. But otherwise, just leave the sticker on, you know? <laughs> okay, so Konohana, Konohana Kitan. Yes, I was right. Uh, I just pre-ordered this one a while ago because uh, Tokyo Pop... They made the resurgence. The very first license of a real proper manga was this. Uh, so I was like, oh, I wonder what that's like. Does it have an anime? And it turned out that Funimation dubbed it that season that it aired. So I'm like, okay, I guess I'm going to wait till they release that, which just came out. So yeah. Then Heaven's Lost Property, because this was super cheap. I know you're cringing at the classics version right now, Brad, but... <laughs> Uh, I got this so I could complete, so I could complete the Heaven's Lost properties that I have. Except I need to import that. Yeah, I have to import the second movie that's in Japan. It's actually not too expensive. It's like sixty bucks, but I'll get to that when I feel like it. Then Tales of the Abyss, another sticker for digital copy. Um, it's nice that this is now. There's an HD version, and it's complete, and in print, and affordable. So that's nice, except it's still. Well, that's a double hit for a catalog, both Funimation and uh, Bandai Entertainment. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think FDDM has been uh, booted. Uh, he's completely frozen. Bob so said that. You, oh, you're back. Yep, how many, he's how back. Many more a dinosaur do you have? story. I have, more do you have four more. Can you show them real quick, and then and then we'll go to um, we'll turn off your camera so we can get through them. Okay, so Digimon Adventure Try the sixth chapter. Mori Bito, Guardians of the whatever that they took the subtitle out for. Sentimental Journey, that thing that we're watching for the Watch Club tonight, and the thing that I'm most happy about this week is the Pat Labor complete collection actually finally existing in my hands. And it's Turn not it a uh, it's not a chipboard, is that correct? It's not chipboard, it's a slipcase, but honestly, <laughs> it doesn't matter to me because it has a hole in it, so I would have been dis disappointed either way. 
All right. Let me click over to you. All right. So let's begin. We got Dinosaur King Season 1, Dinosaur King Season 2. We have Lupin the Third, Gold of Babylon, Blu-ray, front, back, boom. Hopefully that showed. Then we have Hells, and Hells scripted by, scripted by team, the people of Team Four team Star, Star, but dubbed by Studio Cadence. I'm Jack here. Flip, boom. I thought Team Four right. Star dubbed it. I don't know. They might have worked with Studio Cadence, but Studio Cadence has been doing dubs for a lot of other things for a long time now. I wouldn't be surprised if, if um, at least somebody from Team Four Star makes a appearance in the show as a voice, right? I thought that was the point, Probably. but I don't know. Well, it, right. yeah, that's what I'm saying. Is it like, why even bother if you're not going to actually use the talent, you know, beyond just the writing, you know, the thing that people would actually hear. Cause if you don't know that they wrote it, um, then you're not going to care when you watch it. But if you hear their voice, you're like, Holy crap, that's little curry bow, you know, or whatever. He's not part of it, but yeah. Well, for, not- for me, I like it being released cause it's a madhouse movie. I don't really care for team four star, but a lot of people do. If you like them that well, good enough for you. I just, Want to watch a Madhouse movie? I just like their uh, their Brooklyn Joey and uh, the Yu-Gi-Oh bridge. <laughs> there anyway, you go. Up next is all right. Up next, both seasons of Beyblade Metal Masters. Boom. So does that have the Moses Boom. episode? <laughs> what now? The Moses episode where he parts the Red Sea on a giant ancient Beyblade. Uh, I think that was the first one, but I'm not sure. Yeah, I, I thought it was. I just haven't gotten around to looking to what actual episode and whatever it was. I just want to see it at some point. Right. Up next, A Town Where You Live. Live. I need that one. And a Funimation exclusive on right, right stuff called Punchy Mas, Season 1 and 2, part of the... That video game about idols. Idol Master? Yeah, there we go. Followed by the one set of Dirty Perry I don't have, which are the features. Ooh, featuring two dubs. ADV and Streamline. Following that, we'll have we'll start with the more of the Sentai relief. Sentai sale that I got. So first is Takunomi, the story about drunken girls. Woom. There we go. We definitely got to do a watch club on that, just so I can make make it a point to watch it. We could. We should have. We could do this. Good. We could do a special <laughs> on New Year's for this. We should want. have. Um, we should have Dakota Broski uh, join us for that podcast. Zabongo, which, Zab- which this Zabungle? is awesome because includes the movies Zabongo, and on the back of the cover, since it's right stuff, you have a blue bootleg Gundam. Well, to me, that's what it looks like, but. For the longest time, I've always seen the opening for this, but I've always wanted to watch it. So, there we go. Following that is Food Wars, Season 1, Front, Back. Then, Food Wars, Season 2, Front, Back. What's great about this show is how they over-exaggerate the food testing every time. It's just like Yakutake, Japan, but much sexier and no... And no uh, black tristar out of nowhere. The thing Following is, they don't have the third season coming out for some reason at the moment, Sentai. Yeah, for some reason. I thought the show sold well. 
Up next is a series I can't stand in the least, but I am not its target. However, it looks very pretty, and that's No Game, No Life, complete You're season and movie. I'm not a fan of this. You would think I would be, but I just can't get with the main characters. The sub-characters are far better for me. If you like so, it, by all means, enjoy it. Let, let me address something real quick from the chat. Uh, yes, go for it. Kurt Von Steiger, I'm going to assume is how you're pronouncing your name, um, mentioned they just got Bandai set for Gundam 00 Season 1. So this is Season 2, but I'm just addressing this for you. This was this is a, a one-to-one bootleg, just for the record. So uh, check your set and make sure that it doesn't have this kind of case. Because if it has this kind of case, clear. it's uh, well, clear with the the... If you look at the the way that these are connected in here, these really cheap modular things, they, they pop out really easily. They're very cheap like cases. Um, well, it's the it's the the exact type that Funimation uses for the save edition. For save. Yeah. So if check your set and double double check that. And I don't know that I have the one to one bootleg for Gundam 00 Season One yet. So if you do find out that yours is the bootlegged one, I can teach you um, off stream a more accurate way to to tell for sure um and I, I might be willing to buy it off you to, so you can recoup some of your losses so i can use it in the bootleg series anyway well, back to you, back on. yeah and since you brought gundam double o i finally get got the movie and the ova which wasn't included in the original what was the movie called sets. blaze of awakening or something like that uh, or, yeah awakening of the trailblazer trailblazer that's what it was also in the chat reese said uh the b PPK. The books are, are great. Okay, thank you. Because I was about to say, what kind of bit rate is that? And up next is anonymous <laughs> front, then back, then front again. Followed by a clamp series called Kabuki Boo. If you ever get a chance, get, give this a watch. Front, back, moving on. That's clamp. Yeah, it's uh, well, it's someone that worked from clamp that worked on it. Up next is something that might be Korean, but no, it's from Madhouse. It's the Tibetan dog, front, back, fluffy stuff. Then followed by Classic Alloyd, front, back. This is season one, not season two. And next is Love and Lies, front, back, front again. I guess it's a romance. Who's drumming? Not me. And also, and also since I've already had Crest of the Stars, I also finally got Banner of the Stars, just like FDDNM. The only thing I can say that we're missing is a third season of Banner of the Stars, along with a few OVAs, which I hope they get. If it's at least a sub-release at this point, I'm fine. But I hope we get that soon. Are you sure? Because on the thing it says, Seasons 1 and 2 and OVA of Banner of the Stars. Exactly, but not Season 3 of Banner of the Stars. Yeah, I, and I on well, I, I, I remembered that I just rejoined the call, so I didn't turn my camera off. But um, I think Reese said that on the description it said like uh, Banner of the Stars season three was on it or whatever, which is the OVA. Um, I haven't turned well, it yet. Let me let me address Kurt real quick. Um, I I thought it might be easier to show you. This is the the official set for season one. See how the disc layout is different. I think that's Scanavo <laughs> being what? a case snob. Scanavo. Oh, the the type of case, yeah. I've been uh, I've been trying to move forward uh, with FDNM on a collaborative video regarding uh, cases for a tip video. So hopefully we'll get that out in the near future. 
um, maybe early 2019. Um, so just once again, just to remind you, this is what the bootleg cases were. Now, and just for the record, the bootleggers have modified their approach since this time, so um, they might not look like this anymore. But um, but yeah, just uh, keep me posted, and we'll uh, reach out to me on Twitter or whatever, um, or the Facebook group, whatever you want to through the uh, through the description, and, and uh, we can we can chat about this after the stream is over at some point. Anyway, Augie, do you have any more? I got more. I'm trying to make it quick. Go ahead. Okay. Ready? All right. Kestomer R, front and back. This looks very interesting. Released by uh, Band in Japan, and can't wait to watch it. Followed by, and I finally finished this, Maihime Mayatome Cipher. I don't know if that's the correct way to pronounce it, but good enough. Followed by Kabuto, All Tracks Edition. Kobato. 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 Isn't that one out of print? Yep. Okay, so we have a version of Blue Submarine number six. This includes all the video. Then we have one that includes all the audio. So there's two different ones. What? <laughs> I know. There's more to Let's that. See. Yeah, I'll give you the stars. What's wrong, Brad? I, we just have so much to cover. I'm trying to I'm trying to hold it together because I want to utilize people's time uh, wisely. Okay, to abridge it, uh, Reese says that oh, yes, OVAs one and two on the set are the Crest of the Stars or whatever Band of the Stars three. And I put the disc in now, and yes, there's two OVAs there. Anyway, okay, thank you. So I had. Night Hunters, and I finally got Night Hunters Guilty, which I bought Vampire cheap and Night. really got a price. What did I say? Night Hunters. Night Hunters. <laughs> You're talking about the Yowie. <laughs> well, what's the difference between the two? You already have Night Hunters. <laughs> I already have Night Hunters. We already covered that years ago. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Uh, let's pause on me and go to you, you Brad. Okay, so. I have stuff to show, but like I said, I wanted to make this quick. So the only, only thing I'm going to show you guys, since I already talked about it in the uh, in the podcast group, is I got a second copy of Galaxy Angel Rune 4. Um, and the reason why I even bothered to do this is because the original one I had was the, the screening copy they sent out to reviewers, and it's still sealed. Um, so I got an open copy that doesn't have that, so I can actually sit down and watch it, because there's no way I'm going to actually open the, this extra rare version of it where there's even fewer of them that were labeled with the sample thing and sent out to reviewers. So that's what I've got. Let's go back to Augie. All right. So also Shane, if you yes. want to trade uh galaxy angel rune four for nobody's way Remy, I would be absolutely uh, willing to do it. <laughs> so just like with FDNM earlier this year, I too finally got season one, season two, season three. This might be season four or an OVA. I can't read. And the movie of Hayate the Combat Butler. So finally well, a double cross, uh, cross out. From I didn't get that earlier this year. However, it is in a box in Brad's house right now. <laughs> Sitting right behind me, actually. And up next is two of my Johnnies, the movie. Or for those listening to audio, Eden of the East. So finally completed that. 
more from Sentai. We've got Pet Girl Soccer So. Phantom Fantasy Star Online 2. Got all tracks of Vampire Hunter D. A DVD copy of Squid Girl Season 1, Season 2 for easier opening. Five centimeters per second from Discotech to confirm if there's a double dub or not on it. I'm my own curiosity. Finally completed Gunslinger Girl with the Gran Turismo, both the series and OVA. Yeah, that's what it's called. Let's move on. <laughs> All right. Uh, Arm Girls Machiavellism for easier access. I'm not sure if I showed this last time. Battle Girls High School. Then we got another, which I ordered this one, then got another, which I thought I ordered this one, then got another. And then I thought I got this one and got another. And lastly, for what we're watching next time is this word. I'm not going to attempt because I'm going to botch it after talking all this time. Hey, I'll buy one of those another's off you. <laughs> why is why Sentai finally re, reprinted some and sent them out, so they're not out of stock anymore. Oh, what? So, yeah, go on to Sentai's site. They they just restocked it, so they're still printing another on Blu-ray. Which they did. The first one didn't come to me, so I assumed that I got my refund and I went ahead and bought the other one. So I only have two co two copies of this. Another. And by some Christmas miracle, I got a second copy from them. So we got Archangels, and last of all, I got an emulator in a box. Oh. All right. Okay. I'm done. Move. Go. Let Fun. us jump into articles. Hold on. Let me uh, screen share this. So, Kickstarter and crowdfunding news. Just want to let you guys know there's a... It's not a Kickstarter. It's on that Makuaka or whatever site. Or no, maybe that's what they're calling it. Funds on... Hold on. What is the site? Yeah, it is. Makuaka... Com. So there's a crowd. There's another crowdfunding going on for this uh, steampunk anime. I uh, just want to let you guys know that it exists if you want to uh, try to fund it. But um, you might. I don't know if they ship to the U.S., but just letting you guys know that that's there. Um, and apparently I opened it twice. Uh, so there's a new trailer for the new Godzilla movie. We're moving into live action, quote unquote, anime news. Um, and like every tokusatsu, at a certain point, literally every movie past like a certain year stamp is all about just getting previous previous uh, characters from the franchise to cameo. Like if you watch Common Rider, they'll have like forty different ancient designs of Common Rider show up to help beat the last bad guy. Uh, and with Godzilla, it's all about getting all the monsters in there, and also uh, Eleven from. Uh, Stranger Things is in it. So, do you guys have anything you want to say, or can I just... I do, but let's go on. Okay, alright. Is Levin the Ego Girl? Yes. Um, Live-action okay. Nisekoi film planned in two TV ads. Next. 
if you if y'all ever get a chance, watch these trailers. They are hilarious. And I'm even more looking forward to this movie because I saw them. Right. Hopefully, Anaplex of America doesn't release it. Uh, and not to be confused with live action Wodakai, pardon me, Wodakoi, uh, Love is Hard for Otaku. Uh, the film is being delayed until 2020. I think uh, Otaku so had to share this. So, uh, you know, Scary. we're going to wait another another year. So, but it's probably, it's probably like realistically, it's probably going from the end of 2019 to the beginning of 2020. So it's probably not that big of a jump, but we'll see. And Johannes Roberts is directing and writing a live action Resident Evil reboot film of which it's the first of six that are planned. And they go on later to say Constantin film announced in 2014 that the movies will get a television show spinoff. I think that this is potentially old news and that the television show spinoff has been retconned into a, a reboot series of six films. Um, so just mentioning that um, I am. So reading, reading through this article, I was actually kind of shocked because I didn't, I didn't think they needed to reboot it. You know what I mean? Like I, I felt like I didn't think the original um, movies were that important, but apparently for Germany, uh, they're the highest grossing uh horror movies or something like that. I don't know. But um, but it seems like it's a much bigger deal than it felt like. I just didn't think they needed to reboot it. You know, I felt like they could have just continued. No. But maybe they ran out of story to tell and they have to go back to the beginning and retell things that they skipped over so nonchalantly, you know. But we'll see. Now, AC, for those who are not familiar with the director, what other stuff has he been in or Nothing worked on? Nothing good. <laughs> um, I looked him up on IMDb. Uh, 47 meters down is the thing. It's a, just a bunch of like crappy horror movies that didn't even, you know, land on my radar in terms of like news about them. Yeah. You know, I'd never heard of any of them. So um, the original series was uh, um, by Paul W.S. Anderson. Um, and those are hit or miss, but some they're, they're fun watch, right? They're, they're kind of like a um, fast and furious movie where uh, they're not like fantastic, but at least you enjoy your time watching them kind of thing. So um, I haven't, who's that? According to your description, I have not seen the first one, so I'm now imagining zombies racing on the streets. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, I'm going to move straight into the, I mean, look at how much streaming news we have to go over today. So got a lot to, to talk about. Some of these are going to be quick. Others are not. Funimation and Hulu signed first look streaming deal for new anime. So this kind of shocked me a little bit because Hulu kind of destroyed themselves at one point, but now they're trying to gain it back. But the thing well, I find dumb is that you might as well subscribe to Funimation because that's basically the only variety Hulu has. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. well, let, let's say this, let's say this. So what I was going to say is that um, number one, uh, as we've discussed on the podcast before, um, Crunchyroll as they were growing and becoming a brand that was more, um, you know, like identifiable to, to streaming and all jump ship and started working there. Right. So that's something we've covered in the past. Um, but, uh, what's also weird about this is that if Funimation was going to have a deal with somebody, it seems weird for Sony to cut ties with Crunchyroll, which actually the reason I share this come to think about it is, uh, 
uh, for this paragraph here. Funimation ended its content sharing partnership with Crunchyroll on November 9th. Funimation president and CEO uh, Gen Fukunaga explained that the decision to end the partnership was because of its acquisition by Sony Pictures Television Networks in 2017, as Sony is investing in Funimation to make it a global sub and dub anime brand. All right. So this is another thing that we've talked about a, a lot on the podcast. But um, what I'm getting at here is that of all things, it seems weird to ditch Crunchyroll and go to, you know, the retarded cousin of Crunchyroll. You know what I mean? Like, it just seems <laughs> like that... it, in terms of having a partnership, I feel like Funimation's brand is much stronger when it's partnered with Crunchyroll than with Hulu, unless Sony already owns Hulu. I feel like they'd like be that. stronger on their own without Hulu. <laughs> yeah. Well, hold on. Hold on, I see. Hold like on. A step backwards. Now, you're mentioning Hulu and Crunchyroll. When Crunchyroll was starting and was getting the ball rolling, what they did was hire people from Hulu. I literally there. just said that. Said something you, similar you, to that. You were probably you were probably okay. replying to the to the chat comment when when I mentioned probably. that. We, I talked about how we brought this up. Okay. How, how a bunch of so people. Let's jump that. Yeah. To another one. Used to Hulu had almost every title that Anime Works slash Media Blasters had, along with some other ones like a terror, like a terrible quality Captain Harlock and yeah. Galaxy Express three nine and other shows as well. So you had the bubble pop. You had Media Blasters retract their library, pretty much, kind of destroying what was there at there at Hulu. Then later on, as Crunchyroll grew, kind of blew away what was there as so, a Hulu exclusive. So gonna, maybe this will revive a dead horse. Kaze Ninjetti, I'm going to assume that's how you're supposed to pronounce that. Says uh, Disney owns most of Hulu. So according to them, um, that's who has most of the ownership over Hulu. So the issue with Hulu uh, is that, as you said, they used to have a large catalog of anime, but the quality was garbage. So much so to the point that it was easy for people to choose Crunchyroll over Hulu when that time came where they had, where they basically had to make that decision on what they were going to stick with and their new sort of go-to place. So, and uh, Otaku is also saying Hulu is U.S. only. So, um, yeah, it, it, this oh, seems like go. a step back. Doesn't it? Doesn't this just seem like um, okay? So we we decided we're going to walk away from Crunchyroll, which was which was working out for everybody, and now we're going to do something that nobody expected. That seems like a terrible decision. You know what I mean? Now that so, you bring that up, it seems really counterintuitive if they're trying to make it a global sub and dub. Exactly. Yeah. Business. So it's uh, kind of so far. This is kind of like a terrible episode of Cheaters. Sony is investing in. Funimation to make it a global sub and dub an anime brand, not particularly Hulu. So um, Funimation streaming is still going to have all this stuff, which again is what you said. You might as well just stick with Funimation. Like, why even bother with with another third party, uh, you know, connection if if literally all they have is what Funimation has. You know what I mean? I, for I forgot. Does Funimation have their streaming to be free with ads running, or do, do you have to have a Funimation Now account? I will test even... it right now. Because I have a Now account, but I, I don't know if you can just watch it for free, which might be why they're using Hulu, of all I things. Think, well, Hulu's free streaming is Yahoo View, so it's not. it doesn't even make sense to be on Hulu. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, is that, it, yeah. is that Crunchyroll, this seems like a huge misstep um, from, from my point of view. You past. know what? Time will tell. 
then again, going to the past after this, we can move on. Yahoo tried <laughs> to stream, do their own streaming stuff, like with Community. And I think they might have had like one or two anime series, but in the U.S. it didn't catch on. I can think we, in Japan yeah, can it's we clarify like... Real quick? Yahoo is a Japanese brand, is that correct? Not sure. Because Yahoo Auctions is basically all Japanese stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah, so I'm, I'm, not, sure if, I'm not sure if it's just an American company but, that expanded a branch that happened to be really big in the Japan or what. Yeah, I I don't know, but according to the live action Japanese movies, apparently so. Okay, so, um, Otakusu said some are free regarding Funimation streaming. Can we move on? Are you guys yes. cool with that? All yeah. right. Yes. In more streaming news, TMS launches two U.S. anime streaming channels. So the oh, anime production company TMS Entertainment, which is the company behind Lupin, Saint Seiya, Monster Rancher, Sherlock Hound, um, uh, launched two channels, TMS Anime for anime fans and TMS Kids for children. Uh, we've talked a little bit about this in the past um, for streaming in, in the United States in October. The company, uh, the company Future Today Inc. developed the two channels, which are both free, ad-supported, and available on Apple TV, Fire TV, and Roku devices. The TMS Anime channel features the following titles. Actually, I Am, Bananya, Brave 10, God Mars, Eat a Kiss, The Pilot's Love Song, Saint Seiya, The Lost Canvas, and ZX Ignition. And the kids one is going to have Bananya, Galaxy High School, Monster Rancher, Sherlock Hound, and Sonic X. Going all the way back to episode three, I think, or two of the podcast, when we looked at the TMS catalog and we saw Galaxy uh, oh, yeah. High School. Um, I So we back then we had said, like, I didn't know this was an anime. Like, I didn't know, t like, a Japanese yeah. company worked on this. It looks like I used to see it all the time in stores. I think Anime Works licensed it. And it was like, it just seemed like uh, like yeah. heavy metal. You know, it's just like an American sort of cartoon <laughs> thing. Um, but what's even weirder now is I'm learning it's it's kid-appropriate. <laughs> so, anyway. Kind of look rock and bass inspired. Uh, I'm hoping that this will, that in the Netflix series, which we'll talk later, will give more... Uh, spark to the Saint Seiya series because I'm still baffled that it's not big in America. I want that oh, new. It's, uh, huge. it's huge internationally. We're, we're going to talk about Saint Seiya in a moment. I want that Saint Seiya shoujo, whatever that's airing right now, to come over here because it looks interesting. <laughs> yeah. So and all the TMS the... series are English dubbed except Banania. Are you on crack? Um. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm probably saying this in the wrong crowd here, but I kind of wish this would have been a cable network as well, just to kind of do a triple combo. But they would need a, a oh well. heck of a lot more um, content. Than when they said it, when they said now. channel, that's what I thought they meant. Yeah, yeah. That, I was, I was, I read the article to, to double check that because that's that's what the article title leads you to believe, but I, I was suspecting it was what it ended up being. So re regarding Except Banania, for... I, haven't, I haven't watched it yet. I'm just asking, um, does it even need a dub? Like, is there actual dialogue in it? I think it's probably like the just is the only thing dubbed. Right, that's right. There's a narrator. And yeah. I think Mike, Mike, Mike Tool, Tool did the narration Tool. for the yeah. English uh, version. So that's interesting that they wouldn't dub That's the, probably uh, why they were able to do the English version in the first place, because it was so simple. 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Forty-eight. Like, the first forty-eight of seventy-three episodes available. While Sonic X has the first seventy-seven of seventy-eight episodes available. TMS plans to stream more titles such as Lupin the Third. That'll be great. Um, anyway, already has all of Lupin though. Oh well. So yeah, just furthering, just furthering down the uh, the statement here about the streaming. Uh, streaming is something people are not ignoring this, and it's just bizarre that in the last two weeks is when all this is sort of coming down. Because the next thing we're going to look at. Cinedime acquires streaming services Viewster and Viewster Anime. Cinedime announced on Monday that it is that it has agreed to acquire video streaming service Viewster and its subsidiary Viewster Anime. The company expects the acquisition to be finalized in January. Um, so I don't have too much to say other than that the stuff they had on Viewster uh, regarding Viewster Anime was like Street Fighter uh, to the animated movie, Jinro, The Wolf Brigade, Fist of the North Star, and Mononoke. So um, it's a lot of older stuff and, and stuff that isn't really uh, like a huge bargaining chip. I think regarding- that Viewster is a lot bigger in the UK, but uh, okay. in the US it's not. It, the titles well, are Cinedime, Cinedime I'm glad you said that because I was about to say Viewster's alive, but thank you for explaining that. Oh my god, Cinedime is a, is a company founded in Zurich, Switzerland. So, this isn't a uh, an American company that is acquiring them. So, that actually does kind of make sense that they would be reaching for what they can get in that area. So, do you guys want to say more, or should I? I don't even know what to think of it, I'll just see how it goes. Yeah, I'll point this out out again, but somehow it's either a partnership or some sort of relation. Cynodyme, G Kids, and Shout Factory are related somehow, but I I don't know how. Are you sure you don't mean 11 Arts, G Kids, and Shout Factory? No, uh, Flatiron is in the mix. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, 11 Arts are grouped together, but. Yeah, I think Flatiron. is a uh, is just a alternate brand. Uh, it's like it's like uh, Sentai versus um, made in Japan. Yeah, made in Japan is a good example. Of, of Eleven yeah. Arts. I think they primarily focus on theatrical screenings theatrical, and dubbing yeah. them for the theater, and that's yeah. it. Um. Anyway, so continuing here, Sword Art Online episode censors more content on U.S.-based streaming services. So I, I don't want to go through this whole thing. I'm just I'm just bringing this up to clarify what actually happened. Is just it that so infamous you know, new episode? Yes. Just so you know, Anaplex, according to this article at least, according to what's being said, Anaplex distributed a different version of episode 10 to Crunchyroll, Funimation, and Hulu. This is... Uh, According to statements from uh, Crunchyroll and Funimation, uh, that this was, quote, the version originated from the licensor, right? And Crunchyroll declined to comment on a specific issue, but said it does not censor content directly from licensors, right? So just to clarify, uh, if you watch this on Crunchyroll, I, I guess I, I've heard, I haven't seen, but I've heard from people that there's uh, outrage over Crunchyroll censoring this stuff. Um, from certain people, but I'm just stating just for the record, uh, it appears that it was Anaplex who sent out the the censored version. Um, and uh, obviously, if you are an anime collector like we all are, uh, then it shouldn't matter because you're going to end up watching it in the nice Blu-ray crisp crisp quality with, with all the censored. Yeah. Hold on, hold on. We just got done watching a, an Anaplex title, and 
they packaged it really lazily. So it's not the packaging. Just, well, still, if they're going to repeat what they did when we watched Iromanga Sensei, they're just going to take what was streamed and slap it on the disc without even regarding censorship. Okay, well, uh, I'm going to quote you on that when that doesn't happen, uh, and we'll, we'll talk about it. I hope it I'm wrong. I mean, I hope I'm wrong. Uh, I hate you to guys see how anything? much the price is going to be. Yeah, it'll be expensive. Well, I mean, look at the previous Sword Art Online releases. Yeah, <laughs> so, then uh, again, if it costs that much, it better be uncensored. So, Yeah, so do you guys have anything else you want to say about that, or can I move on to this connected article here about the uh, writer... I was pretty much going to say the same thing. Like the Blu-ray will be uncensored, but it's like uh, I don't know. I just find it hilarious that this idiot keeps on making these scenes that are annoying people. <laughs> but anyway, okay. that's it. Well, here's this is this is gonna a nice segue from what you just said. So Reki Kawahara, uh, the writer of Sword Art I read Online, this, I apologizes to voice actors for latest Sword Art Online episode. So he said, uh, Miss Ishihara, who plays I don't even know how to pronounce this, TS. I don't know. Uh, and Miss Kondo, who plays Ronye, both performed a painful scene with a plum. Thank you very much. And I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. And he goes on to basically say that. Uh, so I guess what happened is he started writing these before he was a quote unquote professional author. Right. He uh, actually he wrote, wrote these before web... Excel World. Well, he wrote these uh, as a web novel in 2001. Um, which makes me wonder, actually, about uh, the the timeline revolving around Dot Hack. Uh, come to think of it, but because uh, I yeah. wonder when those novels were written. But uh, he started writing these um, as a web novel um, back in two thousand one, and they were later edited and published as light novels by uh, Dengeki Bunko from two thousand nine onward. And in multiple interviews. Uh, Kawahara has expressed regret about aspects of the story that he wrote as a less experienced writer. And he, he said, I think earlier than this, that um, he more or less says that I was influenced by other right. light novels or at, something. At like the that. time uh, growing up, when he was growing up, he read all these fantasy, you know, like Goblin Slayer, Record of Lodos War type type books that heavily featured these types of scenes. Right. Wasn't so, it the Ogre Slayer at the time? Okay. I'm, I'm using something so that the modern audience can relate. <laughs> anyway, okay. um, so the point is that, uh, first of all, let me just say that I had no idea Sword Art Online was uh, even remotely close to a show that would even have that kind of sequence. And it basically, there's a, it's a, rape, a rape Everyone, It's just an assault scene because... Yeah, quote. Everyone sexual. calls it jumps to calling it. Yeah, everyone just yeah. jumps to calling it a rape scene, and then I say to my friend, "Yeah, but did anything happen? No." <laughs> Attempted yeah. rape. Find sexual. That, find strange that after reading or at least hearing this, you're pretty much learning that the creator was this is his first work and he's learning how to write. It's sort of the same way as the story series or Monogatari series with the guy learning how to write and producing this stuff by the same company. The thing is, uh, I was told that basically every season of Sora Online has one of these scenes and it's like a token. I think even the movie probably did. But it's like, if this guy really cared, he probably would have, you know, toned it down by now. But clearly he likes this. <laughs> But um, all yeah. I have to say is, like, uh, th I think the way he described it in the article at one point was like, oh, man, 
I didn't I didn't think it would turn out this way when it was turned into an anime. And yeah, those the voice actors even, did even such a good job and make it made it so convincing because they're such great voice actors and all. Yeah, so he said he said that they pushed the they pushed it even further than he had written it in terms like, of like, like when I how, read how he apologized to these voice actors or something. I, it made it sound like they were uncomfortable doing it and they were forced to do it. But no, it it sounds like they were totally into it and he's just apologizing. Well, they, were, they were incredibly professional about it. We'll just say that. So real quick, I just found the part he said, this may be a bit late, but if you're wondering why Sora Online has so many of those scenes, a considerable number of light novels, although they weren't called light novels back then, epic sagas and adventure stories I read back in middle school contained those plot elements. I would cite Ogun Hakusha, uh, or gold spur as a representative title. My writing was bound to that as if under a spell. Okay. Anyway, so bottom line, um, I, yeah, I just want to connect this to the previous article. Uh, but if, you know, if you're into this show, um, get the Blu-ray, you know? So anyway, um, now, shall one, we move on? One more, yeah, one more thing. One more thing about that. It's about him apologizing. That's kind of like, uh, if you recall Excel saga, watching the promotional commercials, you have uh, Sichiro Watanabe, if I got his name right. As a promotion, took him. Yes, as a promotion, him and the two voice actors dressed up as Excel and Hayate were in a bed in the middle of the street. Street as a promotion. It would be like if he did that, then afterwards he apologized. No, this so. doesn't seem like an actual apology. This seems like, a, oh, I'm so embarrassed kind of thing. Like, like when I wrote those things years and years ago, I never expected people actually would yeah, have to yeah. act out that scene. So this seems more like it's the, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Actually seems more like a, Oh, I'm so embarrassed kind of a kind of statement. Right. Uh, and it also, it also kind of feels like a, like a subtle uh, or not so subtle really um, attempt to uh, damage um, control. Well, not to damage control, like but to, to get out of trouble. No, no, it seems to me like he's trying to promote through controversy the uh, the episode, and, and you know it's just one of those kind of things where you sort of turn it around, you know, on on it so that you can milk it as uh, as you know people talking about it, getting it, blowing it up into bigger and bigger things so that it can benefit you in the long run. Yeah, we've been experiencing a lot of that this year, haven't we? Okay, Lance. I think this is regarding... like the third or fourth. Yep, Lance. Uh, so Lance, um, regarding the what happened in Tor Online, there was a, a quote sexual assault scene uh, that, qu quite frankly, came out of total, totally out of left field for me. Because when I when I looked at like the original season one stuff of uh, Sword Online, it looked like a really cheesy kids show to me. I didn't never expected it to to go into this uh, area. So um, I'm actually good. More or less, uh, they just went back to the old ways of having one assault scene for per season. That's all, basically. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and Jake Grill, I, I just want to thank you for uh, for tuning in. Glad to hear you like the show. All right, so continuing, Augie, you shared this, and I feel like you only shared it to uh, to make me aware not to antagonize, to make you aware of it. But I wasn't trying to antagonize you when I watched the preview for this, comparing it to the few episodes I saw of the two thousand series, and also the. Max Studio OVA. Comparing the different art styles from what I saw, this one looks a little bit more Tekkenized than the other ones. Like, it's uh, not not as bulbous as you would imagine. Uh, I'll, dis I'll disagree. <laughs> I'll disagree you on that. You can disagree, topic. but 
That's my take on it. Yeah, but I've seen more of it than just the trailer, so maybe I'm tainted by by that. But there's uh, one more important thing. There is no two th- early 2000s rap in this. What rap are you talking about? In the Funimation one, they include like a whole bunch of rap at the beginning. You mean for the opening it song? Like it, was, it, it was either opening song or during the show. I, I forgot. It's been a year Are you now. referring to the song Child Prey? Because that's not I really rap. Not sure. it's, more like, it's more like screaming death metal, but in a more rock pop kind of way. It's a weird song. And I, as I pointed Possibly. out in the past, the thing that, that I find funniest about the, the show is that the, the song is titled child prey. And I can only imagine that a child prey is the prey of a child predator. <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah, so yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to continue here. <sighs> Heroes rise in trailer for Netflix's Saint Seiya Knights of the Zodiac 3d CG anime. So we had talked about this way back at the beginning of the podcast. It's so weird that I had been just compelled to rewatch some of our earlier stuff. Um, but uh, we, we had talked about this before there was any artwork even, even available. Like it was just like a rumor at the time kind of thing. Um, so it's interesting to see that this is coming and it's going to be out uh, worldwide sometime in uh, um, 2019. So... Uh, from what I gather, I this watch- is not a Japanese, um, a Japanese produced show. I think it's actually because the a, CG isn't choppy as hell. Well, because the CG is being treated um, probably closer to thirty FPS instead of uh, twelve. <laughs> so now, when I when I make this point, I have not seen all of the original show yet because I was waiting to get all the star boxes for better quality. But from what I gathered, kind of comparing from what I've seen, this is kind of sort of similar to Ghost in the Shell 2.0, where they took the original show and put it in CG. Okay, so um, I won't say why, because we haven't gotten there yet, but I can say that that's definitely not what they're doing. Um, Although what they are doing is they are retelling two specific arcs, I think. Um, So... I'm not sure if they mentioned in this article or if it's the one I'm going to show up later, but since you That's brought what up, what threw me off show. was, uh, yes. Uh, what threw me off in the Saint Seiya trailer was they were fighting tanks. Maybe that happened in the show, but I don't recall that. Call um, the setting if, for that, but if you oh well. did you did you have anything you wanted to say before we move on? No, not really. I haven't watched any of it. So. New Ghost in the Shell 3D CG anime project to premiere on Netflix in 2020. So the reason I want to bring this up, there's two very interesting things. First of all, 3D CG. When I first heard this, my, I felt like I got punched in the gut. But as I continued to read, I realized why they made this decision. And I'm actually really excited for this. So first of all, the anime is titled Ghost in the Shell SAC 2045. So I can only imagine that's standalone complex. So that's good news, uh-huh. right? And... What it is going to be is two seasons, one uh, animate or one pardon directed by Kenji Kamiyama, who directed all of Standalone Complex up to this point, and the other by Shinji Aramaki uh, of Appleseed fame. Now, why this is actually Ooh. interesting to me is that if you have watched the first Appleseed movie, not the not the two D animated one, but the first three D CG one to use their term, 
And then you watch Ex Machina and you go on from there and you see how leaps and bounds that the CG gets better and better and better to the point where it's like, it's really watchable. Let me just say this. If Ghosts in the Shell coming out in 2020 look just as good as Vexil, I'm totally on board with it. And Vexil came out like 10 years ago. So I'm really psyched for, for how this is going to look. And Netflix, I swear to God, if you don't release this on, uh, if you don't have this get a physical release, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be pretty upset. <laughs> anyway, do you guys want to comment on I'm not one of these people, but I've talked to a lot of other fans of this show that really like the the composer that it, that has Russian inspirations in her work. Is she a part of this? Which I honestly Russian. Uh, oh, you mean the one that sings all I, the uh, songs in Latin or whatever? Latin and Russian, yeah. Is she a part of this? Um, I don't remember seeing that in any of the articles I read. I actually looked through a hell of a Yo- lot of... Uh, thank you, Reese. Uh, Yoko Kano. Is Yoko Kano the... Yeah, I guess she was for... for um, uh, well, if it's if she's not, not, it would be a huge... I feel embarrassed not remembering her name. Um, so, but see, the thing is that she's the composer, not... I don't think she's the singer, though. That's that's why I was getting thrown off, because when I when you said Rush, I was thinking of the actual songs, but but yeah, Yoko Kano. Um, so here's, here's what I'll say about that. If they have Yoko Kano for this, and this is a Netflix... Uh, well, I guess it's premiering on Netflix. I, this is not a quote-unquote Netflix original, but it would give me a little bit more hope that maybe the live-action Cowboy Bebop might not be as awful as it seems like it's going to be. So um, just to clarify here, it's going to be two 12-episode seasons, meaning 24 episodes total, with Kamiyama um, directing one of the of the seasons and Aramaki directing the other. It's going to be a very interesting show to watch, and uh, assuming her hair looks like this and not like the bangs cut directly up to her hairline, like in uh, in that horrible Arise uh, one, uh, I'm going to be totally on board with it. My comments. My comments. Go ahead, sorry. sorry. Um, so I agree fully with what you said about the Vex Seal thing. If it looks like that, then hell yeah, that's totally cool. It like I'm not opposed to CG in general. It's just Japan has a tendency to berserkify it, for lack of a better term, a lot of the times. But yeah, so CG doesn't work in Japan when they're trying to put it in a major, majorly 2D show. That's the problem. In everything Even, like, they've done, Ajin, though, TV, was like choppy and everything, apparently. Yeah, but that was Polygon Pictures, and they were. Um, so the thing about Polygon Pictures, just in case you guys aren't aware, so. Also, if you're not aware, and even though I've said this about a million times on the channel, I work in the in the uh, effects visual effects industry. So I actually have a degree in animation, and I do 3D stuff like all the time for work. So um, I have a little bit more knowledge about this. But the thing about um, about Ajin is that Polygon Pictures, um, and this is also true with um, uh, this is also true with like Knights of Sidonia and their other uh, shows that Polygon is that they developed proprietary technology over there so that the render that came out of uh, out of the 3D program, which I think they were using Maya, but don't quote me on that, um, it, that that render is the finalized shot. They were, they were setting it up so that all the compositing was done uh, in the viewport of, of the program. Uh, and the final render was just once it's done, it's done instead of rendering out all these different passes with all these different layers and then compositing in 
after effects or something, right? Or nuke. Um, so anyway, just to clarify, Polygon Pictures had a, had a very specific reason why their stuff was really janky at first. And it's because they were developing new technology. And anytime that new technology is being developed, the stuff that is at the beginning of the pipeline with it is going to be really bad while it's getting refined. And then it's going to get amazing because of the sacrifice of those earlier shows that take uh, the, you know, the jankiness. So we'll see how, how that goes. But um, but regarding, as I said here, they've developed technology already for Appleseed and Vexil that looks like I'm I can only assume because of whose names are involved. Uh, and also Sola um, Digital Arts uh, is the the production studio for this one, which I believe was the one for um, for um, Appleseed. And I I think Sola Digital Arts was also involved in a lot of the 3D um, stuff in. Japan Animator Expo, including uh, potentially Evangelion and other Impact, although um, that was also with Steven and Steven Studios and all that. So anyway, continuing from here. One last thing I'll say about this, about Ghost in the Shell as an ending yeah. point. I'd rather see more Ghost in the Shell happen per season than keep seeing more of the Fate series. Amen. At least... Uh, at least Ghost in the Shell, I think. If it's if it's Fate Stay Night, ooh, let's see the different ver different variant of favor of Savor the figure. However, if you do enjoy it, by all means, enjoy it. Yeah, but yeah, I'll agree. It seems bizarre to me the monumental worldwide success of Standalone Complex that it ended in season two. It just seems bizarre to me. But we'll see how yeah. it goes. All right, so. Original Evangelion voice actor comments on possible new English dub. Now, I'll just say this seems to be more confirmed since this article was written. Um, so, our favorite person, Amanda Win Lee, who, if you need a reference to when we talked about it before, for your consideration, I recently uploaded an OCA podcast clip regarding the, the Gunsmith cast, uh, Cats controversy. But uh, she, she's been... Uh, voluminous about this has said uh no it's not a rumor i can't tell how i know but it's definitely true they are redubbing she also said uh in a pity me tweet between uh um battle angel alita and evangelion it's like everything i ever worked on or cared about i'm being replaced so again but um, regarding this, they, you know, they, they actually, Tiffany Grant, uh, the voice of Oscar, by the way, Amanda Winley is the voice of Ray, just in case anybody is not up on that. Um, and she was also the, the ADR like director of, uh, I think, the latter half of Ava in all the movies, um, not including the rebuilds, I believe. So um, we, should we, do you guys want to talk about this or should we move? Wait, well, here's the, here's the petition for the, there, anyway, go ahead. You're, later on, I'll point more to the theme of hate, hate along with this release. But it's kind of strange that they're mentioning this forever. However, when Sentai got uh, Vampire Hunter D, they redubbed it. So I can get some some of the reasons for redub because of the different ADR techniques at the time, the scripting, the, the how they sync the lip sync the stuff. I can see it being more advanced than before, but this is kind of like part two of the previous podcast regarding right. this topic. 
Right, which is why I don't I, I don't want to just I'll give kudos to Tiffany Grant, but I kind of wish uh, what's her name again? Uh, Amanda. Amanda Winley. Yeah, I wish she wasn't so angry all the time. Here's her tweet, actually. First Battle Angel and now Evangelion. It's like I'm being erased from anything I ever cared about and poured my heart into. No, you're but, remembered. You're loved. You're just not you're receiving attention like you used to. Yeah. Go out and dub some more stuff if you want more don't, attention. Don't get me started on <laughs> on her anymore. I have um, so, to say when you're done. Um, go ahead. Okay, so what I was going to say is that um, I saw Kyle Haybear, or Haybear, whatever it is, <laughs> Who does Kamina, Gurren Lagann, and... No, Eisen and Bleach? I, I've heard him pronounce his own last name, I think, once Hebert? or twice, and it was like okay. Bear or something. But anyway, um, he he made a tweet that's like, oh, go to my change.org, or this change.org petition right. to get the original Ava voice actors back and stuff. And yeah. I think I DM'd you guys about this or something, but it, it's basically like, um, you're kind of late if you're asking for this because they already made those rebuild films, you kind of should have done it yeah. then. Yeah. Because now, I'm awesome. not buying it now that they've all, it's already too late, but I'm um, looking at, but AC in the, but AC looking at the previous article, it does link you to the change.org petition. I'm, that I'm Grant's right trying to promote. Okay, cool. So just to clarify, Adam Mitchell, not Tiffany Grant created this. Tiffany Grant and the other voice actors have just been sharing it. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but is change.org not the, the worst site in where, the world? Isn't it not the thing where, where oh, if it gets 100,000 signatures, that the White House, uh, is that change.org or is that, that can't be change.org? I, I do like not know House anything about it, but all I know I is not educated in this topic. All I know is that change.org is that site that everyone thinks it can change things, but literally nothing ever changes yeah, it, from it. It doesn't, it doesn't do shit. Okay. Um, it's literally like the getting, getting it to 7,000, it's not going to do anything. Okay. When this, when this page loads, it starts at zero before it loads all the stuff and it says, let's get to 1000. And then it, this is basically just the next milestone. Getting to that point isn't going to do shit. It's all going to be up to what Netflix decides to do. Okay. Now, furthermore, yes. I will just clarify. Amanda Winley did go on to say on Twitter that she had met with the director of the the um, the vocal stuff and said, um, "I can't Which means say she's who probably it. casted." Well, yeah, she said, "I can't say who it is, but it's the show is in good hands, and I'm okay with the decisions being made." Which good probably means she signed an NDA and she's been recast at, in the ADR uh, director's chair. And is going to be redubbing it with a lot of the same cast. Because who how knows? would she know who the director is? Do we even know who the director is? No, exactly. it's not public facing knowledge. Exactly. Uh, exactly. So, so but, um, um, go ahead. I was uh, gonna say so. The first off, nice uh, using the picture for Arcada's Evangelion review thumbnail. But uh, <laughs> second off, uh, Arcada, the guy you hate. Um, but the <laughs> oh the, oh yeah um. Uh, freaking the dub cast. So for the rebuild films, I believe Spike Spencer, the guy who did Shinji, reprised Misato, who was the purple hair girl in Full Metal Panic as well, uh, was like uh, she was also recast, which is nice. It's mm -hmm. just like everyone else that was recast. Wait, 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 whoa, whoa, what? Tiffany Grant for Asuka. Did they get her back as well? Okay, so I think it's literally just Amanda Winley that didn't get All back right. in. 
But and either way, the point is... To that point, right? let's just point out that she doesn't, based on the outburst we've seen from her, she doesn't seem like somebody that that if you were working in the industry, you'd want to work with a whole lot, you know? Like, like I'm not saying she's not talented, but it just seems like a lot of drama to work with her. Which is probably yeah. why she's seemingly the only one, according to Wikipedia, that was recast on of the main characters. Yeah. <laughs> Which is kind of funny thinking of it. But, um, yeah, like, my thoughts are basically the timing's off. Um, you know, and if the, the other point I was going to get to, which is, which I think I already said to you guys as well, which was, if they've already redubbed the rebuild films, it would make sense if they used the old voice actors for to redub the original so there's continuity so you pardon you you meant to say it would make sense if they used the rebuild voice actors sorry yes the original because um, now it, it seems like but it it seems as you said that the they actually were a lot more of the original voice actors that we mu- initially much thought. more faithful than we thought yeah so it seems like the only person is amanda winley who's getting shit on for the which honestly ray has quite an easy voice to replace yeah. And how many lines does she actually have? Like, <laughs> she's a three? pretty silent character. Yeah. So, um, so real quick, I just want to address something. Abby, um, if you guys know um, from um, Cartoon Cipher, that's the channel, right? He's the editor over there. He shared a tweet uh, that actually compared uh, scenes from the original Evangelion to scenes in the rebuild, and you can see uh, Spike. So Spike Spencer is the voice of Shinji in both, but. He is so over the top in his reactions as Shinji in the original Ava, whereas in the rebuilds, it's much more authentic sounding, right? So, um, so it will be interesting to see if in if they redub it, and we're just this is all speculation here, but if they redub it and they use the original voice cast and maybe Amanda Winley, who knows? Um, then it'll be interesting to see a more matured approach. To, because anime at the time in the 90s was um, kind of flamboyant over the top and not taken with the same uh, more, oh yeah, this is not just for kids kind of attitude that it has now. It, even with Ava back then, it was still sort of a, like, this is kind of dark for a kid's show, you know, but um, but now wow. it's like, okay, this is... They, you uh, took the words... Good. You took the words right out of my mouth. I was about to say, say comparing the two time periods, it's pretty much a different frontier. One was more loose and free, like you can compare compare a voice casting from Yu Hakusho to, let's say, either Yu Hakusho to um, Soul Hunter, I mean Soul Eater, or the two different Sailor Moons is probably a better example from what they did because used to it was more more guessing to trying to figure out what to do and now it's trying to depending on the show either more localize it or be more true to the script if possible yeah and uh if they want to be more true to the script i will say that uh amanda winley not getting put back in the director's chair is probably a good idea because uh she made changes to sound effects added into End of Evangelion. That, but damn it, uh, if she's met with the director, that means she's in again, and she might taint it. We don't know. You know what's uh, going to happen? You know what? Time will tell. The, I think the bottom line, we can just say that the the original Ava dub is an important milestone in 
this industry and in this fandom um, because it is how this show and Western anime in a lot of ways grew in, in uh, its importance and it's like people knowing about it and everything. So this redub uh, in a way is going to be almost equally important in a lot of ways. And it could make or break in the, in the eyes of the fans could make or break the response to Funimation, uh, pardon, to Netflix getting the show uh, instead of Funimation, which we're going to talk about in just a moment. Uh, one brief bit about Rei Ayanami being being voiced in Japan. It's uh, Megumi ha- Hashiabara, which pretty much the queen of voice acting, or that's my two cents for Jap- for Japanese voice actors. For Rei being dubbed over here, I don't know who Person Two is, but comparing the two, you can Rei's not that hard to voice. If anything, I'd recommend uh, Gray Deleuze. Fa- more famous for like uh, Vicky from Fairly Odd Parents, Raina Palenza or Tony Tony Chopper. Yeah, I would imagine she could pull it off if you give her a serious role for once. Or it's since she's monotone, it's not that hard to get someone else to kind of be put in the spot for this character. Uh, FTM, you had something you were trying to say earlier. Uh. I think it was something to do with, oh, yeah, it's going to be hilarious because what's going to happen is she's going to say, surprise, it was me who's the director, and we're all just going to sit here thinking, oh, no, the integrity of the script and the sound effects. Anyway. I bet all of them are going to sigh because they know how to deal with it. It would be hilarious if uh, all of a sudden that news comes out and all the fans that were that were campaigning with the hashtag to get the original cast all of a sudden turn on her for for <laughs> learning about the uh, the uh, the stuff she changed in End of Evangelion. Anyway, so um, Augie, you seemed to have uh, a lot you wanted to say about this next article, so I want to give you the floor first. But I wanted to know if you wanted me to read it before or after you talk about it. Go ahead and read it, then let me say my piece. Right, because I, I just want to make sure that the there's... audience is fully on the same page uh, as, as we are. So, Because I have two big, big points yeah. to make, so go ahead. So, um, Evangelion on Netflix is a disservice for anime fans, says Funimation president Gen Fukunaga. It's hard to stand out in Netflix's gigantic library. Funimation is the biggest name in Western animation distribution, but in 2019, Netflix will make moves to usurp that title. On top of a series of original programming and remakes, like a live-action Cowboy Bebop, the streaming platform acquired the long-out-of-print cult anime hit Neon Genesis Evangelion for debut next year. But Gen Fukunaga, founder and president of anime distribution company Funimation, said that Netflix isn't a great place for major anime releases, especially big ones like Evangelion. He said, honestly, Netflix is willing to significantly overpay for something like Evangelion and outbid anybody by multiples, no matter what their return on investment is, Fukunaga tells Polygon. Shortly after Netflix announced that it will distribute the mid-90s anime classic, I'm 100% sure that we'd have done a much better job brand managing it and turning it back into what it was. Fukunaga is adamant that the Netflix acquisition is a loss for anime fans. According to the CEO, 
who has been importing anime through Funimation for nearly 20 years, Netflix just won't do Evangelion the service it deserves. Evangelion used to be, in his eyes, an iconic series worldwide. Through its 90s debut, Evangelion was synonymous with the medium, at least until licensor ADV Films clash with the series production studio Gainax led to a tangled rights ownership in 2010, which I'll go into later. Uh, I actually looked into this. Um, the series remains a pinnacle of anime visuals and storytelling. However, thanks to a unique blend of classic... Pardon. Let me, let me read that differently. <laughs> the series remains a pinnacle of anime visuals and storytelling, however, thanks to a unique blend of classic mech action and modern psychological drama. With DVDs of the original anime unavailable, it's hard for newcomers to discover the series. The Netflix news was akin to, res to a resurrection, with the chance to watch Evangelion with ease becoming a tantalizing offer for anime fans who might be choosing a primary streaming platform. At this point, who hasn't already chosen? The key problem with, the net, with Netflix as an anime hub, according to Fukunaga, is that Netflix is a hub for everything. Take a title like My Hero Academia, he says, referencing the hugely popular anime licensed by Funimation. Had My Hero Academia gone onto Netflix, it would have just dropped on the platform with any number of titles and probably would have died as a brand. It would have just been another brand on the platform. Funimation markets it 360, theatrical marketing, etc. Gets it available on iTunes and Xbox and PlayStation and gets it on other streaming platforms on its own. And really does promote it 360. While if it had gone on Netflix, it would have just gone up there. While he has skin in the game, Fukunaga worries that the eventual launch of Evangelion could arrive without fanfare. And the series could get lost in the sea of content. Not to mention that the torrent of titles is bad news for Evangelion, no matter how big its name is. Um, referring to like a rush of water, not torrents as in it getting torrented, which will probably happen if it goes up in HD on Netflix. Um, beyond the pitch to make the series widely accessible, Netflix hasn't said if there are bigger plans for Evangelion. Although rumors immediately began swirling that a complete English language redub was in the works. Voice actor Tiffany Grant is currently campaigning to secure original Western cast pardon to is currently campaigning to secure the original Western cast involvement with Evangelion's return. Herself. <laughs> I'm going to say that one last time because I'm still not satisfied with how that came out. Voice actor Tiffany Grant is currently campaigning to secure the original Western cast involvement with Evangelion's return. While, while actress, writer, and co-director Amanda Wynn Lee took to Twitter to voice worry, she later tweeted that a redub was far enough. Sorry, she later tweeted. She later tweeted that the redub was far enough along that she had quote spoke with the director yesterday. She's amazing. Whatever happens, Ava is in good hands. Grant and Lee declined to further comment upon request. Netflix also told Polygon it doesn't have, quote, any details to share at this time. I'm just going to say that if Grant and Lee both declined further comment, it probably means they signed an NDNA and are, and are in it. I mean, Tiffany uh, Grant made it back according to Wikipedia, question mark. But yeah. Shrouded in secrecy, it's unclear whether Evangelion will launch on Netflix in a significant way or whether Fukunaga's predictions will, will come true. But Evangelion and a giant wave of Netflix-backed anime series are arriving in the next year, 
rattling the business dominated by Funimation. In that kind of situation, you just have to kind of let it happen, obviously. Fukunaga says, it's uncomfortable. It's, it's unfortunate for Funimation. We really wanted that title. All right, take the floor, Augie. Okay, so there's going to be two different arcs two different viewpoints I'm going to point out. One of them will verge verge with something said earlier. So the first, first run I want to point out is Netflix doesn't keep the titles just to keep the titles. They, they will let uh, distributors distribute it. Like if you look at Ajin and Knights of Sidonia released by Sentai Filmworks. So by him saying that, which most of his points were modest, but by saying the initial and the concluding, you just kind of, if they cared, that could be something dealt against them trying to get a re- make a physical release of the series or trying to bid for it. For it, which, which I'm not sure how it's written if they get to choose or if it's a separate rights altogether. So that's one. The other one, as I mentioned before, there's a theme of hatred for this show. What if, do you know? Did I say something? Oh, never mind. Uh, <laughs> there's a theme of hatred for this show. Show Aside from Anno having a breakdown towards the end, you have, you have two fronts, the Japanese front and the English and the American front. For the American front, you have Sentai, I mean, you have F ADV Films gain the rights to the show. When their rights expired, they were extremely salty. Because another, another rights that they had exclusively was the rights to a live-action Evangelion movie. Which, I'm not sure if they still have it or not, but they strongholded that license for a while. Even to a point being sued... I believe twice. Do you want me to clear this up? Because I actually looked into that. What? Okay. So oh no, just, no. Let me finish. Well, you're 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 misinterpreting what happened, and I, and I just want to set the record straight. You're not letting me finish on that. You can finish. I'm just telling you that if you want oh. me to, I can clear that up for you right now. I'm gonna hold off on one, but later on when ADV dispersed, Funimation sued sued ADV because they still had the stranglehold, to my to my understanding, a stranglehold on the F live action Evangelion movie rights. Reclarify it, AC. Okay. So what happened was when way back in the day, when ADV was uh, getting Evangelion and putting it out on DVD, they had um, a they were in talks with um, with Gynax in order to obtain like basically full uh, permission to move forward with Evangelion as a brand. Okay. So when Gen Fukunaga says that it's not good for anime fans because Netflix is just going to put it up on the platform and not really do anything with it. What he's talking about is how, for instance, when ADV had the license and when ADV was talking uh, to Gynax about the brand, they were in negotiations to make it into even more than just the show. Three live action movies were on the table. I think five um, series, like actual animated series, were on the table. There was a whole bunch of stuff that they were trying to make happen. They were trying to push this further and further and further than it was with just its original uh, established uh, 
um, show, right? And the during the talks with Gynax, they had a contract that stipulated that uh, in order to get live action movie rights, they needed to give them a down payment of either $1 million, or I think it was 2% of, uh, or maybe 10% of the total budget, whichever was less. Right. So ADV sent them a check for $100,000 after having sent them multiple um, um, payments that total up to about $22,500 or something like that. Something, something remarkably low what they got for that license way back in the day. Um, and they sent them a check for $100,000 and to them that secured the, uh, the live action movie rights and that secured their ownership of the brand in the Western world. And, um, what ended up happening is that there was a time frame where they needed to do that by in the contract. ADV did it, and then they claim that Gynax filibustered basically and didn't uh, return their calls, didn't get back to them, wouldn't wouldn't get back to them until after the deadline, uh, and then Gynax basically reneged on the deal, basically, right? So um, Gynax eventually sent them a. a um, like a, a letter through their lawyer. And also in that it contained uh, a reimbursement check of a hundred thousand dollars. Right. So um, that is what sort of caused this. And, and at that time, ADV actually went to the courts in, uh, in Texas and they had a court preside over um, who actually owned the rights and they were putting forth their case that they did. Uh, and that is actually why there's been this holdup on this show getting further releases out here uh, in a lot of ways. And again, just to clarify, this also goes back to what Gen Fukunaga was saying regarding brands like Funimation or ADV, to use the example, would do a lot more with this series than Netflix, who's just going to throw it up there. Okay? Back to you. Now, for the court case, just to confirm, the court case in Texas, is that ADV versus Funimation at that time because no, they were that was ADV released. versus Gynax. I hadn't heard what you okay. had mentioned about Funimation suing them. Um, and also, just real quick, Funim this is also why why ADV um, when they quote went out of business, ADV actually just became a ghost of a company, and then it occasionally comes back into business in order to release certain things. There are certain legal things about who owns a license that they can't transfer. I believe. The, the majority of their licenses were able to transfer into their new company, Section 23, that is the parent company of things like um, Sentai, Made in Japan, and those sort of companies. But um, the, it's possible that uh, that Evangelion was the main stickler reason why they didn't actually, quote-unquote, completely stop filing business licenses and everything for ADV at the time. Now, AC, that is up for debate. However, we can make a special on that topic you just said. But moving on, what I meant by a ADV v Funimation, what was happening at the time was the rebuild movies. They were trying to acquire the rights to it. And like you described, that that uh, falls that they worked on mm -hmm. came into the fray, and, they, and that's when the court case happened. That also revealed the print qualities which is very important to me. That way you know how much is really out there. And I got that confirmed from the... To elaborate on, on print qualities. On print qualities, which if you, I think if you're a reporter at the place, though it's you can see it in the court, but you can't see it outside of it. So people like Daryl Zarat, which I have different opinions of, was actually able to see some of these qualities for that limited time. 
Okay, define print qualities for the audience. Print qualities, print qualities. If you have, let's say, we have Battle Girl High School, they want to make this. Well, when you make this, you have to order an amount of quantity for this product. So what they do is they, oh, the company will design, talk to the, however the rights is written, will talk to the company or talk to their own staff to try to create create the style and how it's going to be formatted on the disc. They send it out to a replicator. They make a master, send it out to a replicator, get their get a palatable stock back. And with that palatable stock, they're given a quantity. Quantity okay. of the particular item. So were you trying to say quantity before, not quality? For a print uh, quantity or print quality? Because so, I'm not sorry, sure. Sorry, I'm... Sorry, I just AC, want to make sure my work is getting. I meant to it's say okay. quantity. Okay, my I just wanted to get, that. My work is interfering with the conversation now. Um, so that's what a quantity report would be. Now, you have that that happening for the series, which luckily Funimation has the rights to it and have released all three movies at this time. So that's the U.S. front. The Japanese front. Yes, FDDM. You are typing. I'm typing to Lance. <laughs> oh. All right. So the Japanese front. So you have Ano having a breakdown, which made two more movies after that. Then you have Gynax, in, inner workings of Gynax happening, which is a little fickle because eventually you have them splitting up into different companies at that point, hence the Gynax trigger. At the time, just to clarify, when you say that Ano had a quote unquote breakdown, I think what actually happened is that there was a disagreement between him and the studio. Uh, they didn't, they wanted him to end the show differently than he wanted to end it. So he kind of gave uh, us a big old FU to the studio for the ending um, that was for the actual show. Is, is that what you're describing? And we're talking about the same thing? Yes, that's okay. that's exactly it. So you have the studio breaking up, Trigger and Gynax. For some reason, Gynax was kind of crippled because most of the other people went on to do their own thing. Ano was still with them at the time trying to make the rebuild movies. Well, Ano made his own that, studio Kara, but go ahead. Right. So you have that so you have that merger as well. So between the time of movie three, which finally was released for a long while, and Shin Godzilla. From what I understand, his company and Gynax were in fight for who had the rights to Evangelion. Because it's right. his creation, but it was created under Eva. Right. Which, at the time, for now, you have these two companies arguing, which Ono finally got the rights, and he had to make another group just to work on Eva. So you right. have this going on, along with, I believe, I think FDNM can confirm, or I might have the wrong person, they did release a Blu-ray release of Evangelion, but I believe that version was Who? released from... Did, are you saying ADV released a Blu-ray? No, I said your name to confirm. Because you would know, because you're, you're the Blu-ray aficionado in the group. Right, right, but who... Blu-ray aficionado and importer. I believe it's Gynax who released the Blu-ray. Not if sure. If so... Not yeah, I, sure. I, I believe the they, it has yet point. to get a Blu-ray release. 
even in Japan, but I'm not. I'm not 100. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Oh, you're talking There's about the original TV. TV box. The TV does have a Blu-ray, but I don't. We'll check real quick on CD Japan. Because okay. depending on who has the rights, if it's Gainax, you're still going to have Gainax fighting with this new studio on the on the physical release, which should default to this new studio. I mean, it is Gaina now. Gaina. Yeah. Down to get Jemina. Uh, simply and precise. She's a killer queen. All right, so... King Records. All this stuff... That's all I know. Okay, so it's the muse. So it's the music studio involved between companies. So that's a good sign, believe it or not. So it's the music studio behind all this. This, no, it's still speculate. Speculate because, all right. Still, you have the different companies, companies here, and with it being a, still a high seller. Because of all these events from the U.S. side and the Japanese side, you're going to expect a lot of inflation and demand because of a highly sought-at product, or at least that's how I see it. So because of that, Funimation, or what I can speculate, has been trying to go after this series for quite a while and waiting for them to lower the price so they can finally grab it as they keep it set at a higher price. That's all I can speculate. So Netflix probably got it at the higher price. Price that Funimation's been seeking for quite a while. Hence, some of the comments Gen said sounds like he's a little jealous, but that's my well, take on it. Okay, so I think real quick regarding um, Netflix is that what Gen Fukunaga was saying is that the companies are all bidding at these within this range and then netflix comes in and overbids like two or three times the amount they're bidding right, right? now to, to right. put this into perspective when amazon um early on in amazon's uh, you know online shopping selling history uh they took i think a hundred million dollar loss for like a full Baby year yeah, for diapers. Uh, and what they were doing is they were undercutting all the competition because they were making it the cheapest place to get diapers and all the other companies basically went out of business. So now um, this is this is a situation where um, these are market moves, ma market manipulation moves done not to benefit the consumer, but to overall benefit the business, right? Um, so what he's saying is that it, Netflix is basically doing the same thing. They are knocking out competition by the fact that they have all this money to spend um, to uh, to throw around and get things just so that they can be the, the streaming service that has it and nobody else, right? Now, um, but to play devil's advocate, I think Gen Fukunaga, even though, yeah, it's true. He said it's unfortunate Funimation did it. We really wanted the title. I think it's I think it's very valid to say, yeah, he's jealous. He would have liked to have it. It would have made them a lot of money. Oh, but yes. I also think he's making he's making a ton of great points. He's absolutely right. Funimation would have treated this brand way better than Netflix would. We'd actually get a lot of great things out of it. We may even get, as as was the case with ADV, a live action film out of it, right? More, more things, more features coming out. Although, let's just say their boogie woogie box didn't give me a lot of faith with their ownership of Coward Bebop. But um, 
uh, going forward, uh, it's also worth noting that one of the reasons why there was such a big battle over, over the ownership between ADV and, and Gynax was because they had already moved forward in production on those movies. Um, they had already gotten in, in talks with Weta. There was all already pre-production artwork uh, created and, and put online and everything. Like this was something that was happening. And then Gynax pulled the rug out from under them. Now, this situation with Anno and Gynax is very similar to what we talked about regarding... Um, um, oh my God, I forget the guy... Just lost the guy's name, the Gunsmith Cats guy. Um, Keiichi... Sonoda. Sonoda. Um, uh, Keiichi Sonoda's uh, um, Gunsmith Cats, where when he was working at AIC or whatever, that's when they did um, Riding Bean or whatever, right? And that's when Rally had the hairstyle. The different design. The blonde, the blonde hair, right? And then... Uh, when he left AIC and he eventually got to do Gunsmith Cats, AIC still retained the rights to those designs, even though they were his designs, right? So this is sort of what's happening between Anno and Gynax, and that's why we saw a change in Rally's design for Gunsmith Cats. Um, anyway, so yeah, I, I think that it's just worth mentioning that um, that this is common. It's unfortunate, but it's common. Um, and as things are, I, I think in time we are going to see things evolve to where creators retain, creative individuals retain a lot more of the rights to their work. And Japan's model of doing that is actually really pretty good because it's usually through um, their creation through manga. You know, that the manga is where they get to do that. Anyway, so I think... Um, I think time will tell re regarding Evangelion. So this article, you have to keep in mind that the article was written at a certain date and the interview was performed at a certain date. So Gen Fukunaga saying that, uh, that the fanfare, um, that it'll have very little fanfare potentially, um, May have been, yeah, so he says, Fukunaga worries that the eventual launch of Evangelion could arrive without fanfare. Uh, just on Twitter alone, a lot of people are pretty excited about this acquisition, but the difference is existing fans of the franchise versus fanfare from new people, you know, it's it's still, um, well, we'll have to wait and see. I, I think that there will be some fanfare, but I, I do think Gen is absolutely correct that if Funimation had gotten it, they would have done a lot more with it. Um, they definitely would have milked it for money. You know, I mean, at uh, at Anime Expo, they they had a rock climbing wall that they just slapped Attack on Titan poster towards the top of and, oh. and the, the uh, Attack on Titan rock climbing wall. Um, you know, so at times, at times there is, you know, stuff like that that is just a little bit of a... Uh, I mean, That's they're true. not... You know, you don't necessarily have to pay. I don't know if you had to actually paid it to do those things. So it is sort of more promotion, but I'm just saying like, uh, I, I hope that they will treat these things with respect because in other things, let's look at this. The Macy's day parade had a giant Goku float, you know, Funimation does actually care about the, their, their money makers at least, uh, which, of which Evangelion would certainly have been one. So, um, uh, I think that's all I've got to say about it. If you guys have anything else, you're welcome to, uh, I One still say from last podcast, I really would, just like with Star Trek, once again, I would really wouldn't mind a remastered box that would include either both tracks or pick your own sound effects, just to show right. love for the show. Which is something that they did with um, the Dragon Ball series through the Orange Brick sets. So, 
Yeah, it would have been nice. FDNM, and even this really quick. While while we still have Otaku, so before he leaves because he's getting impatient. Um, so let's see. Yes, I agree with uh, a lot of that, but um, let's see. I think that there, de- there's definitely an audience. People are getting super hyped about it. But like you said, new fanfare, not sure, but I'm sure that it's been so viral, like Evangelion, whatever. It's one of the most popular anime of all time and stuff that it'll draw in new fans. They'll be like, whoa, I have left Netflix. I'm a normie. There's this Evangelion thing. Everyone keeps on talking about it. Maybe I should watch it. Um, the other thing I have to say about Gen is definitely he's like like you said he's not completely wrong with all the things like yeah Funimation probably would have treated it better but you know Netflix they need exclusives to draw people to the platform which is something they're kind of doing right and honestly they're on a pretty good uh, track with all these Netflix original anime but for everything they add they take away but because these are Netflix funded They'll just be getting pluses as we go. But uh, yeah, other than that, he is kind of being... It, it just sounds like he's being whiny and jealous, but I think this is more than anything, just a bit of a stunt, so that Netflix sees that and is like, oh, well, when we're looking for distributors, we'll go to Funimation then, or something. I don't know, to guilt them into it. I, I don't know. I, I think and, if, if it I were can, me... I think they're now less likely. This this article it's, makes it's them one, less likely. It's one or the other. It'll it like that's why it's a stunt. But yeah, I agree with both of y'all. Like I said before, the first paragraph and the last paragraph is like a paragraph. It's like a punch at Netflix. But the middle, I agree. It's very passionate and probably he probably really did mean mean what he said with that. Just the whole punching might uh. Gave Netflix a little bit of a black eye there. Well, I think I think that the thing about Funimation is that Gen Fukunaga is incredibly sincere with his uh, desire to grow anime as a uh, as a brand and as 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 an like the audience wise. He's he's really interested in getting it to more people and growing its worldwide mm-hmm. appeal and everything. And I think that possibly more than anybody, Funimation is responsible for for the western appreciation of anime and the thing i'll just say uh here is that i kind of brought up earlier that um who hasn't made their streaming decision by now kind of thing and i know that then going forward there's going to be a lot more platforms popping up which is going to be really freaking annoying but um and a lot of people do have netflix by default like the normies as i said so it's available to a lot of people by default Right. But, um, but I'm just saying that uh, what I'm getting at here is that I, I think it's a lot less likely that people are going to jump onto Netflix because of Evangelion, whereas it would be even more likely for people who enjoy anime but have never bought anything to buy a Funimation box set and then start to become fans and, and brand loyalists uh, to Funimation. I think that Funimation would have benefited significantly more in the long run. Uh, and it would have done significantly more for the anime fandom overall because them doing better, being able to take on more tasks and challenges and getting more shows and stuff, overall, he is absolutely right. 
when he says that it's a disservice to anime fans. It's especially a disservice to anime collectors. I'll, I'll tell you that much, which will be streaming. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But um, he's absolutely right. So I'll just I'll just end it with that. All right, let's move on before Otaku Seal murders us. You have a collection. All right. Oh, and I was going to actually cut in with uh, with this next article regarding uh, regarding Netflix stuff, which actually I'm not entirely sure. I think this was a Netflix original. That's why it had the Netflix logo on it. Saint Seiya fans shocked as gender swap for Andromeda Shun revealed in new Netflix series. Yeah, right. So it makes we more sense that Andromeda is a female, but okay. I'm I'm going to read this article because the points that need to be made get brought up. And I think it's just easier to let the article speak for itself. Um, Netflix's CG remake of the classic anime Saint Seiya will include a major change from the original series, the gender of one of the principal characters. If you were a kid growing up in Japan in the 80s, you're almost sure to have at least a passing knowledge of the Saint Seiya anime slash manga franchise created by manga artist Masami Kurumata. You may even be able to sing a few phrases or more of Pegasus Fantasy, the iconic opening theme of the TV anime series, which we call Saint Sea Hat, if you've ever seen that video. Uh, an awesome song, by the way, which was a perfect fit for the feel uh, of the anime and the times. So naturally, it attracted the attention of many fans when the announcement was made last year that a CG animated remake of Saint Seiya was going to be released as a Netflix original series titled Knights of the Zodiac, Saint Seiya. Knights of the Zodiac being the, the Western uh, title of the show. Um, so it's kind of like SSS.Gridman, uh, right? Where they're using both titles. Although it's been 30 years, Toei's original anime series that aired in Japan from October of 1986 to April of 1989 was a particularly huge hit with anime fans. And to this day, Saint Seiya has a significant following both in Japan and internationally. Like the original manga, the Netflix series will feature the, the adventures and battles of Seiya and his fellow saints who have developed extraordinary fighting skills to protect the goddess Athena. And according to the released information, the show's first season will cover the Galaxian Wars and Silver Saint story arcs. There was quite a stir among fans, however, when the first trailer for the Netflix series was released recently and it revealed that one of the principal characters, Andromeda Shun, would be portrayed as a girl. Hold on, my mouse. Uh, there we go. Um, would, be, uh, would be portrayed as a girl and not a boy as in the original story. Looking through the trailer, it does indeed look like Andromeda is a girl. Just to be sure, we contacted someone at a company involved with the new series, and sure enough, we were told, yes, Andromeda is a girl. They've apparently received permission from Masami Kurumata, but we don't know the full details as the series is being produced overseas. So that was actually why I made my assumption that, that it wasn't a Japanese um, uh, series, but uh, I don't know who they actually technically got involved with. It might have been somebody at Netflix. So it could it could actually... No. Good. Now, if you recall our past articles, I believe DreamWorks was supposed to be working on this with Toei, but so far I haven't seen the DreamWorks name being dropped anywhere. So I don't I'm think that. Yeah, I don't. I I think that was a um, red herring that we had may have talked about okay. in the past. I don't. I don't think that actually ever was officially confirmed. So real quick. 
Okay, so Andromeda's character is definitely a girl. Hmm. But for fans of Saint Seiya, a big part of Androm Andromeda Shun's allure is that he is an incredibly beautiful boy. One of the earliest, quote, androgynously beautiful boy characters to feature, uh, to, pardon, to feature prominently in modern manga and anime. In fact, pardon, in fact, uh, do we really want to take that away from the series? So this is the character, right? And they're saying uh, she still fights with Andromeda's trademark chain. So why the gender swap? Eugene Sun, producer for the Netflix show, pardon, for the new Netflix show, explained the reason on Twitter. While taking full responsibility for the change and admitting that, quote, when we started developing this new updated series, we wanted to change very little. The core concepts of Saint Say that make it beloved are so are so strong. He went on to tweet, the only thing that concerned me, the bronze knights with Pegasus Seiya are all dudes. He explained that 30 years ago, a group of guys battling to save the world with no girls around was no big deal. That was the default then. He further tweeted that today the world has changed. Guys and girls working side by side is the default. We're used to seeing it. Right or wrong, the audience could interpret an all-male all team as us trying to make a statement about something. So, I mean, I think you could easily uh, defend that quote-unquote statement by, by just saying it's an adaptation of the original rather than the obvious statement that does get made when you change something. But well, um, even if so, there were some female characters that were prominent that they could just put more in the highlight and add to the group. Yeah. It, it, as we continue to read, we're going to see that this seems like uh, damage control for decisions here. But uh, right. so let's continue here. So that's the reason Sun gives for changing Andromeda Shun into a girl. To his credit, Sun does mention in his tweets that they also thought about creating a new female character, but that they didn't want to add someone who, quote, was not created naturally and has no character slash personality except to be a girl. But judging Kinda from... Like Venus from Kind of like Venus from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the next generation. Sure. Okay. Uh, but, but judging from the reaction on the internet, fans don't seem to think that this is a good enough explanation. Uh, so here's Shun as he appears in the original Toei anime series. Right? So this is him as a guy. In fact, the consensus among both Japanese and international fans seems to be that Shun was the one character they shouldn't have gender-swapped. Shocked and outraged fans all over the world are voicing their opinion that Shun is the character who was already breaking stereotypes and embodying inclusivity by being the somewhat effeminate and kind-hearted yet fiercely powerful warrior, and that changing him into a girl negates that concept. We feel there's considerable truth to that argument, since Shun's struggle with his compassionate, non-violent side, which he sometimes perceives as a weakness, is a big part of his character development. In short, Shun is meant to represent a different kind of strength that men can have that doesn't necessarily involve physical aggressiveness, and that message is lost if the character is turned into a girl. Further, Fans are afraid that the gender swap is bound to change the dynamics of Shun's relationship with his older brother, Iki. And we have to say that this also sounds like a valid point, because making them a brother and sister pair will certainly complicate some very important parts of the story. Plus, 
One of the reasons that Saint Seiya is popular, not just with men, but women as well, is that there are five gorgeous boys in flashing armor fighting together. <laughs> it's interesting to note that Eugene Sun's Twitter account, in which he made the statements introduced above, has since been deleted. Could it be that the backlash from fans in response to the gender swap was harsher than expected? We guess we'll have to wait and see if he has anything more to say. The Netflix original series, Knights of the Zodiac Saint Seiya, is slated for release in the summer of 2019. Would you watch it with a female Andromeda? As someone who has not seen any Saint Seiya, all I have to say is... I mean, I don't, for, if you're part of the waifu war, it's a, it's a plus. <laughs> but um, if, if you watch the original, then that might be a bit of an issue. Honestly, I feel like if there was an adaptation where there was a female version and then a separate adaptation where there's a male version, which is obviously the case, like that would be kind of unique and interesting to have the ability to choose and swap. But I mean, I understand all the points they made in the article as well, which makes a lot of sense. But that's all I got to say as an outsider. What about you, Augie? After you reading that article, all I can say is that my opinion is me against the world, baby. And they probably... Another nickname that the creator typically gets, I'm not sure how this came to be, is the creator of Saint Seiya also has the title title of the father of Yowie. So in a weird speculation, maybe this is to try to divert people from the Dojins, Dojins made about the characters, but I don't think that's a legitimate reason. So let's see how this plays out. If any, all my hopes are is I want this series to be popular as well because it baffles me that it's not like the rest of the world and... Well, you got Ronin Warriors, which is technically a clone of Saint Seiya that did that did well when it aired on Toonami, but the series just didn't get a chance for a full release because when it finally aired, I know I'm talking about broadcast news, but when it news when it That's finally right. aired on Toonami, it was swapped to the Saturday block, which didn't really give it a chance. Oh. I know you. I know you already know this, but the the layout of the docs is just. It's a very loose thing. We can talk about whatever, whenever. It's just a, a way to organize mm -hmm. articles. Um, so my thoughts are, I I would be willing to bet this was a Netflix. You know, you know how they talk about the uh, movies where like, oh, the movie got ruined because the studio got butted their head in, right? And the creative decision was made to add this love triangle to the Hobbit franchise, right? Um, that was something that the studios pushed on them. Um, rather than it was the organic way that the creators wanted to produce things. I think yeah. Netflix is doing that here because there I've noticed that there were shows, Netflix originals that I enjoyed that just tanked and the writing got awful after a certain point. I think something similar is happening here. I think that there's a new bunch of money in the, you know, certain billions of dollars from a certain someone who is uh, influencing this. Uh, and I think that there is um, a, let's call it progressive push to start almost virtue signaling certain, uh, certain aspects of that. And I, I, I feel like Eugene, Eugene taking the blame for it may have actually just been diverting. Okay. This is what they want us to do. 
here's how we're going to capitulate to that, right? We'll, we'll make this character a girl. It's probably, it's already sort of feminine. It's all right. We could just do that. And it was sort of probably an offhand thing that was decided on that. And uh, truth be told, again, this is a situation where you just, you just can't create, you know, uh, you, you can't change existing properties in this sort of way and have it work. I mean, they did make uh, they did make Shira a ten year old boy, but uh, but that was a whole different story. So, what I'm getting at though is that this you're you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't, kind of thing. Personally, again, I haven't watched Saint Seiya. Similar to uh, to FDDM, I would like to own the series like in a way I can sit down and really experience it rather than see an episode or two on Saturday morning of cartoons and, and miss a big chunk of it and, and right. only get every right. other three episodes kind of thing. So um, I've been waiting on it, but it's, it is a show that I'm excited to watch and, and interested in. Um, so uh, I will reserve my um, opinion and I'm, I might actually watch the Netflix one first as a way to get a unique experience. Although probably not that <laughs> unique because a lot of people are probably going to view it that way, but it might be an interesting way to go into it without a bias against the female character. Right. So well, um, it'll enough. be interesting well, to see. Good. Fair enough, because that's probably one of the ways, unless you watch it through TMS's channel, who uh, to watch the whole series, or at least somewhat of the original. Also, in the comments, when Reese mentions uh, more money to put into the PC department, are they talking about Blakely, correct? Okay, so he's talking about that. I thought he was saying I should upgrade my computer, which I plan to do <laughs> next year, but. All right. Oh, uh, all right. So, next article. I think the last thing I was going to say was like, it could have been worse, is all I'm going to say, because they could have done what they said and made a female character for the sake of female, but yeah. Well, they could have also turned yeah. Shun into a male trans uh, transitioning into a female. They could have done that. Too. We'll have to see how that well, how how things unfold. They could have pulled a Sonic X season three and have Chris Thorndike be the Captain Kirk of the whole show just out of nowhere. They could have made a live action Sonic. <laughs> we'll get to that. So, real quick, Neo Yokio trailer decks the halls for a very pink Christmas. So. The Netflix original anime, Neo Yokio, has a Christmas special, and you guys can watch it if you have Netflix. And in that news, Jaden Smith goes full Super Saiyan in a Goku music video. This is the laziest songwriting. I I mean, I've I've like a lot of people totally checked out of modern pop music, pop culture, rap, whatever the current genres of music is what I'm getting at. Uh, I gave this a listen. The lyrics are literally my credit card got declined, got declined. I feel like Goku. I'm like, what the fuck? (laughs) What does that have to do with Goku? I feel like Goku. (laughs) It's horrible. You guys should watch it. It's a horrible. I guess he's saying he's enraged, but that's stupid. Yeah. You can yeah. you can barely understand a word he's saying and the effects are just, like I don't know I, uh, I yeah. It's, yeah Brad Brad it's, most, it's just screamo you can't understand the lyrics. It's just hey, but really good I couldn't even believe it got made. All right, continuing. Well, the there is a moral to this story. 
if Which is? secret success to Jaden Smith is be Will Smith's son. You can do anything. Yeah, moving on. So move on. Real quick news for theater releases. If you guys are interested in seeing these things, Naoko Yamada. Wait, a I have a comment on this. I hate this because this means yeah, let's milk it more for the theater box office money when instead of actually releasing it to the U.S. and having people still pirating it in the meantime because they don't have the means to buying it unless they import, but they don't want to import because they're waiting for the North American release like me. Uh, yeah. I'm still uh, want. I don't mean to be anti what you said, FDNM, but I'm one of those that actually enjoy the theater experience of watching an anime. I get, I, I get it. I understand you want it to be more available and support. Or Notice how it says available. U.S. theaters? Yeah, he's got uh, a... Yeah, uh, yeah. But um, hold on. Like, I don't... Like, your point is fine. It's just release it on Blu-ray and theaters, so it's like the Ghibli, how they're bringing back those old Ghibli titles to theaters, Fathom Events. Just do that so I can be happy and you can be happy. So this says, following the success of Liz and the Bluebird, Eleven Arts Anime Studios preparing the return of director Naoko Yamada's previous Kyoto animation feature, uh, and it's going to be coming back to theaters in January 2019. Now, um, when I was working on so if you guys hadn't noticed i released a first impressions video uh just before the podcast um where where augie um jeff and my friend dan and i we all went to see uh um listen the bluebird at anime expo and um uh i while i was research i was trying to get like images to use for like the the thumbnail and everything um i was looking at blizz and the bluebird and i i kept finding this article that called Liz and the Bluebird a, a bumbling failure in terms of like uh, sales or something. Like it didn't it grossly underperform. I don't know. It seemed like the the opinion of a person talking about stuff, but it just seems funny. Maybe they're talking about the U.S. theatrical success of Liz and the Bluebird, but I don't know. Um, I can't read it from here. But do they? I can't read it from here. But do they mention how long? Day-wise, it was released in theaters because I always hate it when they talk about the sales, but not how long it was in theaters to bias the sales because something oh, to make a million. In, in, in the yeah, other article, yeah. I was talking about? okay, um, I don't know. I, it didn't get a, it did not get a lot of hits. Um, so I I recorded a first impressions that hasn't come out yet and probably won't come out for a long time because I just have something planned for it that's going to take a lot a lot of work on my part for uh, Love, Chunibyo, and Other Delusions. I saw it with Duo, and um, I picked him up from his um, dorm uh, at his college. And the day that that screening was, happened to, there happened to be a football game at, at ASU, and uh, parking was impossible. Right. So we, we actually only missed like the first 30 seconds of, of the movie. But, um, but when I was getting my ticket, uh, the guy said, um, like we had, we had had some pleasant conversation and brought up the fact about the craziness of, of traffic and everything. And he said, next week we've got Liz and the Bluebird and there's another game scheduled for then. So uh, I don't know, but, uh, it was uh, it was pretty bad, at least in the area where I went to see it, in terms of people actually getting in. Although I will say, Chunibio had a lot more people in the theater than I was expecting. Are they um, hoping that the people will abandon the football game to see the movie? Well, it's it's that people like me coming from out of out of city, like from a different uh, city, um, 
parking was impossible. Like there, I mean, there were so much traffic lines down the street. I ended up parking at Jack in the box. Um, and in the video, we decided to go in and get food at Jack in the box in order to, uh, to make it look like we didn't just park there and walk on by. So at least we had a receipt or something. Um, but we ended up not getting ticket or anything. So it was okay. But, um, cause we, cause we got out of the movie before the, th the, before the game ended, <laughs> it was probably the reason, but, uh, anyway, so I just want to bring that up. If you guys want to see it, it's going to be uh, January 28th and January 31st. So it's only going to be, um, it's going to be subtitled and dub screenings. Uh, if I just get my two cents on here, um, I wanted this movie to be better than it was. Everybody says, read the manga. Okay. Um, I don't think the movie was terrible, but it just feels like I bet if I bet if Naoko Yamada came back and did this again this year rather than when she did, she would have knocked it out of the park. Okay? I say if the manga is better than the anime, then the the anime probably isn't the best. And then also this is old news, but the never ending man, uh Hayao Miyazaki documentary, um today is when it started uh, airing and it, it'll also be on the eighteenth. Okay, if you guys want to check that one out. Oh, God. <laughs> Sonic the Hedgehog runs a blue streak in new movie poster. Um, so I, I'm going to address this with a tweet that I think encapsulates the... Uh... <clears throat> <laughs> I love that picture. So I later, uh, just before the podcast, saw Brady Hartel had um, shared an image of Sonic that you, he's not like a silhouette. Uh, his legs and his arms are full blue. Um, so it, it, it looks kind of scary. <laughs> I'll just say that. Yeah. Kurt says, why? Just why? Uh, and then if I can get out of that, the, <laughs> the responses to this were, uh, there are so many people that made artist renditions of what it looks without the shadowing. Yeah. And then someone made a fixed version where they had the, the 3D model version of Sonic, if it would have looked correct. <laughs> yeah. Probably the one I saw saw was they used the same kind of bluish tint for the silhouette and applied it onto a real hedgehog's face. But I saw one where saw he one. just looked like he was relaxing on a police car with his feet kind of that's the one I'm talking about. Let me, let me pull that one up real quick since we're since we're discussing it. Someone also <laughs> took a picture of the Grinch and recolored it to look like Sonic and it looked terrifying. <laughs> okay, hang on, I got it right here. What I don't get is one movie poster just showed his legs and to that's me it kind of looks like Jalil's white legs. Yeah, that's the one I've been seeing. Yeah. If uh, if somebody wants to make a movie accurate fur suit, I'll wear it to the premiere <laughs> for a video. <laughs> so uh, so yeah, there's that. Um, I, think, I think the images speak for themselves, though, because if you look at it, you instantly say, "Wow, the proportions of his legs and feet are so like human." compared to the 3D model, and it just looks creepy. And apparently, from what I heard, the someone on the team wasn't happy with how the eyes turned out, so that's probably why it's blacked out in the poster, because they might <laughs> be changing that. But I think this has worked really well for uh, outrage marketing or whatever, because everyone's yeah. just complaining about it en masse. So here's the yeah, uh, poster with the legs, right? Yeah, to me, the shoes look more like what Steve Urkel would wear. 
<laughs> okay, but the reason that I brought this up on Twitter when we were talking when it like that conversation sort of happened is because the anatomy of this doesn't make any sense. These are literally for for the for how they made this image, they rendered the the 3D legs, they separated them off of the character to get this shot. Okay? And I I found it hilarious because somebody made the exact point I was going to make. It just doesn't make any like they were they were saying that the image you're viewing it from a weird angle, you know. Um, so that's not exactly what I was saying. Uh, but the thing is that if you were to if you were to visualize where this picture continues, his, his legs leg would be disjointed. Is over here. His other leg is over here. His freaking hips are like you know the widest thing you've ever seen. So anyway. Um, do you guys have anything Come else you on. want to say about this or can I, uh... uh, the poster, the thing that you forgot to mention is the, the little trail that implies that he ran so fast around it makes no sense. Cause he'd had to have to like fly through the air and go in all these loop de loops or whatever. <laughs> like, did you not pay attention to that? Like, yeah. So cause he's cause literally defying is... It's around and then okay, but in in the games there are like there are um, certain uh, yes, there are but certain he has cylindrical tracks. things. What I'm just saying, there are certain cylindrical things that you can run on, and Sonic runs like and he's upside down on the bottom of it and stuff. So this is like running up a wall. If you run fast enough, you can do whatever right. you want. It's, it's <laughs> running up a wall there, but with this, he's going but, through thin yeah, air. This, this particular thing right here, although I think it's implying that that he's going he's down. Fast. Well, I think I think that this is where he ended, right? Because that's how he got up here and took in the picture is sort of taken, right? Yeah. So he's coming around here, Either but you're right. He ended or he launched like, off. Literally, he like launched off of off of this like uh, tower over here, and then he goes through these trees and woo, 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 and then he comes out here at some point, I guess down here, and then I guess he's going up here, up. Oh, and then on. Literally none of it makes sense, then, no matter yeah, what. You're right, you're right. But anyway, um, continuing on, because we got a lot to talk about. LAC, are you saying that you are against the new style of filming of Crotchamoscope? I I think they perfected that. Because if they can get away with that... Because if they can get away with that in paranoia, a paranoia, paranormal activity, why not here? Even though that's totally out of place. Because the only the only place where quote unquote crotchamoscope is needed is porn. <laughs> there you go. Okay, continuing. Series news. We got a lot of small things to talk about. TM Network's Get Wild is going to be the ending theme for the new City Hunter anime film. So, uh, if you haven't seen City Hunter, this is the original ending theme to the show. That's basically all the news here. I just wanted to bring this up because uh, anytime we get to talk about City Hunter and keep it in the public consciousness is a good is a good excuse to do so. So, no, they did reveal a full title for that. Yeah, they did. You want to know the name of it? It was uh, Shinjuku Private Eyes. There you go. All right. Space Adventure Cobra rises from the grave for 40th anniversary event. So he's been out of, yeah. So he's so according to this Augie, according to this article, if you haven't produced anything in eight years, you're considered dead. So they're from what I understand, they're revi reviving the original artwork for 
an event. It's nice to see see it still and still gaining popularity, and well, hopefully okay, more so is to come. The reason why they're saying Space Adventure Cobra quote rises from the grave ooh, rises from the grave is because the event is called From the Graveyard with Love. That's the name of the event. The Cobra Exhibition from okay. the Graveyard with Love event will commemorate the series' 40th anniversary and will kick off on December 26th. So, anyway. Hopefully they announce a movie along with this. Not Even though yeah. a live-action movie would be nice to see a release of, but who I've knows how they're say, going to cost. If, if they did a Hollywood adaptation of this, it would be the weirdest movie Western audiences ever went to see. Design wise, there's all the it, they would have to change so much for it to work in a live action format. But as a show, now this, this, this is an amazing series. Now, this was inspired by Barbarella, so would they take liberties and be more true to the Cobra source? Would they make a Barbarella clone, or would they say, Ooh, we got the license and do something totally different with it? Well, I well let's, just, still let's, just, about this movie. let's just circumvent podcast magic actually making a Hollywood thing say and say that this is not going to happen. There's no reason anybody wants this to happen. And podcast magic come back here because I don't want to see it. I don't want to have an article next podcast about a live action Hollywood uh, movie for it. Uh, wait, FDM, did you want to say anything about that? or No, I'm not Cobra. Like, okay. I know nothing about Cobra. All right. So Makoto Shinkai's new anime film reveals title and story for a July 19th debut. Now, I'll just say I haven't read this article because I don't want to know the story going into it. But um, the title is going to be Tanki no Ko Weathering With You or Weather Child Weathering With You. Okay? So if you guys want to discuss the story, uh, I will uh, dip out for a minute. Nah. <laughs> clouds look like big coffee cups. Yeah, um, so the one I'll, I will say that um, one of the things that Shinkai's style seems to have, um, I, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that he's done remarkably well water, um, buildings, cityscapes, you know, organic next to inorganic structures. You mean he's really good at tracing it? He's good at, he's good at depicting that in a, in a visually gorgeous way, uh, but in your name um they did a bunch of stuff with clouds right for the for the meteor coming down and everything and uh when i saw it in theaters it looked like the laziest after effects uh effects i i had ever seen so i'm hoping uh when i later saw it again it didn't feel as bad but for some reason it just did not read correctly when i first saw it but um i'm hoping that no they really perfect that going forward into into this movie and that they are just unstoppable and unparalleled as uh, comics wave yeah. continues well with the clouds comment looking at uh the adv releases of his three movies from that time period clouds seem to be a very common theme like you pointed out so good catch i have to say thanks for stopping by lance and rock on Right. Yes, Griziah yep. Okay. Yep. Phantom Trigger anime buckles in for March 15th premiere. So the Kickstarter funded adaptation was previously delayed. Uh, so I guess um, March I 15th. The trailer. Yeah. And all I gotta say is uh, 
I'm actually looking a bit more forward to it than I was. And uh, there's this one particular shot where they split in half like a sandwich or something. And for some reason, the the use the like the 3D depth felt really accurate to how it might look in real life. And I'm like, wow, that's nice. I don't well, know. I'll have, I'll have to watch it on my own time, but I will say that uh, the 3D depth of her head looks very inaccurate to me. Her <laughs> skull, her skull should probably have not. This this arc is really wrong. All that matters is that sandwich man. <laughs> All right. Well, you know what? I, I've liked the series for less. Uh, Augie, do you have anything you want to chime in on here? I hope uh, they have the English dub on. Nothing really for this. So. Yeah, if we're just the sort of whole series gets a release over here. That's all I want. Yeah, we're just sort of following up on on Kickstarter stuff we've discussed in the past. Now, this one you will have something to say because you asked me to share it. Uh, Sewayaki Kitsune knows Senko san manga about Fox Spirit gets a TV anime. Augie. Hey. All right, that's all we're going to say. I don't recall sharing this. Oh, maybe somebody else shared it. I don't know. But I, I wouldn't have put it in if it hadn't been shared. Sound Euphonium fans inspire limited edition theatrical posters. So I guess they did this thing where fans sent in images and they reimagined them as with posters artwork. for artwork with it, which I thought was pretty cool. Uh, especially this one where these Japanese girls sent in pictures of their sleeping friend and they, they decided to do this with it. Um, uh, and again, I'm bringing this up just so I could shamelessly plug my new Listen to Bluebird video, which I'm really glad I got out right before the podcast because if we got to this article, I wouldn't have had anything to play. <laughs> um, Strike Witches 501 Butai Hash, Hashin Shimas. Uh, anime reveals staff spring 2019 debut. This is another one you shared, Augie. Yes, so I am hoping if I read this correctly, we're getting another season of this, which I am excited for because this is the same person who created Girls in Panzer, I believe High School Fleet. I could Did be off on Contact Collection. I'm probably getting that confused with Contact Collection. And also guest starred in Shirobako. So the more I see him work, the happier I'm, I am. I just think that I want more of it because there's already so much. Yeah. <laughs> That's all. There's some, there are some series that even if I like them, I'm, I'm happy when they end because collecting wise, at least, at least there aren't curveballs thrown into my collection where you've got like, for instance, um, my Gundam stuff was, was all DVD height. And then, and then what happened with the, the newest thing of, uh, um, Thunderbolt, but anyway. Although, although, who was I kidding with Gundam? They were that was never going to end, <laughs> right? <laughs> anyway, um, Sword Art Online director makes a sci-fi romance anime film titled Hello World. Um, I forgot. I think Otakuso might have asked me to share this. Isn't that um, literally every programmer's first project? Hello World. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I only programming language I speak and I speak it at like a three-year-old level is Maya's embedded language. <laughs> so I don't know, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, no, actually, yeah. Where, where you, where you teach the command to say, I guess I, I also, know. I also speak Minecraft commands, but <laughs> oh, <yeah>. else... <laughs> anyway. this poster reminds me of that movie where the guy falls in love with the Her? iPhone. Her, Her, yeah, with Joaquin Phoenix and Scarlett Johansson, a movie that I worked on. Yep, yeah, um, yeah, we'll see. There's another movie, I think it's uh, starts with an S. Oh my god, what's that movie called? 
Oh shoot! Wait, no. what? Sexy no. Sally? No, no, no. It's a it's a movie. I think Slithers. it's a, it's another. It's about it's like Chobits, where the character falls in love with the uh, robot. A robot. Uh, Taikano. No. no, all the no. good guests. Uh, not Oh, I see. It, I see. It. Hold on. Time of Eve. Is that is that uh similar? I haven't watched it yet. I've watched Time of Eve with an S at all. Well, okay. I it was near the S's in my collection is where <laughs> I was trying to navigate to. Okay. Okay. I'll, I'll cut you some slack on that one. <laughs> Reese says World is the first opening theme for Blood Blockade Battlefront. Hashtag Watch Club. Uh, yeah, we need to... Uh, w- uh, that is definitely going to happen in 2019 for sure. We need to do uh, Blood Bath and Beyond podcast. Blood Bath. Blood Bath and Beyond. Alright. Steel Flashes and Blood Flows in Dororo TV anime trailer. So yet another of Osamu uh, Tezuka's manga is getting an, another adaptation uh, continuing forward. Yes. I, I bring this up because if you didn't already know, Discotech has released the original black and white anime, yeah? Is it the yes. anime black and white? Yeah, so, so uh, if you really want to uh, go into this show with the with lore, the full experience. yeah, go ahead and watch that and... first. And help uh, Disco Tech. And Universe. And well, Universal Relations. Uh, the live action. <laughs> oh, yeah. I guess the also for my birthday. Yeah. Um, he, he is okay. A little backing of this anime. The Swordsman is not named Oro. The kid's named Oro. He's a thief. Okay. The Swordsman, his father sacrificed the samurai guy from childbirth. He's sacrificed all of his body parts to become an emperor, like a quick rise to power. Well, he was raised by this blind blind, I want to say monk or sword master. And he was able to rehabilitate him and, oh, no, he's a doctor. Rehabilitate him to have artificial limbs, limbs, eyes, and everything else to make up his body so it can function. This is not yeah, scientifically accurate. It says a samurai lord has bartered away his newborn son's organs to 48 demons in exchange for dominance in on the battlefield. Now, Yet the abandoned infant survives thanks to a medicine man who equips him with primitive prosthetics, uh, lethal ones, which the wrong son will use to hunt down the multitude of demons to reclaim his body one piece at a time before confronting his father. On his journeys, the young hero encounters an orphan who claims to be the greatest thief in Japan. Uh, so I've got to say, if he actually regains those organs and becomes a whole person, this is going to be freaking amazing for to watch. Oh, it's, uh, it's almost like story. a great show. Uh, I'll announce this now. I would like to watch this show or on the podcast where my birthday lies. Since okay. it's Samurai July. Yeah. Although the so problem with time. Samurai July is that it's also the month Anime Expo is, so it gets really difficult to. So we'll have to, we'll have to do it for the. Let's for the not bound ourselves by themes if it's not convenient. Well, it's it's know. the birthday being in July that makes it hard. It doesn't matter what the theme is, but um, but yeah. So we'll just we'll just cross that bridge when we get there, right? Maybe we'll do it before. Uh, the the podcast before your birthday at the end of June uh, is a way. Either to, way is so, fine. It would be is nice that, to finally do one black and white movie for Watch yeah. Club. All right, and this one is ridiculous on the violence. So moving on, I just think that uh, Dor- Blood Dororo, 
Oh god, what was I gonna say? Oh yeah, this that would be the new one would be such a treat if you watched it from the black and white one. Yeah, that's all I really gotta say. All right, so oh, yeah. uh, I think Reese had me share this. Pop Team Epic, maybe Otakuso did. Pop Team Epic is Yahoo's most searched anime of 2018. There you go. Um, and I bet you the the reason why is people are asking, what the hell is Pop Team Epic? <laughs> Mirai anime film re receives Golden Globes nomination. I think Reese had me share this one. I'm happy Hosoda is getting more recognition. <laughs> is this movie still in theaters? Not sure. Uh, I don't think so. I mean, the pre-order for it's about to be released. Okay, because yeah, no. I, I I didn't get to see this one in theaters. I think you're mixing that up with uh, something else. Uh, well, it says here. Oh, okay, well, it says here the theatrical. It had a theatrical release in the United States on November. There's pre-orders for the Japanese version, but uh, like not this one we saw this on. Uh, I'm pretty sure G Kid no. had, uh, had because. Hold on, I'm getting that confused with the MAQ title that was premiered this past fall. Macria? And Viz was going. Yeah, Viz oh, is going right. to release that one, I believe. Okay, my bad. It's a maybe. Makia's Shout Factory, I think. Which G Kids and Shout Factory have a partnership on things. December 5th. So, yeah, it looks like I probably have lost my opportunity to see it. I'd like to see something with my wife in uh, California if I can, but we'll just have to wait and see what's available. Uh, Otagasis says Pop Team Epic is a hell of a drug. Um, Otagasis, let me share this. British police develop psychopaths AI to predict crimes before they happen. Good luck, and good luck at not uh, falling apart and stuff. Hey, FDM, the queen owns your country, so be careful what you say. I think at any time we can just opt out of it, but for some reason we are, I don't know, masochists and we want to keep, I don't know. I'm too polite. So from, what I get from, so from what I get from the title, it sounds like they want to... I'm going to read the article. Thought control more powerful. So that's my speculation. Well, let me just say, this is about British police, but this is oh, coming to a town, town near you. Okay? Um, this is why they have the social credit score in China, which, by the way, Britain is implementing next year, or has already implemented. I don't remember. So in a move straight out of the script of the dystopian sci-fi anime series Psychopaths, Police in the UK have been developing an artificial intelligence that will predict how likely a person is to commit or be the victim of a violent crime. Now, I'll tell you right now, police aren't doing shit. They aren't developing this. <laughs> like, seriously? No, they're not developing it. Third parties contracted by the police in the private sector, which is where this always comes from, are the ones developing this. I'm sure they have the coding department uh, in Police Academy. Yeah. <laughs> New scientists reported on November 26th that the police intend to flag individuals with the system and intervene before crimes happen by offering preemptive wow. counseling. Yeah. Do you think that, that a violent criminal is, is going to take the preemptive counseling, which is not seeming to be mandatory? <laughs> the system, called the National Data and Analytics Solution, or NDAS, uh, uses a combination of AI and statistics from local and national police databases. Just the imagine. Number, 
The person that's like they come to the door. Yeah, you're gonna commit a crime, so come with us. And then they commit a crime because of it, because <laughs> they're like, "Hey, I don't want to. Why are you getting into my face, telling me I have to go take this therapy and stuff?" <laughs> yeah. Well, so here's the thing: is that even no. if let's let's just say let's just say that none of this even exists. Let's just say that this this doesn't exist at all, and literally they already have a profile on you because we have we have all this privacy breaching. I think 2018 had the most major data breaches of any year of people's personal information through all sorts of big things getting leaked into the public. They already have your information. They probably, this probably uh, just through what they already have already exists. And this, this thing here is a, is sort of a, um, a disclosure to the public way of going about this. So they probably already have uh, persons of interest, right. That they're looking at. And this is, um, uh, an excuse that the police can use to interact with people that they don't have quote probable cause for searching and whatnot. And this is a way for the police to circumvent uh, sort of legal oh. precedents and, and uh, power grab more, uh, you know, more control. Well, I agree with you, AC, because if you think about a police job with the whole probable cause, they're pretty much trying to guess at a population when something is doing wrong. So if they try to pull you over. The whole point of the police is that they can't actually do anything until a crime has been committed. Correct. So. Th this article gets uh, gets more and more ridiculous, by the way. So I Ian Donnelly, the police lead on the project said that they have collected over a terabyte of data from the early phases of the project, including logs of committed crimes and about 5 million identifiable people. The software found nearly 1,400 indicators from the data that could help to predict crime. It was found that the number of crimes committed by people in an individual's social group were a strong factor in their likelihood of committing a crime. Now, first of all, real quick, as I glance over the obvious profiling going on here, uh, let me just point your attention to uh, the gulags in uh, Soviet Russia and how they used to uh, they used to make you report on your neighbor by um, they what they did is you couldn't trust anybody during during this time in Soviet Russia because they would go to you and say. Um, you need to say to this neighbor that you have these dissident thoughts about, about the communist regime or whatever, uh, so that we can test if they're going to tattle on you. Right. So you never know if your neighbor actually is being honest about their dissident views or not. And if they don't tattle on that person that would put up to the task, they go to the gulags. If they do tattle on that person when they weren't put up to the task, that person goes to the gulags. Right. So this right here is uh, it seems to me what this actually is, is a control grab over the fact that if you have paid any attention about what's happening in the EU right now, the dissatisfaction of the people there, especially in France, that this seems to be a control measure to try to stamp out dissident voices. And the, the individuals in the social group are people you are friends with or talk about or hashtag people like Tommy Robinson, all these different people who are, who are vocal, uh, vocally protesting government measures in the, in European union countries uh, that that is going to go into your, 
your social credit score and activate you as a targeted individual in this um, in this platform. Now, for appearances, they'll probably also target everybody who's who's Facebook friends with somebody who has an arrest record. Yeah, they'll probably also do that kind of stuff. But the main purpose of this is to stamp out, in my opinion, is to stamp out uh, the people that pose a threat to the continuity of government. So Donnelly claims that the intent behind flagging individuals with a high risk indicator is not to arrest them, don't be silly, before they commit the crimes, but rather to provide them with support from local health or social workers. The project began as a means of channeling limited police resources more effectively. Bullshit! <laughs> no freaking way is this more cost efficient than not having enough manpower on the street. B.S. That is total bullshit here. The cost behind developing artificial intelligence can't possibly be less than just supplementing the lack in funding for the police force. Donnelly said that because police funding has been slashed in recent years, there is a need for system uh, for a system that can help the police prioritize on those who require interventions most urgently. This is exactly what they're doing with the quote-unquote death panels of letting a computer decide whether or not you should get care under socialized medicine. The project has until the end of March 2019 to produce a prototype with the ultimate hope that every police force in the UK could eventually use it. Although the police will work with the UK data watchdog, the information commissioner's office to ensure that the NDA, NDAS meets privacy regulations, the project has already drawn criticism from a team of scientists at the Alan Turing Institute of, uh, in London who cite serious ethical issues, yeah, no shit, with the foundation of the project and question whether it is in the public good for the police to intervene with individuals who have not yet committed crimes. Now, regarding what you were mentioning earlier, FDDNM, I think you're absolutely right. The civil discourse it will cause to be accused of the thought crime, you know, that the police think that you are thinking of committing a crime will create more outrage than it will protect in regards to saving people from making the horrible mistake of committing some crime. Right. Other researchers have highlighted concerns that the system will reinforce pre-existing biases against poor communities and people of color. Question, example, though, okay. how are they going to, like, are they going to say, hey, guys, it's mandatory scan month, and then that's how they'll find it out? Or do they have these scanners that they just point at someone in public and they're like, oh, this guy's going to commit a crime? <laughs> so you know that the you know that in China they have a this ridiculous array of cameras all over the entirety of China. That kind can of like find CTV you under, or whatever it is called. Well, like, remember, remember in the movie Minority Report, they had pre-crime and all that stuff? That. Okay, so in the movie Minority Report, which is which is probably the first modern, uh, um, you know, solve crimes before they happen story um, that was, that's, you know, coming to the modern public consciousness. In that movie, everywhere everybody went, there were um, eye scanners. And the eye scanners, you didn't have to, like, get your face right up to them. They would read all the eyes and they would know who you were. Uh, and they would target ads to you. They would say, welcome back to, to Nordstrom, Mr. Anderson and all that. Like they would all, all these things that they would say. Um, and uh, 
they were also used to track your whereabouts everywhere you went, right? And it was all about this pre pre crime. Uh, system in order to know where people are and trace their movements and analytic, you know, through artificial intelligence. Well, actually, in that case, it was through mystic precognitions, people who had like a sixth sense and were able to, it was, it was bizarre. But through this, it's through uh, artificial intelligence to catalog all that data and to, to predict crimes, quote unquote. Right. So, um, you have to know, as I mentioned in China, they already have an array of cameras everywhere china has the, the biggest population of any country is that correct probably it, maybe okay. india but who knows of, the, of developed countries uh china's the biggest and yet at any point in 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 like 90 percent of china if you're there they will know who you are uh of the chinese population and where you are in under a minute right oh, wow. like they that system is so advanced and it's so dystopian and authoritarian guess what Britain already has cameras like that, okay? It's not to the point uh, that it is in China, but they have been marching towards this for a very long time. So to your point about how will they know and all that stuff, they already have the camera grid. They already have facial recognition. Sure, but are are they going to have, like, brain scans that work through a lens of a camera? No, (laughs) they're... Okay, let me... I'm going to drop a bomb on you right now. Social media was invented to track your thoughts. Okay? okay, sure. Facebook and other groups have major contracts with DARPA, the CIA, all so these different groups. So you're saying that it's going to be like keywords on YouTube and work like the YouTube algorithms and falsely me, flag like 50 people way. from a keyword? Do you know where the, the modern facial recognition um, software was developed? Uh, Facebook. I guess that... Yeah, that Facebook, makes sense. Facebook made that through uh, machine learning because every user on Facebook uploaded selfies. They popularized selfies and everybody uploaded pictures of themselves in different lighting conditions from different angles all over that platform, right? And, uh, and they track your likes. Facebook's app listens to you 100% of the time so that they can, quote, find out what sort of movies and music you're into so that they can recommend things to you uh, in targeted ads, right? So, um, and when you first started with Facebook, you would put in what your interests were. Oh, I like this movie. I like this show. I like this song. I like, you know, and and people were sharing all this data willingly. That reminds me of how in Parasite the Maxim, it was like uh, if they pulled out someone, a parasite's hair, then the hair would like uh, frizzle and like just completely decay instantly so it's like uh, the government was like let's make this a trend so that people are staying safe or yeah. whatever so it's like exactly. pull out each no, other exactly. were, yeah no way see did you read off the article three three yet i got, I, got uh, I think two paragraphs left but let me just clarify here so so the thing about facebook is they developed that facial recognition technology by you voluntarily giving them your photos and tagging yourself and then they just handed that to the to the to darpa and the cia Okay, so social media was developed in order to create predictive uh, programming um, algorithms in order to like Amazon is trying to predict your purchases before you make them so that they can get the shipment out that much sooner. I don't mind that. (laughs) Yeah, but I'm just saying that this is what social media was designed for. Okay, and there that is being utilized as they say the road to hell is paved with good intentions, right? Um, so it doesn't matter if 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 they started this trying to develop technology, it gets used for for this sort of thing. So let me just finish these uh these last ones here. So um, 
okay, yeah, this is the paragraph I was on. I think Other we can all say, agree that yes, this ain't a great idea. Yeah. Well, let me just. Well, I got more just, stuff to say after he finishes. Other researchers have highlighted concerns that the system will reinforce pre-existing biases against poor communities and people of color, particularly because there's a lot of crime in those in those communities. For example, commercial face recognition software has repeatedly been shown to be less accurate on people with darker skin. Yes, because there's less contrast in order to uh, to scan. Uh, take that as a take that as a gift from God that you might be spared from the uh, uh, from the algorithm. Another issue is that it could restrict resources to areas that police already have extensive data from. Andrew Ferguson at the University of the District of Columbia said that arrests correlate with where police are deployed and not and are not representative of crime numbers overall. This tends to disproportionately affect groups that were already marginalized, meaning that um, groups that have low police turnout, um, there may be less crimes um, uh, you know, documented there because there are le and less arrests there, but it's potentially because they have less manpower there. There's less arrests being made. You know, so uh, last article here around the world, police are increasingly using data to predict crime before it happens. PredPol, developed by Santa Clara University in California, is a software that identifies future crime hotspots. Earlier this year, Human Rights Watch criticized the Chinese authorities for preemptively detaining people in the province of, of uh, Xinjiang uh, using predictive policing. Uh, the future predicted by psychopaths may not be so far off. So I'm going to say this isn't a prediction, okay? This is like with uh, with 1984. People are always saying, you know, 1984 uh, was supposed to be a warning, not a guide, right? That's not actually true. Um, the writer of 1984, George Orwell, real name Eric Blair, and the writer of Brave New World, Aldous Huxley. Animal were, Farm, right? Right, and Animal Farm for George Orwell, were um, invited into um, the Fabian Society, and they were shown plans by the Fabian Socialists of where they wanted to take uh, society, like their plans for, for the future of the civilization on Earth. George Orwell and Aldous Huxley wrote those plans into their books. Okay, this is something that's been going on for a very long time, and anybody who actually looks into it sees like, oh shit, like... They've been the hardest thing standing in the way is national sovereignty and um, people's, uh, you know, country's ability to to object, which is why this is happening in Britain, which is the bitch of the EU instead of a place like America, where we still have the right to uh, to oppose this obvious unconstitutional measure. Not that it won't still be circumventing the Constitution here at any point. Augie, would okay, you like stay Okay, for the China, China population question, I'm not sure if it's the one, but they have done different tactics on surrounding countries where they would take their people and kind of overpopulate it to push the natives somewhere else. So as they, they're probably not the number one country, but they're pretty high. I for well, population. The two, the the two population wise is, is India and China, I believe. Um, and, but you're talking about probably. a whole separate thing. We probably shouldn't get me started on regarding yeah, Democrats. That, that's fine. That's fine. Unsubscribe from the is, series. <laughs> I don't know what that is. Second thing is that deadline of March 2019. Um, even if they implement this, that's still too 
early to do something with that kind of technology. That's, I mean, you can even compare that. Yeah. Still, if you look at the prototype of self-driving cars, they didn't have an, I still, I still believe that they didn't have enough adequate time to develop and troubleshoot the release of this new technology because the investor pushed too hard on a shorter date date, which is probably another reason why you're not seeing that being a common norm across the states. This could also be applied to, I believe this could also be applied to this article as well. Um, if they decide to go, if they decide to proceed with this, you're going to have a lot of paranoid cops who are probably going to bumble about and lawyers are probably going to be a little bit richer from this. Hate to hear something like this is happening, but oh well. Look, all I'm saying is oppose this. Okay? The good is far outweighed by the bad. And there are already efforts getting this in the United States and in most of the Western world. Um, and this is something we should oppose. Okay. Um, it's kind of like the idea, you know, you ever hear people say if you uh you if you don't have anything to hide, um, you don't have anything to fear, right? Regarding like data breaching and NSA spying and all that yeah. stuff. Yeah. First of all, literally that quote comes from Joseph Goebbels, the Nazi propaganda ministers. Second of all, that not having anything to hide is a totally bullshit reason to give up a civil liberty. Okay. Because when you, when a nation loses um, civil liberties and freedoms, they aren't gotten back until there's a revolution. All right. So oppose this kind of bullshit everywhere you see it, because um, if we don't oppose it and we don't push back on it, um, and they're going to try to cram it through anyway. But if you don't push back on it, you know, um, you're going to see it sooner and at least like getting people aware of it instead of like we're reading through the the, you know, the fluffy language of, oh, don't worry, we're just going to we're just going to send a counselor and social don't we're not arresting people print don't worry about it right even though china's <laughs> literally already done that but this is the same thing about about uh some other news we discussed in the last podcast about youtube it's like it's like oh don't worry no we're no we're worry annotations into end screen elements but don't worry the annotations will still be there and then oh pff, annotations aren't getting that much love so we're going to scrap them in january they're going to be gone forever anything you ever put on a video that you were trying to correct something that you had said or give somebody a link to your website or all that stuff, it's gone don't worry uh you don't need it nah, right so no, this I is the same kind the of thing. One thing that Good. the one thing i know we're talking about britain but the one thing that uh we have over china China, for the most part, aside from civil liberties, which that site's going to have a long job if they just keep ex keep examining China, is uh, we're educated and much more smarter than they are. So China, China, well, actually, in other China ways, has some smart tangentially. Yeah. China has uh, been developing and perfecting the CRISPR technology to produce babies that are born with an IQ of over 200. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't put uh, put that on China. The problem with China is that they are really good at controlling their people, just like Japan, where they have things like the the nail that sticks up gets hammered down. Uh, they have all sorts of things that that create a unified people rather than an individual. And in America, the thing that that America makes America so special is we are about individual liberty. Because to quote United Ayn Rand, States. the individual is the greatest minority that there is, right? 
Go ahead, um, FDM. I was just correcting you to say United States because I'm technically part of America, North America. <laughs> <laughs> um. So anyway, I, I think we should move on, but I'm I'm just saying yes, like this yes. this is such a fucking horrible uh, thing to to finally because the thing is that when it gets in the press, it means that this has existed for probably 20 years and has been developed. And as I said, Facebook, all these other things were created in order to harvest your data. And it's the kind of thing about um about the way that you get something from somebody is to make them want to give it to you, and that's what Facebook did. They made a platform where you wanted to put everything out there. You wanted to share with everybody. And all that tagging you did of your photos and stuff all right, um, Brad, I think is why the algorithm move. exists. Move. I'm ready. Let's Swipe move. to the next article. We're ready. Swipe left. The glue is powder. Nekopara manga adaptation ends. I think Otakus has shared this. So the January issue of Karakawa's Denki G's comic magazine published its final chapter of Tam Yu's um, Nekopara manga. So, so reason... Nekopara is a visual novel, so the manga ending is like nothing, is all I right. can say. It's just those who prefer the manga version, it's ending. Yeah. Continuing. High School of the Dead manga artist says it's not easy to draw a continuation. This seems like this article is coming out, or the statement so to speak, is coming out way after way the too late. death. Um, but basically, uh, fans were hopeful that um, someone that would take the story over. would be continued through perhaps the manga artist. And without reading the actual article, just sort of summarizing here, basically what the artist says is that the only person who can continue to write this is the original author, Daisuke Sato. Um, nobody else has his vision, and uh, it's not as easy as you think to just to just pick up where he left off. Um, so uh, this isn't something that I've read. I, I have the anime. I'd like to watch it eventually, but um, I mean, at least it's sad to hear that, that the story isn't going to get a conclusion, at least not anytime soon. Well, I'll just say this is that a comparison to this is familiar with Zero's author who made the light novels passed away before its completion. However, they did get someone else to fill in the role and complete it but they decided to keep it anonymous so the people who read it didn't have any biases or anything like that. So I just hope for any situations like this that they get the familiar zero treatment. And uh, Kaze no Stigma is another one where I think the author died before it was completed, which is a shame because I love right. that show. <laughs> well, another example would be Getarobo, the original creator, uh, Mr... Yamato died, then Gonagai kind of adopted the series to give it a conclusion. Well, um, an inverse of this is Shin-Chan. I actually opted not to share an article regarding um, a new Shin-Chan movie that's coming out. The author of Shin-Chan died in like a hiking accident a couple of years ago, uh, and they're still pumping that out. But in that case, they actually found all these like sketches and stuff in his in his house that um, that I think was making it a little easier to continue some of the gags and stuff that uh, that he had you know planned around the character uh, and they actually go into detail in this article about um, unless substantial notes are found in Sato's um, house that contain notes on uh, on how he wanted the series to progress and everything it just doesn't seem like a uh, the continuation is gonna happen all right can I move on yep yes Masaru Miyazaki launches new Tezuka biographical manga with girls' un panzer artist. Augie, go ahead and take it away. 
Um, well, the only other thing I can point out for this article is, oh my God, when you look at the uh, Osama Tezka picture, picture, he looks like he's about to take over the world. Continuing about, on what... Are you talking about this one on the... Uh... Well, if you can zoom, yes, right there. <laughs> now, continuing this, the article also explains that they're coming from a perspective of him, him and his ragtag team of animators trying to take on a task by rebelling against what's been done before. Uh -huh. So, with it being what? that kind of cat, what's what? Oh, that's okay. Guide. I thought that said Kaiten. Um, it says worst Kaiten Guriko. I don't. I don't know what Guriko is. That's in, it's written in uh, Katakana. Um, next to this thing you're saying is um, Tezuka. So and anyway, um, it just, it's just funny if if this is actually Tezuka. It's just funny to put the worst next to. You know what I mean? Yeah. That is. So knowing what what type of cast is working on this i'm kind of hyped to watch this well it's a manga right you mean you mean watch where it oh. goes watch where it goes yeah. yeah um cool well i mean assuming it ever comes out over here yeah it'll be it'll be cool to see can i move on you have anything oh, yeah. to say FDM? yes no all right this one is for you fdm this is Shonen Jump switches to free simultaneous publication. Would you like me to read this, or do you no, want to just take? I can sum it up. So essentially, Shonen Jump, in case you have been out of the loop, has actually still been publishing in North America despite the physical editions being discontinued for a long time. And you could get like a subscription for twenty-four dollars for a year, and you get fifty-two issues or something like that, whatever a month weekly issues. Um, but they're discontinuing Shonen Jump in favor of this brand new, what I'd call revolutionary model, which is like, uh, essentially, you get all the three latest chapters of every ongoing manga for free access. Like, you don't need to pay for it. Like However, simulcast, basically. Yeah, right? basically. It's essentially getting a free simulcast. But, yeah. consequentially you can't get any backlog. But if you subscribe, you get the backlog. And the way they word it, $2 a month, you get the entire backlog of every Shonen Jump ever, is what they said. Clarify, that sounds... US dollars, not, not US only, just to clarify that. It, oh, okay, yeah. Um, yeah, like, what the way they word it like that, it's like, $2 a month, I can find that in my couch every month, you know? Yeah. <laughs> that type of thing. But... Yeah. um. But yeah, so I think this is a really strong model that they're doing. And the person who did the promotional video, he's like, I've been working with the English Shonen Jump team from Japan or whatever for 15 years. I and we've come to did that video, actually. We've come to this conclusion or whatever that the manga escape is changing. People are pirating manga fiercely and stuff. So in we're adapting with the times, essentially. And I think, you know, he's... Yeah, I agree with all that. So okay. you're talking about you're talking about this guy in the video, yeah. editor okay. in chief of Shonen not, not Jump, whatever. Yeah. But um, so something that I don't think is very clear when you read this is that it limits you to like a hundred chapters a day for mm -hmm. if you have the backlog feature. But I mean, 
To be fair, that's a lot. Like 100 chapters in a day. I don't think you're going to... Yes, it does suck, but I think it's because the people that literally just watch, read manga the entire day, it's like, well, they'll finish the backlog in no time. No, I don't know. The the limiting it, that is an effort to stop bots from stealing the the free or whatever stuff. Actually, that's... I didn't even think of that. That's probably a decent idea. Because 100 100 chapters is, is... probably more than a normal person would read in a day even if that's they were about 10 volumes or something like that it's a lot right that's a lot um so it's probably enough that that it's not going to bother a lot of actual real users but it'll put a hindrance on anybody who's trying to bot account it and steal the archives and upload them as torrents or something yeah hey guys i'll be right back all around smart decision all right Augie. and but yeah so essentially oh I have to say the bad news, though, for me, is I'm not getting my promo Yu-Gi-Oh cards anymore because they're discontinuing it. Because those, I've said this like once or twice on the podcast, sorry, but the the promo Yu-Gi-Oh cards pays for the description, the description, subscription, because they're promo and they don't, like, people will pay for them. And the ones that are playable are even more. One of the cards that I got, the last one I got, was like 30 bucks you yeah. know and the whole subscription is 24 it, yeah. it, and you get four cards in the year but uh unfortunately they're discontinuing that next year is the last four that will be released ever but i'm just wondering are there going to be any more promo cards for Yu-Gi-Oh at all yeah uh, you have from- um all of the previous ones by chance not all of them but i have them from 2014 I mean, I can grab the binder right now. And show. I, I was going to say that I was going to say that it's sort of we were talking about that kind of bittersweet uh, thing regarding series ending. Is that on the one hand, it's like if it does end, at least you can you can now figure out a way if you want to display the collection, kind of thing. You know, where it's not like constantly reevaluating for adding more and more stuff. You know, into into how it's going to be displayed. You could actually yeah. turn it into like a centerpiece or whatever. Um, or or now in your uh, perspective you can now um have a complete uh, binder well well yeah that but i was going to say you can now start focusing on the ones you don't have and trying to trying to get those which i would jump on before this ends if i were you because the price value is probably no no dude they've been doing these promos for years before i even got back into Yu-Gi-Oh. so the old ones are they've been super expensive ever since i got back into it <laughs> like 40 bucks for a blue eyes it's probably even more for the blue eyes ultimate dragon that came out originally but like I've already got a Blue Eyes Ultimate, I'm happy with that. It's just if it happens to pop up, sure, and it's cheap, yeah, maybe I'll get it. But um, other than that, like uh, I'm not sure if there's much else to say besides, um, yeah, I'm hoping that the other manga companies can like see how positive a reaction this is getting and then take suit, or even better, just try and be comp- competitive and then up it and make their service even better than that somehow yeah. like offering their own Yu-Gi-Oh cards <laughs> <laughs> well yeah it, maybe it'll continue on a different service like you're saying um all right so I'll actually be- uh, real quick is yeah. the the biggest problem with shonen jump and the reason that one of the reasons i didn't actually read the articles that i was getting i got it mainly for the cards <laughs> but um is that they had these long-running series like one piece and all that and some smaller 
series, but they're still pretty long, is that I didn't have the first few chapters of it available, so I had no reason to start in the middle. Because like you said, Saturday morning, I'm not going to watch the middle of an arc that I haven't started or anything like that. Right. So now that there's a backlog feature, this changes the landscape so much. You can go back, start what you want, and actually continue it. And then you might not even need a membership after a while and just do the simulcast for the one series you're keeping up with. So, yeah. All right. So the next article, Augie, before he dipped out, messaged us and asked us to hold off on regarding JoJo. So we'll come back to this. This was some sad news for me because um, normified. It, I mean, I, this well, how can I put this? Um, it drew my attention not only to that this is happening, but also that it's already happened with Ariana Grande, and just made me lose so much respect for the Kingdom Hearts uh, brand or pardon Final Fantasy brand. Um, so uh, yeah, Katy Perry is joining the Final Fantasy universe. Uh, and Ariana Grande already has so. So is it just a event on Brave Exit XVS? XVS, it, it seems to be, and they've got their act. They actually have a sprite and everything. I'm and not. I'm not terribly there. offended by it. I just think it's in really stupid taste that they have a celebrity in this. I mean, sure, <laughs> if they're a fan, but it's like, where's the Mal? Where's your video game list? <laughs> well, like, I just. Yeah, I just feel like. Uh, I mean, to uh, be fair, if if she's promoting yo Final Fantasy and stuff and drawing more of a crowd, sure. Let, let's uh, let's live change this article uh, to paint a picture that'll illustrate exactly the point. Imagine this, but instead of Katy Perry, it was those pictures of Jaden Smith. Jaden Smith is about uh. that. That explains my exact frustration with this. As I said back in that article, uh, I have checked out completely with modern music in the West. I, I think it's all pretty much garbage. I know a lot of people have that opinion. I'm not trying to grandstand on anything, but I'm just saying that them bringing into Final Fantasy it's like kind of tainting the brand to me. Anyway, um, do you want us to go back now that you're back for we can talk about this? Uh, hold on. Uh, let me brief comment on that. One, I'm going to a Final Fantasy uh, concert this January up in Nashville. Uh, and also for Kate Perry, whoever this person is, she looks a lot you like uh, the main character. From... Okay. She looks a lot. She's dressed kind of like the main character from Space Channel 5, in my opinion. But that's kind of indifferent that she's in a Final Fantasy if you changed so. the color of her skin and made her hair white, she kind of looks like Ursula from The Little Mermaid right now. That. Well, anyway. Add, add the 200 pounds, but back to JoJo. All right. So the reason I'm sharing this is because we talked about these chibi things, and I, I at that time, thought, because I hadn't read that article, I thought it was that they were doing a Attack on Titan Junior High-esque show, but with JoJo. And then we read, oh, it's just like an illustration promotion. Well, guess what? mobile game with animations of these characters and their poses and stuff. Ugh. And of course, it's a phone game. Ugh. Yep. Well, the best kind. Game. Don't you guys have phones? You have phones, but you don't play games on them. What's I'm the point? referring to the Diablo Mortal quote. <laughs> you, know, you know what's actually what? really funny? 
Yeah, the, he was he was quoting the the fiasco with Diablo's uh, mobile launch where they said, don't you guys have phones? <laughs> um, so what's actually kind of funny is, you know, and I sort of grandstanded for a while on that psychopath article, uh, but uh, my phone has started giving me notifications about my screen time um, and telling me like how much it's decreased. And ever since that started coming out, even though I, it wasn't affecting like my, my desire to be on my phone or whatever, but I just have happened to notice that my screen time is, is dropped has continued to drop more and more and more and more and more week to week as I keep getting these, uh, these, you know, metrics delivered or whatever in the notification. Um, I, I wonder, I mean, I, I, I have seen this with a lot of, I know a lot of people who have switched back to flip phones. I do think that the yeah. statement people make about like Lance. phones and dumb people. Um, I do think that, I do think that there, I, there is a, uh, a rebellion coming about where people are, are starting to, um, use their phones a lot less. I think it also has something to do with uh, the the spying and all that because something like 88% of millennials have deleted the Facebook app. It's some ridiculous, ridiculously high things. Like Facebook is only for old people now. I, I'd love to be off of it, to be honest, except for the uh, podcast group, which is the main reason I'm even on it. But uh, anyway, do you guys have anything else you want to say here? Nope. Well, I'm kind of sad. I've read all of JoJo so far and I was hoping to give more insight to it, but Oh, well. Oh, yeah. The guy in white, Bruno, he's pretty much the main character of Arc 5. So don't let uh, Giorgio Giovanna sidetrack this is, you. This is a descendant. Was this a descendant of Dio or Caesar or something? No, because Caesar oh, was. Oh, no. The, Caesar was with Jonathan. You're skipping the still ball run, sort of. Uh, Dio there was, slash there was, there was dash, a arc uh, that had a character that wasn't a, a a a descendant of the JoJo line. It was a descendant. He is of a descendant Dio. of Jonathan slash Dio. Dio's head on Jonathan's body. <laughs> so who's DNA? <laughs> uh, good question. I meant to right. say Joseph. So I, I don't have a lot to say here, but um, I think it's news worth mentioning because everybody knows this by now. I'm, just I'm hype. Up. I'm hype. I want it. I want it. Yeah, it, it <laughs> Where the is Laharl? The entire reason I decided Why did they give... Okay, as soon as you replied... There we go. I got it out. Go ahead and talk. As soon as you replied, I cut out, so I missed everything you just said. I, I just said that I, the only reason I shared this is because um, it's big news, and I thought you would want to talk about it because you're a fan of the Persona franchise. So Persona 4, the Ultimax or whatever fighting games uh, for the PS3 and Xbox 360, they were 2D and like they had pixely art, not pixel art, but it was all like 2D drawn, and it wasn't that very good because of it, essentially, and. Seeing a Joker in 3D with nice Smash physics, oh, I, I cannot wait to play the that because I have the, the Smash in front of me as I speak. But <laughs> yeah, it's my brother's, so I have to wait till I get a Switch. <laughs> the thing that kind of uh, intrigues me about this is a lot of people are like, why is a Persona character in Smash? It's because um, Atlas has the Persona Q2 coming out, well, probably. Um, to which I reply, that does seem weird, but when you think about it, Solid Snake is in Smash. 
Yeah, I mean, I mean yes, yes, there was, was a, the... there wasn't. It started on Nintendo, the the franchise, uh, and there was the Twin Snakes um, remastered version of the original game that was put on, or not the original game of Metal Gear Solid One that was went from Sony PlayStation One to uh, GameCube or whatever. So it, there was a connection there. Persona Five though is per, Persona in general. Are, are they on any Nintendo uh, consoles? I, I just said uh, Persona the Shimagani Tensei series, which is a which Persona derived from, if I understood right, started on Nintendo. Okay. Uh, well, so what I don't get is from Atlas. I get that Persona Five is a big seller, but not Laharl. Not no what? Gaia? Like, where's the Disgaea characters? Come on. It, well, Atlas. they said they've announced a bunch of people or new characters that people won't be expecting are coming. So it's probably going to be like Kratos, God of War, Steve Minecraft, and all that. <laughs> Gears of War guy. Well, well, honestly, think okay. about it. Halo, Halo, Ma- Master uh, Chief. Master oh my God, I'd love that. <laughs> but um, think about it. You know, like Sony, and as much as they're anti, like. Uh, was it anti-consumer and all the we don't want to collaborate with crossplay and all that crap? If anyone had the opportunity to be in Smash, they'd take it, no matter how much how strict they were. Dante so, from Devil May Cry. I'm just trying to think of more people that could show up and totally throw off the current balance of of characters. Yeah, it's but yeah. So I don't know, man. Like actually, no one predicted Cloud from Final Fantasy either, but. Yeah, main character guy from L.A. Noir. <laughs> doubt. He presses X to doubt everyone. Yeah, let's throw Ace Attorney um, in there. Ace just Attorney, just... Gonna... <laughs> All right. So, um, since we're on the topic here, there's another thing I wanted to bring up. Um, in I think the last podcast when we talked about the manga spoiler videos, we had brought up how Nintendo um, has. Uh, made it so that you can't let's play their stuff like they steal your ad revenue kind of thing um actually just, hold on just after that uh um that podcast i learned that they very recently um have finally reverted their stance on that it's okay? probably because of smash they're like damn it this is too big yeah. we can't I, I think it actually I think it was because of the um when they uploaded that trailer and there or whatever and there was a version that didn't have sound or music so everybody added their own music right and it became this big twitter like trending thing I think that that probably finally opened their eyes and they're like fuck it let's let's let them have it you know and Maybe. all they asked for is that uh is that it you actually provide um content rather than just a straight screen of you playing it's it's got to be like you're talking you're contributing there's some editing involved all that kind of stuff so good on them for finally seeing the light and a real quick uh back mention to so atlas as uh augie said they've done the shin megami tensei series like all the stuff on the three on the ds 3ds nintendo's developed a pretty strong atlas relationship game boy advance okay um and uh yeah, Persona Q, which is their Persona 4X Persona 3 game, was originally only for 3DS and still is. So, and the sequel of that is coming out. So, it really doesn't surprise me that they put Persona 5 character in here. It's just that Persona 5 is not for the Switch, so it's kind of weird. <laughs> but hey, 
Who am I to judge? I just want Persona 5 for PC so I can PC Master Race that in 60 <laughs> FPS. Okay, anyway, back to you. Some funny news here. China removes Poo from Kingdom Hearts 3. So, in the advertisements for Kingdom Hearts... For audio China, listeners, they're talking about uh, Winnie the Pooh. Winnie the Pooh, yes. China blurred out Blur every time every time <gasps> Pooh showed up, right? And the reason why is because he looks like their dictator for life. Why? I, I, oh, here, I got to close it. There we go. He looks like um, Xi Jinping or whatever his name, Xi Jinping, uh, he, because he resembles their dictator for life guy, uh, they decided that it wasn't okay to have their fearless leader uh, depicted in such a cute, cuddly uh, <laughs> character in the game. In so, what way does it look like him? The the eyes, you know. How they like look the like smile. little dots. How his <laughs> smile is radically wider and uh, more angular. Like The chin's <laughs> taking more of the neck. So this does seem to be uh, speculation on behalf of the author, but I, I, I think that that's probably spot on. It sounds like a very China thing to do. I mean, it probably uh, is. I'm just saying for the Chinese official who made that decision, you, you're really just looking at anything and saying, I see a resemblance to Mr. China. <laughs> I don't know. Hey, that's like what I said earlier, China is dumb. But... <laughs> you there, say that... Some weird I say that, and probably my next boss, whoever hires me, is probably going to be from there. So I don't know. That's not a, that is not a life goal. I, I may I repeat. So I just find it hilarious how they put a blatant like broadcast version censorship style in the game instead of just removing the asset and the character. Yeah, well, that's that's not in the game. That's uh, that's promotional stuff that they're showing. Um. That they're By showing the way, the yeah, well, I'm just this ready because it was giving hmm, me the same thing as, as usual. By the okay. way, do we have a to love Rue article somewhere in here, yeah, or am I gonna? Be, it should have been in here. I'm just asking you, in case it's I not in it? here. No, you you're absolutely right. I'm. Oh no, it's in. Yeah, it's, it's in the. Uh, it's in okay. the release. We'll get to that later then. Okay, so uh, we're done on this discussion. Yeah, we're done with the poo-poo. References to Winnie the Pooh have repeatedly been suppressed in China over the past few years due to, quote, leader for life, as I says I was calling him, uh, Xi Jinping's embarrassment about being compared to the rotund children's character. Initially, the Chinese state was directly responsible for censorship of the honey-eating bear, although many media outlets now exercise self-censorship in order to avoid trouble with the government because, you know, the government... Uh, I'm a little bit worried. No, I guess it's okay. So I'm just going to say real quick, if you go to Sankaku Complex, um, when I view this on a browser that does not have ad block on, two articles uh, have popped up on some of the things we're talking about that are very not safe for work uh, in terms of the image. So I'm, I'm glad they're not showing up here on the podcast because I would have to go in and censor them later using the blur faces feature on YouTube, which God knows if they ever remove that feature like they did annotations, it's going to be a real bad day for me. <laughs> but, <laughs> or anyone. Right. That oh, this one is what I'm thinking. Yeah, a couple of a couple of game news coming up here. Senran Kagura, which we've talked about on the podcast before, 
Senator Cogra producer says new regulations have made his job. I hard. have a, a good way to sum this up. Essentially, the director says, uh, if, in case you haven't noticed in this new se season, unless it's just until this point afterwards, there's no tasteless fan service. The fan service isn't there for the sake of boob shot or something. It's all like it will make sense, essentially. That's the way to sum it up. But I didn't know there was regulations attached to it. I thought he was doing it morally. So no, this is about the the game, uh, particularly the Steam controversy oh, wait, the that happened. Yeah. So, well, I just said a different article then. <laughs> whenever a new story, uh, pardon. Whenever a new entry in Senran Kagura or another similarly uh, sexualized franchise rears its head lately, it seems as if reports of alterations are right around the corner. Recent regulations on sexual depictions, particularly on consoles, have made it tough on developers like Senran Kagura producer Kenichiro Takaki, who recently commented on the matter in an interview with Akiba Soken. When asked about the development of Senran Kagura, 7 Even, which is, the, uh, which is in the works for PS4, Takaki said, Regulation of sexual depictions has gotten stronger globally, and taking that into, into account, it's been said games need to be made so that they don't cause misunderstandings. Quote, unquote. Um, Takaki added that Senran Kagura is part of a genre currently under heavy scrutiny as a result of these regulations. However, since there are people who want to see that type of content, as well as developers who want to make it, he says, I'd like to think about how to skillfully navigate our way through this. As a result, development on 7 even may take longer than usual. For those who missed it, one of the most recent examples occurred when XSeed Games removed the intimacy mode from the PS4 version of Senran Kagura Burst Renewal at Sony's request. Well, now, I'm going to play the PC version of that, even though I wasn't planning to play the game at all now because of that. <laughs> yeah, well, let me just say that I want to I want to address something here. He says, however, since there are people who want to see that type of content, as well as developers who want to make it. Now, let me just say, um, I'm totally against this kind of regulation that ties knots around consenting adults who want to... Uh, have you know a business exchange of you make this game I want to play it or or of any nature as long as an actual human being isn't being uh, victimized right so I'll just say that's that's my stance on the issue and I think that it's it's a, 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 to, a, as he put it uh, what did he say since I don't know he said regulation of sexual depictions has gotten stronger globally yeah I'll just say that. Uh, that we're taking a step in the wrong direction uh, in, in terms of individuals' freedom and right to uh, to have, you know, consenting adults do business together. And I, I think that I, I'll oppose that regulation. Uh, obviously, if what I would suggest is if, if Steam, for example, oh, I, I can't have that on there. This isn't for kids. Then have an adult-only mode. Yeah. You have to verify your age, right? And And to that point, leading into our next article, all ages modified visual novel. Hello, goodbye. Banned on Steam. What? So uh, I stated this when we talked about this whole controversy with Senran Kagura and how Steam came. They basically backpedaled and said, "Hey, well, we're not gonna, we're not gonna remove it. Okay, so we're not gonna remove it." Right? Um, when they did that, I specifically pointed out 
that they verbalized their statement with very specific language to, to be give vague them enough. to get whatever they wanted off the platform. Because they said, and I, th I think they actually quoted it here, uh, stuff that isn't trolling and not illegal or, quote, trolling, which, again, is something I, I felt like they were going to use that as a way to ban whatever they wanted to ban, um, but keep face at the current moment with those people, right? So um, because of that, uh, this situation here is that this was a, a game that was modified to be an all-ages version, and that, for whatever reason, was removed uh, from Steam. Um, I but read the adult this, version's up? No. No, no, no. I read this article. I don't believe they actually gave uh, a reason. They didn't know a reason. But they did talk about stuff like how... Um, so what, what used to happen is that adult games used to do this thing where they would release a tame version on Steam with a patch to make it explicit that you could download on the developer's website. And Steam at some point uh, made it so that you couldn't even advertise that patch existed on Steam. Uh, and now this is just, you know, rolling down, continuing with that oppressive uh, way of policing what you're allowed to like and what you're allowed to view and all that stuff. Uh, just rolling with that theme, we're, we are where we are. That now the all know, ages version has been removed from Steam altogether. I know that adult games have always had a hardship in America. I hate that slowly moving towards Japan, which really shouldn't be. But yeah. if the if you're trying to censor it like that, then what's the point of the ratings at that point? Like if you can't have your content why have a mature rating why have that's what i'm saying they you know what consenting adults should be allowed to do things that aren't illegal why why would you make this illegal who is getting harmed you know so that's my opinion on it i mean i don't play any of these games i don't really care about them but i do care about the infringement on on the liberty of consenting adults so um anyway shall we continue to the next yes. wondrous article yes about yes, love live games causing wardrobe malfunctions where the wow, uh, that was hilarious <laughs> where the, the game is playing with the with the clothes not loading in now there's nothing explicit they're basically barbie dolls right but um no nipple no foe. yeah no nothing like that but i'm just saying it's just so funny that during all this stuff going down that a major arcade game <laughs> that is played across Japan that this glitch would occur. It's so funny. I, I, I wonder if it was a uh, if it was like a programmed in glitch like somebody instituted like uh, somebody hacked a, a thing they mode. you know what I mean? Um, but it's just quite funny timing wise with all the other stuff we've talked about and will talk about in this uh, uh, in this podcast. But, all I was um, thinking when I saw that video on Twitter was wow better CG than every anime ever. Right, and that's actually it's actually really actually funny. Love live, love live well, CG. Yeah, itself. well, that's what I was gonna say. Is one of the reasons I'm actually so interested in seeing Love Live uh, is because I read at one point that AKB 0048, which I did see and was awful, was considered that company's competition to Love Live, and that uh, that I'm interested to see how because Love Live is like a big name. It's like everybody's talking about it. It's this huge phenomenon. But uh, AKB 0048, I had literally never heard of before I saw it on Sentai's store, you know? So anyway. Brad's opinions and thoughts on the situation of AKB 0048 does not affect the rest of the podcast group. Your group. Opinion? All right. 
I'm just saying that it was it was a dumb premise and the CG was fucking awful. <laughs> anyway, so we're going into release news. Bye, I wanted to I wanted to share this here. I know we've already talked about this before, but I wanted to bring up a specific point here. Just announced G Kids and Shout Factory present Perfect Blue, stylish psychological thriller makes North American Blu-ray debut on um, March 26th. Our friend Professor Who bringer of much knowledge regarding Legend of the Galactic Heroes release said, for those region free or in the UK, get the upcoming remastered anime limited UK collector's edition. It's guaranteed to be better encoded than this. Shout suck at encoding slash compression. So he linked that and I'll just say G Kids chimed in, said this is not a shout disc. This is a G Kids disc and it's going to be the same encode as the UK to which Professor Yu said, oh, I see. Well, I take back what I said. I was mistaken. My apologies. Now, I don't <clears throat> mean to uh, embarrass Professor Who. Professor Who is very knowledgeable on disc stuff. Uh, I, I will revert to this person's uh, opinion on a lot of things. Uh, I wanted to bring this up that if you were concerned about this issue, G Kids is saying that, uh, like they came in here, and just, I, I love how they nonchalantly disregard. They say, This is not a shout disc, completely yeah. disregard the quality. <laughs> it just seems so funny that they would come in here and not even debate the what quality shout of shout contribute like they to it. You could have so. said, This is not a shout disc, which are much better than you're making them out to be. This is a G Kids. <laughs> I just think it's really funny that, that they, uh, they kind of, they kind of. Um, throw them so, under the bus. Yeah, they just sort of acknowledge how bad they are by not addressing that they're not bad or something like that. I just thought it was really funny. I thought that you were going to hear this. Typically, I like Shout, but oh well. I do too, but I, ha well, I haven't noticed any problems. I've, I've never noticed a problem with any of the DVDs I've watched from them. But I haven't the any problem with the Blu-rays. <laughs> the, uh, the show, not, not just home movies in general, but like the show home movies that used to be on, on Adult Swim. Anyway... Sentai Filmworks announces English dub for Two Love Room. Okay, I'll take it away on this. Holy crap, this took way too long for it to happen, but man, I'm happy it's happening. And like I've said in the DMs and stuff, it's probably because Sentai had those surveys that was saying, yo, what would you like us to license? And how would you like to experience it? And people were probably like me and said, the Two Love Room OVAs, dubbed if possible, because mm -hmm. they need the OVAs, but because there's different licensing for the manga. Like the OVAs, it's released with the manga, so it's a different licensing. But True, they probably didn't but... think it was worth it or something at the time. Now, I'm just... Like 10 years later, it should have at least cheapened by now for them to grab. I mean, if they're playing like what you said, 10 years to dub it, I mean... It, it needs to be like at least discounted at this point. It's like, yo, we got the rest of yeah. it. Can you throw this in in a bundle? But um, the thing that I'm like simultaneously happy and concerned at the same time because it's like they just came out with a complete collection for Tsuleveru and now they're announcing the dub. Because the thing yeah. is, when I heard yeah. the complete collection, I'm like, okay, that's the nail in the coffin. We're never getting a dub. We're never getting the OVAs. And they're going right back on their word. The, like the positive aspect is, I guess, never say never in for Sentai because they're apparently willing to make new masters or new replication for at least the cases and everything for these releases as many times as they want which is very inefficient there's 50, 50 releases that makes it infinitely more confusing for someone trying to get right into the anime but 
you know, it's nice that they are going back and dubbing it because a lot of fans have requested it. Now, there is also the factor that there could be premium editions, which I'm wondering how they're going to split up, which I'm hopeful for. But that could also mean that they're dubbing it because they're coming out with a premium edition. Have you seen a premium edition that's subbed only? No. So maybe they're doing it because of that. Uh, yeah, I'm saying a lot. Uh, well, you're being, have you not been paying attention? Have you not been paying attention to this era? Anything can happen right now uh, regarding releases. Let well, me just say that you put that so eloquently that I'm really glad you were here for that because that was you. You hit all the points that that I stuff I wasn't even thinking of. Like nail the co- I'm just really glad that you were able to crystallize that so well. Good job. I'm surprised I even thought of it that quickly. I feel like there's a couple other things. Other things like, A, I'm willing to rebuy it. B, anything for the OVAs. C, (laughs) um, I've already watched this like twice and all the season stub. So I like, I'm hoping it's not going to be too hard to watch it dub. But I mean, yeah, it'll probably be fine. Hey, see, I have no idea why you're surprised. I'm not surprised by this at all. You've been pent up about this topic for quite a while until like, last week till now so i didn't say i was surprised i just i was complimenting him on his ability to to put that oh, information yeah, yeah. Out in a nice concise way um so yeah, that was done well i'm, just, I'm glad uh on my end that i haven't started uh collecting to love Rue yet um I have totally been behind on on whether it was or wasn't dubbed or any of that stuff. I know you've been talking about it though at CDM, but I'm just glad that that when I get to start collecting it, I will get the version that will be forthcoming. You will cut to, cut to the chase. Yes. All right. Speaking of cutting to the chase, let's cut end, to the I'm end. angry. <laughs> I, collect, I finished collecting that this past summer. I have the I'm DVD versions and the Blu-ray versions. All right, so we've got the Sentai slate here. Title, uh, Damepri Anime Caravan. I think this is on the right stuff. Do we want to hold that off until the final? There's only three titles here, so I'm not going to go. It's not going to be that big of a deal if we have to go through it. Hakume and Mikochi uh, and Mitsuboshi Colors. Which is amazing. And then um, (laughs) Reese shared me this link. Uh, during the podcast, um, maybe for this one we should uh, go to write stuff first and then just come back uh, in case we end up. You know, it might, it might be better for what you see. Yes, here's the here's the thing you were just talking about. Um, so there's this one. Made in Japan is Votoms, so that's why it wasn't on the list. Votoms with the six compilation films. Oh yeah. I, so. I'm very disappointed to see the bar up here, but uh, SD Blu-ray. Well, well, either way, um, I'm just disappointed to see the bar. But uh, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad it's happening. And it has. I've been wondering if Tokyo Living Dead Idol is supposed to be the inspiration for uh, uh, Zombieland Saga. I haven't watched any of uh, Zombieland Saga, so. I can't comment on that. So these are some interesting. Yes, uh, we're yeah. We're getting more gigantor. We'll go through them as we. We're getting some good. We're getting spoiled. I think we're already into the yeah. Yeah. 
We're all into the backlog, I think. So let me just real quick double check here. Are there any, do any of these look like uh, they're worth Death March to the Parallel World? Any of these I should click on? Hakata Tonkotsu Ramens. Um, I'll click on both of these just to see. Why is there uh, another scrap? Oh, Scrap Princess must be a re-release. Same with Starmia. Yeah. We without uh, wings. That took like forever. Yeah, but it's a re-release as well. Well, I'm saying that was like, Ghost movie trilogy. So yes. The Code Geass movie trilogy I'll reluctantly buy because I know it's recap, but man. Reese, Reese <laughs> makes an appearance. Well, they're probably huh. sub-only because they aren't going to go back and redub garbage, right? <laughs> what do you mean redub? Don't you mean reclip? I guess. Yeah, sure. Oh, by the way, Wait, I didn't isn't get it, to my... Isn't it weird to see ramen pluralized? <laughs> Oh, what's even weirder is that season there was two show with ramen in the title of it. One about ramen and another one not about ramen, but more of a death game sort Called of show. Ramen. Which show is this based on the cover? I don't see any ramen. <laughs> think this is the death one. Yeah. I hope they have more than yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So uh so there's this Death March to the Parallel World oh, Rhapsody. Is that a limited? Yay. Yeah. We haven't had one of those in like a single slate, except that was only one, so it was underwhelming. Anyway, so Code Geese um, yes. movie trilogy, yeah, gas uh, has uh, has this. Um, is this the first time the movies are getting released? Yes, because yes. Uh, they only came yes. out like last year, I think. So I could be wrong, uh, but this packaging, are Steelbook? these Steelbook? Yeah. Let's hope. Why are they can? Yeah, it's better than Digipack, but there's they're still like you can't replace those cases if they get broken. But if you have a still a series of still boxes, why would you put it in a chipboard case? Wouldn't it be better to put it in a tin? Is there a chipboard case? There's a chipboard for the uh, the complete series, but because I don't see a I don't see a chipboard case here. What's that front one? Is that just the I think that front might be of a one of the still boxes? That's, that's movie. That's like movie one, and this is like movie two, okay. movie three. Oh, wait, what? Movie, no, 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 no. This is this I is just one. Sorry, this is looks like it's just it's literally just one steel book that has all three movies in it. Maybe it's a. That's what I cover. thought. No, yeah, no, no. Because no. this is the same. This is the same cover as this. So this is. Oh, now you can see book. it open front and back. Now you can see it inside front and back. I have a steel book okay, with okay. a flap and a disc okay, on each side, it, I think. That might be what it is. Okay. Yeah, so maybe maybe one of the discs goes here and then one goes here and on the other side of this. I don't oh, wait, know. no. It's like they have one in the flap and then they have the two like layered on the right side. So I've literally well, I see still books being models. still in trend. Augie, I'm going to have you take over the screen sharing for a minute. I, I've got to run to the bathroom. I just had, I've had five water bottles since we started. <laughs> Uh, how do I control your screen? You can't control my screen. Just just go to the uh, go to write stuff and screen share from your screen. I'll be right back. Well, how about right. I read off the titles of the tabs? So, <laughs> Armored Trooper Votoms. Uh, while yes, it's sad that it's not dogs. Pardon what? Watchdogs. Watch that's the name of the mechs. Okay. The watchdogs. Um, the big bing thing. Well, it's a shame that it's not. Uh, HD Master because that would look beautiful from an 80s ish or whatever era it is remaster. But um, it's nice that we're able to get in one nice condensed package all of it in prints because from what I looked at, like 
the DVDs, it's like there's so many different parts and it's confusing. And I didn't know there was 50 episodes of it. So that confu- that confused me even more. But that's just because I'm not researched like Brad. And Brad's probably hyped about because, wow, this awesome mechas uh, that I like is getting re-released. And what well, it's probably a good thing that they didn't for Votoms. It's probably a good re- reason that uh, they did not release the other movies and OVAs because they take a very different storyline per one. So it would like take some of the previous, then change it up entirely, almost as if it's a new identity, but Wait, with the same sort of people. Don't they have the movies and OVAs though? They have the compilation movies of the series. Okay. Meaning meaning they have six abridged movies for of the series instead of different ones. Right. So I, maybe they'll re- release a separate collection and maybe the OVAs and whatever movies are fully HD or something and that's why it's separate. I don't know. Uh, on a side note, you were correct on Makwai. Makwai being um, no Makwai. M a q u i a. Oh, Makia. That is released by Shout Factory. Okay. okay. Which, according to so. Professor, who is probably a terrible encoding, which I don't understand because it's looked like the tri film that I watched seemed fine. Uh, but Professor, who is uh, more than welcome to provide me with evidence and facts. <laughs> uh, while, while we're intermissioning, uh, because I was cut out, I didn't get to mention how Pat Labor, I didn't know how, like, there's this little notification thing when you start up the first disc that says, um, because the English dub is like, they don't have all of the parts of it, I guess, like, uh, it cut out some things. In the best efforts to preserve and have the optimal experience, on the first disc, they have like four episodes, but they have eight files, obviously, and four separate for English, four separate for Japanese. So you have either version available that's, to you. That's also true for the DVDs as well. Kind of strange they didn't add more episodes to the Blu-rays of all things, but well, well, it's because the Blu-ray that'll be eight episodes on one disc technically, and they usually fit up to nine-ish or something. But yeah, yes. Um, I just thought that was really thoughtful and nice that they did that. But yeah, that collection is way worth its value with all of the the amount you get. You f- get fifteen discs. But anyway, so the next one, Mitsuboshi right, Colors, so... I heard is hilarious. That's all I have. To oh say. yes, it's hilarious. Made by the same person who did Strawberry Marshmallow. And to the viewers out there, I apologize since uh, certain someone didn't give me rights, which that's. That's fine for some reason. I'm not able to share the screen, so we're just having to kind of look at what's in front of us here. Uh, but with Mitsuboshi Colors, it is a hilarious, hilarious show about three girls who get into trouble and always harass the local policemen while getting into small mischief that children would normally get in or somewhat get into. They're called the Colors because... They have a clubhouse in the middle of the park and always go out to, well, pretty much volunteer their time to help the community. I think that Sentai dubbed this, right? Dubcast? I hope so. 
It would make more sense to sell if they did. And then Hakume and whatever that other one was. I think you were talking about it before. Oh, yeah. Neo Little Bits. Pretty much a story of two... Um, I'm not sure if they're brownies or if they're sprites, but pretty much a life of little of smaller people living in the living in the woods with their anthropomorphic neighbors. Uh, this is a slice of life. Well, yeah, that's what it is. Slice of life, and I really enjoy it. If you like the li the little bits or David the Gnome, you will really enjoy this. I I hear that it has a dub. According to the right stuff listing I checked a while ago. Okay. So that's nice. And then we have the Tetsujins being brought over here, which yes. I think is nice that yes. we can get all, all of it. So we got so they released two thousand the two thousand T V series. I'm on referring SD to the decade. On S yes, on S D Blu ray, and now we get the move movie of it on both both a Blu-ray DVD combo pack. Then we get the 80s series, in this case called Shin Tessujin 28, which I'm not sure what happened to the dub for Neo uh, Gigantor, but at least we get the full series of it. Right. Which I'm amazed just by that. And I'm happy that because they did SD Blu-ray with the original Tessujin, or sorry, not the original, the 2004 that it's all going to be the same height and all that, so it will look nice together. That, when there was a re the past disco de day, for some reason, when they announced this version of the 80s Gigantor, Testogen, Iron Man, whatever you want to call this, this one guy got angry, <laughs> angry, and pretty much said in the same tone of, what the fuck, get the original. <laughs> Just be happy we're getting this, dang. I understand Stan, you want the other one because the well one, the rhino the rhino version is just not worth even touching. And the second one, the E one entertainment version that I have, um, yes, it is a better quality of it. There was more passion put into it. It definitely needs more imprint. I will definitely agree with that, but be patient, buy it. I'd enjoy the series. I just want it to collect it and then see if I enjoy it afterwards. <laughs> but it, I don't know. I'll probably get something out of it. I usually do. Then Beyblade. Um, I'm glad that I didn't uh, cave and buy the DVD set because I I want to buy of nostalgia before, even though I've only no. literally played the Beyblades. <laughs> I've never no, seen it. It's probably terrible. Now, uh, first off, for this, if you haven't seen this one, this used to air on ABC Family, Family before moving, I think, to Disney XD. So watching this in the mornings before going to school or catching the bus was always fun. If you swapped the, for this story, if you swapped the tops with like martial arts, it would still work. <laughs> work. So the beauty that I, that I like about this is since new video has the DVDs and disco has the SD Blu-ray that's you, to me, this is a difference in rights that they can get. I think with one being with one being DVD and the other Blu-ray, that means it means 
other candidates from new video can still be possible to be obtained from for discotech just like with zatch bell saint saint saya which i i think tms has more control over that so whenever they feel like giving it to someone they probably will if you look on right uh, stuff I i don't think you can actually find the original beyblade dvds anymore so it could be out Probably of print and out of license, and that's how Discotech got it. But I wouldn't be surprised if they got sub-license, because Discotech can do a lot of things, it seems. And uh, But you're right, there though, you about the potential like different there rights, because Bacano, Funimation had the DVD, Aniplex had the Blu-ray. Okay. Um, and the thing that Brad said that one time about Ninja Girl Jubei-chan, is that what it is? Second season? How anime works. Yeah, Genion has it. Genion has it? Still, it, sadly. Genion used to release it, but continue. D- does anime works? They have like the first season or something? Anyway, the second season, it's like yes. we, we can get... There's nothing about the Blu-ray license, though. We might be able to get that. I think Brad said something about that. But um, That's what they said to me as well. Yeah, I'm um, hoping that... If there is some sub-licensing thing, if Discotech makes a deal with new video or whoever, they can grab everything else and release it on SD Blu-ray. Like those or or they can get like Digimon, I think that's new video, and then give us the regular Blu-rays. Oh no. no. <laughs> Digimon's not new video. Digimon is flat iron. And who who knows what's gonna happen with that. That hopefully for the better. They all have the uh, same formats and styles of packaging. I know. I, I still think New Video, Flatiron, Cynodyne, Shout Factory, G Kids are under the same roof parent, but I can't prove it. Even though I go to their website and they're linked to each other. <laughs> um, Maybe it's like section 23. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm really believing that. As we pointed out in the podcast with Discotech, we've—I I really believe that they're—we have pointed out that they do listen to the viewers. Which, thank you, for the love of God, we don't have to deal with more Viz stuff in regards to companies not listening to the buyers. And somehow, maybe because they're a smaller Monica, company, they can apparently so because they're a smaller company, as pointed out by a Handsome Man article. Since they're a smaller company, they can take risk a bit better. So maybe that's what they're using to levy to get more license. But still, they're or maybe the people who are negotiating with the Japanese have an iron stomach for alcohol. Who knows? But they know how to negotiate with some of the tougher people, tougher licensors for for releases. Looking at TMS Toei, especially, I, I think. I think you've educated yourself on uh, that that licensor FDM this past week. <laughs> yeah, and uh, do you agree with my comment on what they are? In which way? Uh, them holding wasn't... their right, uh, dealing with them, and them holding their rights, no matter how insane they are about it. Um, but yeah, yeah. It's, but yeah, That's with cool. disc. Yeah, this yeah with the discotech, I I would love to see what more they're going to have for next year, especially 
I still don't think that they fully slated what they're going to release for January and February, but I could be wrong. Uh, continuing with them. March would be next because this latest one says February on the right stuff page. But uh, it looks like Kimagure Orange Road could be uh, March, maybe. Maybe, but remember, that's going to be a two-volume one as they release. Now, also keep in mind, back in July, out of nowhere, they released uh, the wild one. Yeah, (laughs) just keep stalling. Uh, uh, Sorry, um, sorry, something about toilet in the other room. Uh, They released the wild ones... uh, TV series from 2000s without even giving much of a warning, just like next day, it's here. So, I think they used to be like literally the next month or something like that was when they announced their slate, unless it was just for two months in the future. But this one is about three months in the future. Oh, no, no. Actually, I take that back. It's almost, it's still two months. So, I'm on crack. So anyway, uh, the next one, Lupin. Clearly, Brad linked that because Lupin's his favorite. And uh, yeah, more I Lupin. like it too. Okay, so looking at the comments from Cam Jones. Thank you, Cam. Cam, he confirms that G Kids is def is def a separate in- entity or definitely a separate entity. I think you just uh, to say that the, the company grows from. Uh, grew from a New York Children's Film Festival. So, thank you very much. Yeah, I think you probably just threw that in because there was, you know, it was in the moment, so you just probably popped in your head. I don't think you had any, like, legally binding contract saying, G-Kids is in the the amount of companies that I think are colluding. Ataka so sort of asks, anime that could be used in Guantanamo Bay because watching it was equivalent to torture. I don't know about anime, but I can definitely say uh, State of the Empire is probably one of the things that they would show show in that regard, or I would still say Arjuna, but... So, um, let's see. Next is Galaxy Express. So it's nice that... Galaxy Express 3.9. The first two movies are now are about to be available on Blu-ray. Are, yeah, these are like uh, re-releases, right? Because they already came out from Discotech? Yes, you can get the first three movies from Discotech, which include the first two to work off one another. Then the third one is a reboot with the original art style. So it looks a lot different. Let's, but a brief spoiler alert, they do start, uh, they do end the same way. So don't be surprised by that. Now, one that we, that, uh, I think was skipped on accident was Lupin the third part three collection three which is finally going to be released January 29th on 2019. Thank God. Sadly, this will not have a dub, dub, but it keeps that uh, special edition of uh, Cowboy Bebop from Amazon Prime theme. It's keeping that theme up. And, well, hopefully we can get more. All right, so any others from pre-orders? So first of all, let me just apologize for how long that took. Uh, my son is not very good at remembering to flush the toilet when he's done. And there was a big mess in the toilet that clogged it. And then I turned off the water and couldn't get it back on. So anyway, um, 
Reese just sent me uh, this regarding a discussion about the Code Geese um, or Gay Ass or however we want to pronounce it movie trilogy. I always get a laugh out of you from that. <laughs> um, yeah, so he's saying okay, so they're going straight to a box set instead of singles. I guess that's so that's all. That's all I guess we know about it. <laughs> if they release it at sing as singles, I think they'd lose their uh, customer base. <laughs> I'm not sure why you shared that with me, uh, Reese. Anyway, I meant to say not not part three, but part two, collection three. Sorry, in that disregards. Hey, AC, did you uh, did you put that uh, one release in the docket about part the release? collection and it has memories? The one from uh, Anchor Bay. No, because that wasn't in the actual. Uh, I'll, I'll grab it. it. You posted that as its own thing, not in the, not as in the article doc. So let me, let me grab that. Right. Yeah, I always get a kick out of that because it's like the least uh, eloquent uh, mistake you can pronounce it as. <laughs> what? Yes. Yes. All right. So let me go back to. Uh, sharing but let me get off the actual facebook page so we're not doxing anybody oh we got uh we still got to do the watch oh, yeah, like episode suicide looks like all right pop culture bento box uh, uh, so wait so okay when otaku said shows that anime that could be used in guantanamo bay because watching is equivalent to torture there was a specific anime that 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 comment was referencing I'm not sure if it oh. was Hakume and Mikuchi or whatever, but um, they, the sure, shooting him in the head was right after Votoms, to which I'll say uh, Probably Votoms the is, is really great. Maybe. Yeah, the Votoms is really uh, a great uh, series, particularly because the main character, Chiriko Kuvi, is just such an interesting person to follow and a oh, total yeah. badass. All right, so here's the thing you wanted me to share here, the pop culture bento box. Yes. One of the highlights of this is uh, is they got a movie from Columbia Pictures that's been in their archives for a long time. It's one of the colored anime movies from back in the 60s to 70s. And it's oh. called... Uh, uh, I'm trying to call from memory here. I can't read from that far, and I'm trying to look up the article. Well, uh, the Little Prince and the... Eight-Headed Dragon? Please read. <laughs> Mill Creek releasing The Little Prince and the Eight-Headed Dragon. This two-disc digital download sampler will... Oh, two-disc slash... Sorry. Two-disc oh. slash digital download sampler will include live action and anime films as well as various animated cartoons, which will street on February 5th, 2019. The oddball mishmash includes Yugo Serikawa's The Little Prince and the Eight-Headed Dragon from 1963. And uh, Ishiro Honda's Battle in Outer Space from from 1959, and Honda's Mothra uh, and Katsuhiro Otomo's Memories. Wow, Memories is getting yeah. another release, as well as four episodes each of Godzilla, Astro Boy, and Viper's Creed. <laughs> Just because they already have that, <laughs> right? Now the 2000. Now the Godzilla and Astro Boy is the 2000s one. Mm -hmm. Thousands series. Sorry about that. And the uh, outer, 
and the battle in outer space is a live action movie. So, so far from Mill Creek, they've released memories, but not by a single self collection. It's, it's either been released with memories and, uh, uh, Metropolis, um, the anime movie, and this this collection right here as well. So, so Mill Creek must be associated with Sony in some way. It is, I uh, think, because uh, Viper Creek was originally released by Sony. I don't know if they're just a branch off of them or something. But anyway. still, I'm a, I'm still amazed by. I, I know it's an older title, "The Little Prince and the Eight Headed Dragon." Just because, because it's almost forgotten and it's been shrouded in mystery, why it just hasn't had a re-release over here for such that long period. It so even inspired uh, Samurai Jack with. Uh, this is a double-edged sword. Go for it. Because on the one hand, this stuff is getting released over here, but on the other hand, this ensures this stuff will never get released over here in its own set. It'll always be. Part of some oh. compilation thing, yeah. For lost and forgotten with I, I thought you so. was going to go down the route of the quality because there's so much on a disc, but okay. So, yeah, Kim Jones, other thing I was going to say is it like a sampler where they throw show like five minutes of every everything that they feature, or is I don't that's know. a good question because they they put quite a few episodes on it, but it does say it's two discs, but the the thing is that they're um, Little Prince and the Eight-Headed Dragon, that's a film, isn't it? Like a movie, not not like a show? Yes, yes it's so, a movie. And they're putting this entire movie and this entire movie, maybe you could fit both of those on, on one disc, and then I guess the other stuff is all going on that other disc? I don't know. It seems it's, it's going to be... Uh, I don't know. So, um, regarding... So, Cam Jones said, oh, snap, had no clue this was getting released. Is this a North American release? Do, do right stuff fulfill Mill Creek releases? Um, I yes. don't know actually, but uh, they but have. You, you could get it on Amazon easily, I'm pretty sure. So, I mean, um, the, the fact that you're asking, yeah, oh, Reese is right, it might be a double sided disc. That's another thing, it could be, um, it could be four discs by putting half of the content on the top, uh, double sided and you know, all that stuff. So, anyway. I'm pretty sure just a regular dual layered would be the same amount of storage, but I mean, no. You can do well, be you can do dual you can do double dual layered by doing it the other way. Double dual. Yeah. If it turns out to be one sided, I will laugh if it turns out that both discs look like the roll of salmon sushi that you see right there. You mean like uh, the Evangelion uh, movies? Or sorry, Evan and Evangelion, how that was double sided. No, he's saying that if, if they if they aren't and they have to use cover art on the front, if it's this sushi roll, he's setting a lot. So um, it'll also be interesting to see if these are um, manufactured on demand, which uh, knowing Sony's previous venture with Viper's Creed, um, it seems possible that if they're going to take a, a, a chance on a just a random mishmash of stuff that they might actually do that. Well, um, the thing is, uh, Mill Creek re-released those three films or whatever. Right. That time, those three was, series together was, on on an actual pressed uh, disc. Yes, right. I, I, I feel know. like Mill Creek is here to uh, repent for <laughs> what Sony did to the yeah. previous titles. Well, uh, there's uh, there's a lot to unpack about what actually yeah, surrounded that release. But we don't need to talk about that. Okay, again, yeah. I think we've talked enough about this box. Yeah. We need to get moving. All right, it's four twenty. No, I know. 
Um, so Hamtaro Collab Cafe celebrates, we're into random merch news, uh, celebrates 20 years of cuteness. Um, so I pretty much only shared this because I had been re-watching uh, previous podcasts and we had been discussing Hamtaro a lot early on. Uh, moving on. Um, I almost didn't share this, but then I realized how clever of an idea this actually was. Um, silver evolution necklaces. So huh. it's the evolutions, and that what makes this clever is that you Each get the evolution using the stone. Yeah, so I thought that was actually really clever. The thing is, though, these are ridiculously tiny. Oh my god, <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, so or this is a giant woman, I don't know, <laughs> but, uh, but they are very, very tiny. So Anyway, um, it's one of those things that you, it's like when you wear, it's like when you, when you're a kid and you wear the, the, you know, like the graphic uh, depiction underwear of like your favorite shows, like, you know, it, you're wearing it, all right? Nobody else though. That's basically what's going on here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway. Um, all right. So continuing on, Augie, you had me share this one. Three, two, one, tell time. Oh, yes. So I know a lot of clock enthusiasts who enjoy anime have been wanting to have Spike Spiegel's watch for a long time. I'm not familiar if they were able to find it, but now it's possible. Now, through the sake of me browsing online, you can find it now. Well, I'll say this. At least it doesn't have the Watchmakers 4. Yes. Yeah. For those of you who don't know what that is, we've discussed it before. On watches that have roman numerals the four is usually four eyes instead of iv um which is really freaking annoying to look at but uh yeah for 200 uh so this um this seems to just be inspired by his outfit color wise rather yeah. than actually be and and this is something we see all the time um but as far as all these tie-in watches go, this is probably the nicest looking one in terms of you could actually wear this, you know? <clears throat> so at yeah. least there's that. Now, if it was going to be, if it was going to be more true to the show, the band would have been like a reddish brown instead of yeah, I was spikes. Say, it didn't, it didn't feel, uh, it's almost $300 here, Reese. Um, anyway, continuing. Yeah. Hey. Hey, watches can go up to 1500 if you don't watch it. No, Reese said for $200. I'm saying it's almost 300 Anyway. I can't okay. believe they make so much crap out of this one scene that Levi was in. I know, right? So uh, Attack on Titan detergent gives Dirty Laundry a grim reminder. So, if it sells, uh, should... sell it. Yeah, I shared the Crunchyroll version because I think the pictures were bigger than the one you shared uh, with Hakuso. Um, but yeah, so it's just, and we're, we're reaching peak, uh, Jap Japanese consumerism right here. And as I go into the next article, I will, I will put a period or an exclamation point rather on that sentence. Sexy new Japanese laundry sets inspired by Gegege no Kitaro, including an right. outfit of Kitaro and Neko Musume, right? But just like this, this makes, I, I, I laugh so hard at the sense that there's an, uh, a lingerie outfit, which, by the way, I'll say again, it's just a normal outfit. It has nothing to do with any of this stuff. It just happens to be a similar color. I mean, if you included these color, this color scheme, I guess it did actually come with it. It's very faint, but you can kind of see it. Yeah. So I'll give, I will re retract that statement there. But um, the thing is, the fans of that show are, you know, 50 years old plus. <laughs> So, I mean, yeah, well, this okay. So they said fifty yeah. fifty year old horror anime, but this show has had so many renditions of it that the fans. Including the one happy. last year. 
or this yeah. year. Oh. This year. Yeah. Um, all right. And since we've discussed this with the other uh, shows, oh, no. I guess one piece is uh, jumping into the VTuber life. Next. <laughs> yeah. So Brooke and Zoro are uh, showing up there. Uh, I forgot who asked me to share this one, but the Magical Girl site manga artist uh, will compete in Japan's Ninja Warrior, to which I'd say if you're this toned, uh, you probably aren't a very good artist because <laughs> you have to you have to divide your time between your crafting your skill and going to the gym. And it just seems uh, it just seems like this guy is, is slacking on his, uh, <laughs> on his skill. But I, I can't say that well, for sure. I haven't seen this manga. I'm just saying somebody asked me to share this. AC from that premiere that we went to the about the I forgot the which Ken one it was, what the title of it. Yeah, they were they, all, they were all pretty good, but they were directors and stuff. They weren't uh, they weren't the the pixel pushers on the computer. Okay, like like me and my fat butt. Anyway, um, so I saw this article, and it, it interestingly before this article was published, I saw something else on Reddit that really intrigued me. So it says animators and researchers develop automated technique for coloring anime. Japanese Whoa. animation production companies Imagica Group and OLM Digital have joined forces with the NAR Institute of Science and Technology to develop a technique for automatic coloring within anime production. That would be a miracle. Sorry, sorry, sorry colorists, you, you're out of a job, but maybe they can pay <laughs> animators more. Imagica Group is a production company that specializes in video production duties, including filming, dubbing, editing, restoration, and streaming. One of their subsidiary groups is Oriental Light and Magic. I wonder if that is uh, part of Industrial Light and Magic, in a, in a uh, or just named after it, um, which is like the company that does Star Wars and all that over here. Uh, the production studio of the Pokemon anime. The OLM group specializes in both, in both 2D and 3D animation, as well as visual effects. The coloring technique developed by the researchers is based on recent advances of machine-based deep learning. The researchers developed a color script to correspond with different segments of an image, which is then applied by an algorithm capable of, ma of machine learning. These techniques have been applied widely in various fields, such as coloring black and white photos, although the researchers claim to be the first to develop a technique for automatic coloring in Japanese anime production in particular. Although this technique is still in the preliminary research stage, the research team has stated that they're stated their intent to improve the accuracy for commercial use. The team predicts that the results of their research will be ready for commercial use beginning in 2020. So I want to I stop here real quick and just mention that um, I recently saw a talk at a uh, visual effects style convention about the machine learning. And I used to think for a long time that my field was pretty safe. It's not. Uh, machine learning is going to take away a lot of these jobs, <clears throat> a lot of the jobs. Oh. But but the nice thing is the jobs that they're mostly taking away are the jobs that people don't really want to do. You know, there's not really an artistic um, merit behind the job. It's just something you have to brute force and get done. So, but the problem awesome. with this is the economic problems of, of uh, enormous number of the workforce all of a sudden being out of work and having skills they learned in college that they can't apply anymore and being marginalized in that way. So, Like you said, though, that's more money for the animators, I guess. I'll be honest with you. I don't, think that, mind, I don't I think that money's going to go to the animators. Right. I think, but it's being thoughtful. <laughs> yeah. 
uh, keep in mind because because it's machine oh, machine ran machine a machine machine learning fine it can learn a pattern but you're going to still need the artist or someone there to make sure the machine does what it's supposed specified to do cause fine. It can color all these sheets, but it can get off calibrated and can mess up. So that is true, but it reduces a majority of the work at least. When we get into, when we get into um, the watch club discussion, I'll, I'll find the talk. I was, I'll, I'll give you a demonstration of what I'm talking about because you're correct. Somebody still has to be there to, to put in the parameters. But the thing is that, that the hourly wage of, a 40 hour week is done in less than an hour. Okay. So, so people who had, who had that work now don't have that work, um, which for the industry is great in the sense that, that more stuff can be made faster, but I'm just saying there's going to be a huge repercussion to all those people being out of work. It's just like, what's going to happen where now, the good. Now on the flip side of that, yes, it'll take away one job. However, it will open up many more jobs because even though it reduces that, there's always going to be something else to work on. Like, yes. it'll make like more but, but it's not it's not like the people who spent, you know, four years and racked up a hundred thousand dollar student loan debt learning how to do stereoscopic conversion are going to have machines, machine learning take over that job and they're going to get hired to watch that machine. A team of, of over 150 people is going to now be one guy. Okay, that's, that's what I'm saying here. Those people are now going to have a degree that is worthless, skills that are worthless, that are not going to translate because the jobs will no longer be there. So yeah, new people getting into, into college, they're going to learn new techniques for the new industry. I'm just saying that there's a lot of people who are now going to be on the street, unable to work because all the stuff that they, um, that they learned and spent all that money going to school for has been obsolete, which is why I advocate for not going to college and learning everything on your own anyway. Save the money. Yeah, you Get, can make the same I, arguments with as well but can i can i uh yeah. address some other um oh. this technique will be presented at sigraph asia in 2018 which is either yeah it's got to just be around the corner then um yeah december yeah it must have just happened uh an international conference on computer graphics uh ken angio the research and development supervisor at olm digital will be the chair of sigraph asia 2018 the conference will be held in tokyo from december 4th to uh 7th Publishers have recently used artificial intelligence to color manga pages. Hakuensha began using developer uh, Taizan's paint, paint chainer automatic coloring software to create color versions of Akira Hagio's Jose romance manga, Kekon X Reina, pardon, and Asuka Sora's romance, whatever. Um, Keisuke Iwata, president of, of Japan's anime television network ATX, spoke last year about how anime production process could be completely replaced by AI. What a scary thought. I don't know about the entire production process, like drawing and designing the characters, but at least the coloring seems more feasible. We're going to read... machines are going... <laughs> Good. Now, you can take... Depending on how you take this, if you fully automate art, 
Is it still art at that point? That's exactly what I was going to say. I think that the soul of the shows that were released when everything was hand-drawn, that soul is going to disappear. And you know what? Right now, remember we read that article about no one would be worse off if half the anime being produced wasn't? Yeah. And that, that amount of anime is going to skyrocket. Right. So and like it'll, be, said, it, it'll just be a YouTube video at that point. Well, like I said, the money's not going to go to the money's not going to go to the animators. They're just going to make more shows and work them that much harder. Okay. Well, another way to look at it is you'll hear me every so often in a podcast complain about there's no more watercolor in modern animation. Well, this might be another phase. I know that. I know that. (laughs) But it's not as prominent as what you would see in the 80s or 90s, though. Or like the show that we just watched. Compare that to like. Uramanga Sensei. Cam Jones says, if the fans boycott or react negatively to anime productions with automated coloring, then it won't be embraced by the industry. Um, I doubt it. I think that it, uh, there have to be, first of all, most people aren't going to be bothered by it. They're not, they're not going to be, it's not going to be something that they can foresee into the future enough to be able to actually get hyped and angered over and actually call for this. Like I was going to mention earlier that um, one of the majority of jobs uh, in the United States for people without a college degree, just out of high school is uh, driving for a living, driving trucks, um, state to state. Like whenever I go to California, I pass like a million semis um, that are taking, you know, produce and stuff from Best Buy and all these different stores to different states and from the distribution centers and all that stuff. Uh, When automated self-driving vehicles replace all those that is probably like close to half the population almost that's out of work you know and that's what i'm talking about here is that we we through baby boomers and whatnot grew this population and, and across the world have grown our population so much that we are not going to be able to sustain ourselves post all this stuff happening and the jobs being lost you know it's going to be horrible so um Regarding this, this though, a... well, let me let me just point something out. I I saw a post on Reddit of somebody who claimed they created a bot to do exactly this, and I'm going to show you the result. So they they said they created a bot to color this image, right? Now, um, I don't know. This might actually be one of the people who was involved in in this exact article and stuff. I I don't know, and it, I they didn't really clarify whether or not these were like different parameters put in for different art styles or what. But uh, it's interesting to see, and I'm just, I want to show you if this isn't total bullshit, if this person actually is telling the truth and a bot did do this, this is what I'm talking about. This is what machine learning may be able to do. That's impressive. Yeah. Now, so, the other point I would like. Good. The other point I would like to make. Now, this might seem extreme, but. I think a lot of people would see this as well. If you go to a bank, the teller, the teller's job is technically outdated. Aside from confirming someone's identity, someone signing and and, uh, going through the contracts correctly, there's no reason for a teller because you can just do it. That whole job and process should just be automated. Sure. So you're saying there are no, there are low skilled jobs that could be automated, but you know what? That's the other thing is that the people who are hurt the most by, um, by automation 
are the commun are people who who are in poor neighborhoods, like the. I'm just saying it's 4:35, and we should probably move on a bit. Yeah, let's move on a bit. I can go deeper into this, but we we are not an economic podcast. We are an anime we podcast. Have, so. We have two more articles to discuss. The, the economic collector. Um, well, I'm just saying that down the line, this information I, I know what you're saying. relating to this industry is time. going to be something that we brace for it. Okay, brace for it, especially if you are in a job that could be replaced. All right, so you got to start. You got to start planning for this kind of crash. So, all right. So I got two quick articles here that are sort of similar. China jails Fujoshi for ten years over a gay sex novel. This probably has nothing to do with the novel. It's just something to. Oh God, that's a guy. That's this is uh what's the character's name from Fate Stay Night? I don't know. But yeah, it's, it's a guy. Uh, it's it's one of the most that's uh, one of the traps that's one of you know like the most common yeah. or known about. Anyway, a Chinese writer sentenced to 10 years of jail for writing a pornographic novel filled with gay sex enticed, <laughs> enticed fury. Pardon. Let me try that again. A Chinese writer sentenced to 10 years of jail for writing a pornographic novel filled with gay sex enticed fury and debate across all forms of of Chinese social media. There should be a, uh, a comma here. <laughs> the female writer penned the novel named Occupy <laughs> back in 2017, which managed to sell 7,000 copies online. This soon caught up with her, however, as producing and selling pornographic content is illegal in China. Her work followed the forbidden romantic affair between a teacher and student, the novel being labeled as filled with with graphic depictions of male homosexual sex scenes tinged with violence by a television station. As punishment for, for her indecent sexual fantasies, the writer was handed uh, a jail term of 10 and a half years, sparking anger across Chinese social media, as many soon pointed out that cases of manslaughter and rapists, only liable to serve a jail time of between 3 to 10 years, have received less severe sentences. Continuing wow. from here, remember I talked about those gulags? China is offering 86,000 US dollars for bounty for porn tattlers. So the thing you have to understand about China, it's not illegal to view porn, it's illegal to produce porn in China. Wow. Right? There's actually a um yeah, there, well, let, me, let me read this real quick. It's very short. Government regulators in Beijing have become so desperate to stamp out pornography that they have raised the payout to citizens who report these pernicious publications. Come December 1st, citizens who report locations distributing pornography, online or in reality, will be rewarded with as much as 600,000 won, or $86,000, double the usual bounty for, for porn hunters. The Cyberspace Administration of China, for example, quote, cleaned up nearly 10,000 accounts on social media accused of thought crime. I'm part, sorry, hold on. It says here, spreading politically harmful information and rumors. And it looks likely a porn reporting tally will be a good way for drones to keep their social credit score high enough to ensure such necessities as employment, education, and oxygen. So it's a little bit of a um, charged... Uh, Description by the oxygen. article writer. Uh, well, like I said, the gulags, man, they uh, they killed people for less in China. 
But um, okay. here's the uh, the bottom line is oh, we are seeing we are seeing this trend worldwide. Tumblr banning porn, Steam, all this stuff. This is coming to the West. Okay, it'll be it'll take longer for for the far west like America, but this is coming, um, and we need to uh, be ready and and you know outspoken when we have that liberty of freedom of speech to op oppose this sort of thing. Um, not because I am dying to have access to porn, but because I just think that you know they start with the porn. And then they moved to the next thing on the list of things that are socially acceptable to ban uh, by the average decent person. Then the next thing until they're banning things that you start questioning, but you know, you let it go so long that the power is too strong. The Martin Niemöller poem of first they came for the Jews comes to mind or however that poem goes. Uh, anyway, now we are done with articles and we will be discussing sentimental journey. And I want to give, FDDNM the opportunity to go first because he needs to get some sleep. So I've heard that before. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I'm losing sleep over this title. Okay, so so to sum it up, this anime should be just called um, My First Crush Got... Uh, my First Crush Transferred or Moved Away and I Fell in Love with This Older Guy. Okay, uh, so I know I just said I was going to give you the the floor, but let me let me clarify because this is going to drastically change how you view the show. I did some research on it. It's based on a game called Sentimental Graffiti, and the show tie-in is actually an epilogue to the to the arcs of the game. So um, that's even lamer than. <laughs> so the thing is that you're the protagonist in the game. You're you are the guy that they're hung up on, right? With the guy. Which, you, you're the you're the male character that all the girls in it, each episode are hung up on that in the story. One, that one was her dad was the guy, wasn't it? <laughs> uh, for the anime adaptation, there were some slight changes. You're talking about the one with the postman. The last one, the, yeah, because yeah. the postman was supposed to be her dad or a representation, right? No, no, no. Yeah. So her in in the in the game, at least, she believes that her dad is having an affair, but it turns out that he was actually going to someone for relationship advice um, to, so that he could communicate better with his daughter. And at the same time, uh, his office assistant was also going for relationship advice with her boyfriend and it caused a miscommunication or, you know, like a, um, you know, where you see something unfold and it looks real bad, but it's actually completely innocent. That's how, that's how, from what I read on the Wikipedia, uh, yeah. it was. But um, yeah, every, I got so sick of every episode being like, yeah, I used to be in love with this boy, but he moved away. And <laughs> like, so, so I, I just started to call it after a while. So you got a stomachache from the theme of the show, pretty much. I mean, sure. I mean, for some people, they might be like, wow, this is a really good uh, compilation of girls who had their first loves transfer away. But like man it just got so tiring it's like oh and then the boy transferred away but f the th the thing is i saw on my anime list when i was like logging it's like it was tagged with romance the first time like before i watched it so i'm like okay so it's gonna be like their little love stories or whatever but there was only like one time where an actual relationship happened otherwise it was just hinted at or it was like 
reflecting on love in general, which is very underwhelming if you're looking for any sort of romance. But yeah. it's just or, in general. a really bullshit philosophy on love from a Buddhist monk. Mm. Oh, my God. That episode, I, I straight up just fast-forwarded it without even, like, no, I'm yes. I'm surprised y'all remembered that because to me that was just a forgettable episode. Well, it's just that I I fast forwarded through it and I'm just no no that one I fast forwarded through because it was really boring. No, I read it. I I was half paying attention for that one. The haunted house one or the haunted schoolyard. I fast forwarded through that one. That's the and, that's really? the only one that breaks through breaks from tra the tradition of the show and actually gives you something that you didn't already see before. I, I thought it was yeah, one but, of the better episodes. Well, wow. I I only did that for the sake of time mainly, but but um, it was just you know what at this rate because I got a few minutes through the episode I'm like look and tell what's going on, which is exactly what happened. I'm like. Oh, the things are scary in here. Oh, she's being haunted by this or that. And then, oh, this boy and I used to hang out. I loved him. We buried this bottle, that type of thing. Yeah, and I was like, capsule, yeah. yep, yeah. I didn't even need to see it subbed. <laughs> but, um, yeah, and the fact that anytime there was any actual, like, love interest that was current and not moved away, it was a guy that was way out of the the habitable zone i guess you could say for age or and like that idle one it was like this creepy old smoker guy who's like a what is that that, that was another one that had a real bull, bullshit uh sort of i would say more model but he was no he was a talent agent uh who was making a bet to win some medal or something from his friend she it was, was a true woman. He stood my fair lady kind of because a boy I that moved away I enjoyed that sort of Princess Diaries-esque portrayal because you see this, oh my God, she is not responsible. <laughs> but when he even first met her, she would like drop everything just to do something because it was fun without even thinking. Wait, she dropped it because it was fun? I didn't get that impression. I thought she was oh, just no. At the beginning, at the beginning, she would like skip school just to go to an arcade or she would just go for something gung-ho because it's more interesting than what she's doing right now. To your point, I do think there were some good ideas presented in a lot of those short stories, but the problem is that they were all a single episode, so they A, didn't have much oh, yeah. time to develop the characters or to have you actually care or get mm. uh, invested. But um, through a main... That's... That's fine if you see it that way, but through a means of a short story, which honestly a short story isn't for everyone, it does its job. It was exhausting having 12 separate stories, though, because I'm like, oh. awesome new characters that I'm going to have to try and remember the names of briefly and then, uh, I don't know, learn oh, all looking at the. I'm sorry, but looking at the back of the box and reading it, it kind of mm -hmm. advertises that as being the focal point of the show. Okay. I mean, yeah, sure. I'm just saying it's not for it, me. Yeah, well, okay, so let me let me chime in here because I think this would be a great way to sort of summarize it. At the beginning, when I first started watching the show, I was enjoying how it was going uh, in the same way that I enjoyed Seraphim Call, 
right? Which we keep hearkening back to because it's a very similar setup. Twelve episodes that were uh, that were like it was an anthology, right? Um, but yes. the difference being is that the premise of the story got very tired after a while. So before, so in the beginning, when when you're fresh to the concept, uh, it was fun. But there wasn't an like the variation just started. They all ran together at a certain point, and it, that's what FDNM is saying is that they weren't uh, um, they weren't they didn't hold your attention long enough to be, you know, really, uh, it was like, they just took a template with a different, like a different look. And yeah, it's like, different. it's, it's like they gave the same premise to 12 different writers. Uh, and, and that was all they did. Like, so, so her love, uh, moved away, uh, abruptly and go, you know, <laughs> old guy. That's, that's fine. If, uh, if you let me give me, Give my take on it. For me, I wa I treated this as a casual watch, so I watched like one or two episodes, one to sorry, two to three episodes at a time. Uh, I felt like it was more of a character study per different girl. Granted, they're in the same age range, which that's a valid point for it to be feeling like it's formulaic or in a format because they're all in the same age range. Yeah, we didn't get to see any lost love grandmas. Yeah, Golden Girls, the desperate years. I, um, the thing that got me through it was once I once I realized that it was based on a game. I'm like, oh yeah, they're all heartbroken over this one Adonis guy. You know, like he just he's a heartbreaker. Oh. He moves from town to town and you know gets a girl to fall in love with them and ruins them for life. Speaking of which, for me, let me let me get to the tweets real quick. So I had tweeted this out earlier. I actually I actually ripped the DVDs to get a good quality version of this. I said, what are we talking about on the OCA podcast? Well, definitely discussing this monster dong, right? Like, so this was from the, the arc where the girl was a track runner. So this is actually a baton. But I just I just joke around that the, the guy ruined them. Like he's so, uh, uh, like nobody else can compare. That's why they, they can't get over it this many years later, right? And Augie, if you want me to, I've got your tweets here if you want to go over them. Uh, yeah. Um, so I already discovered, already talked about that one. Well, only thing I didn't point out is for me, this is like a character study for each episode. Uh, one of the things that I enjoyed is some of the characters will either have an overactive imagination, full of energy like super full of energy and their daydreams just seem to be more part of the in more of the interesting bits about them. I enjoyed seeing that and getting to know some, some of the characters or at least how they would reason their situations for that time. Um, I would recommend this if you decide to watch this, I'd re recommend this being a casual watch, like something you would, just like a bag of bag of Frito Lays, you, even though the bag's there, you'd like eat one or two chips at a time before the bag goes away. Some episodes have a higher, for me, some of the episodes have a better pay, have a faster pace than others. Like the one with the rock star, the yeah. To they me, all kind the, of have to be quick. I know, I know. It's in a I short time span. One of the rock star, I. I thought the one with the uh, with the alien school was not that bad. However, you do get some slow ones like um, 
episode six, the one with the Buddhist monk. Who that was a terrible episode because the whole time they're just going back and forth of philosophy, philosophy. This means that that, Um, and I'm just you say philosophy, but I feel like that one was more cliche of you have this wise Buddhist monk quote unquote but really he's just a lazy guy that's trying to take advantage of people well it sounded to me like the, the thing that bothered me the most about it is it didn't even seem like Buddhist philosophy to me it seemed yeah. like um, it seemed like a cult in the sense that the way cults operate this is why I was originally going to title this podcast Buddhism is a cult or cult of Buddha or something like that but um, the the way that cults operate is that they target people who don't have a lot of self-esteem or self-confidence and everything that that person knows or believes no, no, you're wrong you're viewing it the wrong way that's wrong no so every little thing that that girl said in that in that video he's like well actually and he's like he's like twisting around everything she said and i'm like this feels like a cult you know so it's it was very off-putting to me to watch that because I didn't think he was making any sound points whatsoever. And he was viewing things from this, like he said, so the moral of the story was that uh, um, there was a guy who really loved this girl, but his, his best friend also fell in love with the girl. And the guy had, had said, you know, I, I promise to make you happy the rest of your life. I love you, blah, blah, blah. And the other guy said, I can't make any promises except that I will love you forever or something like that. Right. And he's like, so the moral of the story is the reason she chose the guy who couldn't promise anything except that he loved her is because the other guy was lying because you can't actually promise to make her happy. And I'm like, that's such bullshit. People don't, people speak poetically. It's not all literal, you know? And it was just a really like twisting everything around to, to, so that he was always right. The girl was always wrong. And then at the end, he used it as a, as a way to, to, make it that by the way uh how they turned out yeah that guy i was saying he became a monk and implying oh it was him and that that girl was the uh was the daughter of the best friend and the girl right and it just it was so garbage for like they were trying to do this but they did it in like a really rotten way another episode i thought that was kind of lacking i did enjoy some of it but not too much was the quilt uh was the kimono girl because the whole I setting, like uh, I like some of it, but the whole, whole she's going to meet the suitor. She's not going to meet the suitor. Oh no, she's tricked to see the suitor. It just felt like a yo-yo that didn't really resolve, but they broke apart because they didn't want to be neck near each other. It was. I kind of like that because essentially it was like, oh, I'm I'm opposed to it. You were expecting, oh, they're going to want it anyway, and it will be all about. Oh, this traditional style we shouldn't be sticking with nowadays. But then it's like, yeah, we'll respect your wishes. And then she's like, well, I kind of wanted to meet him or whatever. And then as soon as she figures out that, oh, I'm meeting him last minute, it's like, well, now I don't want to. But And he's like, yeah, I understand. And oh, I guess you're opposed to it too. But then it works out in the favor in the end because they both kind of enjoy each other's company. But then so they don't, don't. They decide not to get married. Yeah, I don't. I don't um, exactly remember how that ended. It was just like, well, I, don't I know. think I think it, I can I can put things this way, <clears throat> uh, and this is Seraphim. Most anthologies have this problem. Uh, it's hard. To, it's hard to get attached to a character in, in that amount of time, right? Yeah, that's so. Seraphim Call charmed me 
with the storytelling technique of that one particular episode where everything was seen through the perspective of some pervert putting a camera in the girl's um, stuffed doll, right? And how they would they would change the frame by having her literally go and grab the doll and move it closer to the window or something, right? So it was a really interesting idea. But in terms of the characters, I didn't care about any of them. With this one, it's like the rock one, when that was one of the early episodes, it's like I was willing to give that the time of day. But at a certain point, uh, once I read the synopsis of the game and how the epilogue worked in the anime on Wikipedia, I was content to just like lay back and watch it as you're saying, like a lazy watch and not really even bother yeah. to read all the subtitles because once I knew the story, I, cause I, I didn't need to be entertained by the, the people, you know, they weren't, they weren't entertaining characters. They were just past the time characters. Right. So to that point, if this had been dubbed would have been way easier to get through. Because you could just turn off your brain. Most you know? For most things that we talk about, yeah, that, that aren't dubbed, this would have been way easier to get through. Um, so what I'll say is if this has a if this had a dub, uh, would be worth it. Since it doesn't, I'm not going to recommend it. Um, I don't think that you're missing out not putting the time into watching it. If it had a dub, then maybe I would I would view it differently and say, like, maybe, yeah, it might be worth like a lazy watch, right? But um the other thing. Uh, just to go over these last couple tweets, I said, this has actually for a long time uh, interested me. This I, I mentioned, why are the Japanese so casually aware of black magic? And the reason I said this is because the details in this circle are a little bit uh, too accurate. Uh, it's a part of the Grand Pentacle of Solomon. Um, you know, like, so I'm talking about Messiah and, you know, all, all this stuff being written around here. Like, it, it just seems like they, they knew too much ahead of time or like they, they did their research and were, were so accurate, you know? And I, I said that, uh, this kid doesn't know the laws of equivalent exchange. So that basically <laughs> this is from the haunted house episode. This kid decides he can, he can just make a magic circle. Also, by the way, how the hell are, how are the hell in well, every show? Are, no, how, well, he's reading from a book, but how the hell are they so good at making perfect circles? <laughs> it's amazing to me. These, these magic circles, they write them and they're so fast and they do it perfectly. Like if you try to do this, it'd be like this ugly chalk art that you drew on, on the street. You're like, the oh, pie that, that <laughs> image of a pie chart that says reasons to not be an alchemist. And it's like overwhelming percentage of people saying can't draw a perfect circle. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Uh, and then I, I had mentioned on the last episode, Oh shit, it's Oscar. Doesn't that not look exactly like Oscar? I didn't think of that at the time. No, so no the you mentioned you that. I'm that glad you pointed that out. Is because just after this shot, you realize that she's actually got pigtails but you can't see them from this angle. So I said, I don't even have to finish the episode to know how this love story ends with sticky hands. <laughs> now you point out this, this, and I'm glad that you did point out the Oscar look alike. Cause I was going to point that out as well. In episode one with the cello scene, mm -hmm. I think that's what they wanted to do originally for Evangelion, but it went a different way with that. The violinist in episode one. The, yes, the violinist. Where you see them go into like a French noir noir monochrome, trying yeah, to take was, the loneliness of the situation. That was an interesting episode because that character was speaking French in the Japanese version. Like you know, he was speaking Even French. It was a German Roman. person. Yeah, it was. It was, well, maybe he was actually speaking German. Come to think of it, I think it might um, have been German because yeah, I would have at least. 
recognize that. Yeah. yeah. No, you're right. It was it was German. Um, so anyway, but, one other episode I mm-hmm. want to ask both of y'all. I enjoyed this episode because of the whole ginkiness of the character. You had this one. You had the trio. One was a tomboy who read a lot of romance manga. You have the childhood best friend and her bestest bestie. Oh, you're, you're talking about the one where they uh, where they did the school festival, and um, yes. and then she was trying to play matchmaker, and then it's yep. like, oh no, they don't. They, he doesn't like her, but then at the end, it's like, oh wait, no, he actually does. Yeah. I was confused because I thought it was bad writing. Bad writing. I thought it was the Aww. person that you're following the whole time that was the interest for the guy or whatever. I did like the twist of, oh yeah, he's just moving like around the block. You know, he's still gonna be around. <laughs> Yeah, he moved. For, he's like, I'm moving. And then it turns out, oh, to the next neighborhood. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just I thought it was very comedical. And te- well, in the context of the show, yeah, it was because <laughs> it subverted your expectation. Oh. Finally, they had to set up for like seven or eight true. other episodes. <laughs> yeah. Right. But being more true to the age, I feel like this captures more of like an elementary to junior high type of drama being depicted on well animation through animation. Yes, it doesn't make sense and it's a whole and you have that have that whole misunderstanding comedy, but I feel like it was better depicted this way than what a lot of other shows would do. We're demonetized. <laughs> Just because I said that <laughs> It's because we talked about uh, we talked about social credit score too much. <laughs> Check your credit score today. So, so for my summed up thoughts, um, in the short term, if you're like, I, I guess, yeah, it could satisfy you if you're like looking for a quick story to get over. But I, in the long term, you're not going to have any kind of fulfillment of man. That was a good. That was a good show type thing. And the problem with this anthology format is that with all the good episodes there's bad episodes so because that's so uh volatile or whatever it's like you can't just sit there and be like sentimental journey masterpiece because it's all so varied you know it's um for me i if if you enjoy romance it's terrible certain uh, slice of life this is my opinion slice of life or just a character study I would also just something for like a relaxed watch just something to pick up watch and move on to something else I'd recommend it other than that this isn't this isn't your uh, Azamanga Dio. Show and tour, there's it's not going to be an exciting watch like you would get from some other action show or or other romances like um, Peach Girl. I haven't seen that one or like Peach Girl or whatnot. Uh, if you're curious, check a few episodes out. If you're hooked, go for it. If not, there's other things to watch. Yeah, that's, that's that's my perspective on it. Basically, is it's not worth your time more than a bunch of other stuff in your backlog would be worth your time. 
That's that's my opinion on it. And I don't think you'll ever catch up with your backlog fast enough as more shows that are worthwhile are coming out that you'd ever even have the time to do this. But with that said, I was happy that we watched Seraphim Call when we did because it's another show in the same way. I wouldn't have given the time of day. Probably would have stayed in my collection until I died and I never would have gotten to it. And I'm glad I got to that one. This one, I'm glad I had a chance to have an excuse to actually get through it so I don't have to look at it and wonder for the rest of my life. But it was another thing I probably would never have gotten to eventually, you know? Now, compared to another slow one that we watched, Earth Project Blue Earth SOS, this is much faster pace than that show. Granted, it's a different genre. Uh, it Only by virtue of having to be because each individual episode is its own story. Right. Project Blue Earth SOS was uh, like a one story over like three or whatever episodes. Wasn't it like a movie series? So it was six double length episodes? Something like that. So that's probably why the pacing was a bit slower. Because they had the room. Alright, so I think we're done talking about the show. However, there's one story I need to get across. So this past Wednesday morning about three o'clock-ish you two were having a call. I don't know what yeah, about. Would you like me to let you in on our on our scandal? No, 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 no. I no. I think he's got something else about it. Though. I, I'm not even. I'm not even talking about the content of the call. But I received a call from y'all. So apparently, this was like the later end because I received two of those. So when I got up to like mute the phone because I was. I need to get up at five. Y'all didn't know that. Five, everything just seemed so disoriented for some reason, even the second time. So it turns out about that time, over in uh, Decatur, Tennessee, they had a magnitude four earthquake. So as I was being awakened from that phone call, I was also being awakened by an earthquake as well. Oh wow! So the whole so, time I was uh, thinking, I'm just do super have your tired. Uh, do you have your bookcases um, nailed to the wall or whatever? Um, not, no, <laughs> not nailed. But if you see this border up here, uh -huh. they're definitely snugged into the wall. Yeah, because. Uh, um, yeah, because they're the the bookcases like those are deep enough that unless the earthquake is happening like at, at your house being the epicenter, you're probably uh, right. okay. Now, for an Alabama earthquake in my area, it's as about as it's about as bad as a dog jumping on your bed to wake you up. Yeah, so I grew up in we California. Barely. Well, we're on the San Andreas fault line, and we had some pretty nasty earthquakes when I was growing up. Um, when I when I lived in California, all my bookcases were were nailed to the wall, um, so that just in case, because you don't want to come into your into your collection room and have everything on the floor. Um, but uh, in Arizona, we don't have earthquakes. Um, they don't even they don't even brace the water heaters or whatever to the wall uh, out here because for that reason. Um, so I haven't. I, I haven't needed to out here, but I do constantly worry that at some point when I'm working, I'm going to have something fall on me. <laughs> so anyway, I live uh, in earthquake list land. So I've regarding, 
regarding the uh, the contents of that call um my daughter's been waking up a lot as as you heard earlier i had to go check on her because i heard her making noise she's been getting out of bed while my wife is sleeping and uh and walking around the house so she's one you know she's one years old and i've had to for the last like week straight i've had to um put her in the car and drive for like up to it's at times three hours to get her back to sleep um okay, so that's why what happened was what happened was I um, was trying to explain to FDDM that he had shipped something to my house uh, and the, the delivery tracking stuff said that it had arrived, but I, I didn't get it. So we were talking and I was trying to walk him through the scenario of what probably happened and what, how we were going to handle it. But I was driving. So I had to do it through the call. I didn't want to be texting going down the windy um, mountain roads around where I live uh, and with my daughter in the backseat. That's why we went to a call. <laughs> okay. All right. So now everybody's cleared out. Do we have anything more that we want to say about Sentimental Journey, or do we want to wrap up this five-hour podcast? I'm good to wrap, I guess. Yeah, wrap it up. I might post more tweets for my own sake later on on this show, but that's okay. just for my own interest. So the next podcast is December 27th. Are you guys going to be available for that? Do you know? Mm, nothing Maybe. that I've heard Did I say of. November? I meant to say December if I said November. Anyway, right after Christmas. I'll, I'll be here for the podcast, but I'm not sure if you're directing it to me or the viewers. I'm directing it to both of you, the hosts, because I I'll just want to know. I don't have anything. I have not heard of anything, but that doesn't mean that my parents haven't already made plans. All right. So I'm going to California. I should hopefully be back in time, but I also have to call in for jury duty one week from today, or I guess yes, yesterday now. Um, oh, joy. Here's a secret tip. If you put off your jury duty, if you delay it until the Christmas time, oftentimes you get excused. Uh, so I don't know uh, if, if I'm going to have to go in. Um, I would actually be totally cool with doing jury duty, but at the time that I got the first notice, I was in the middle of one of my super high paying jobs that, uh, that I can't not have. So, uh, I put it off until, until this time so that I would be able to buy myself some time. And, um, assuming I don't have jury duty, um, cause if I have jury duty, I have to be on a, on a day schedule cause I have to go do it. That would, that podcast will be hell. Um, but, uh, and then jury duty the next day will be hell. <laughs> but, um, uh, assuming that all goes well with that, uh, we should, we shouldn't have any trouble continuing. Um, we're going to be watching your moon and your moon perfect order. Um, so this is, I'm hoping two 13 or yeah, 24 episodes on four discs. Yeah. So, um, okay. so this is going to be, this is going to require a lot from you. And I'm realizing right now that I'm going to probably need to get this done before I even leave for California. So, um, at least it's dubbed. I yeah, like the exactly, last like two. Exactly. So yeah. if if you are uh you know, if you're planning on watching uh and following along with the watch club and the discussions on Twitter and stuff, um be Better sure to, get to start on earlier than later. Yeah, be sure to plot out your time uh with that in mind because we're it's gonna be um fourteen days from now until the next podcast and there's twenty-four episodes. So you have to watch more than one episode a day to get through it. Okay. Um and then uh, I'll just say Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays. Thank you guys for stopping by. And I know this has been a very long podcast, but thank God we needed this watch time um, 
to make sure that we don't lose our partnership stuff. And from what I can see, it doesn't look like we've lost uh, subscribers uh, just yet. So that's also good. Anyway, thank you guys for watching, and we'll see you on the 27th. Take it easy. Oh, oh, oh.